Tuesday, July the 27th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Happy belated birthday shout out to Mr. Bacola, my dad, Gino Nicola Bacola Sr. Turned 62 on Monday, so happy B-Day pops, but we have a loaded show for all of you today. We have a really lengthy, full Deep dive into Black Widow with Tim Kelly, the movie that just came out last week on Disney Plus. So uh, we're going to get into that. That's going to be on the back end of this show. Before that, Eric is going to join me for a look at the NBA draft lottery. We're going to go through basically a look at what the top, you know, 15 or so teams are going to be doing. Then we uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the men's uh, Olympic team struggling and then a couple thoughts on uh, on Schroeder and uh, what he's going to uh, end up doing if uh, if the Lakers you know, are going to sign him or bring in another point guard. We'll have a, a quick look in um, at the, what's going on in the Olympics in just a second but we'll have some Wednesday Saratoga plays some Thursday Saratoga plays and then some Thursday Del Mar. So we'll get you a uh, look at NBA draft lottery Wednesday and Thursday racing, Saratoga and then Del Mar, and then Black Widow on the back end of this show that is brought to you by Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets on Twitter. And if you follow their handle on Twitter, every single night they actually have uh, polls that they have you vote on. And if you vote in the polls and help like and retweet and share some of the posts that they put together, one of you will be chosen every single night for a possible winner of the parlay, of the wager, whatever wager is made, you will get the winnings just by following them. And the website, Better Than Vegas, that you've heard me talking about now for a while, it is a website that has a bunch of different videos posted from handicappers and gamblers all around the world, totally free for you to check out Better Than Vegas. I posted some baseball plays on Tuesday. You can go give those a look there. So uh, better than Dodd Vegas, completely free. Give it a look every day before you uh, you put in your plays, like uh, Olympic plays. Just a quick look in. We'll spend more time on the Olympics on uh, the next episode in a few days on Thursday. Yeah, probably get it Thursday evening to Friday. But uh, looking at the medal counter. So the U.S. right now, as we're recording on Tuesday, has 25 overall medals uh, and... Uh, Behind them in second is China with 21. Japan has 18. The U.S. has 9 golds, 8 silvers, 8 bronze, where uh, Japan is leading the way with their 10 gold medals. So you got to think that it's been a little disappointing early on for uh, for some of the big-name U.S. stars. Um, unfortunately, we heard Simone Biles had to... Um, to remove herself from competition, um, citing mental health, which is, I, I really applaud her for doing so. It, it Just like a physical injury, if you're not right, in particular in a sport like she is in, where your balance is everything, one wrong movement, one off movement could be an injury, could be serious, serious injury. And if she's not feeling up to it, and she's got to focus and get herself right, you know what, even if she's she's still got to think about if she if she's going to be able to come back and do the individual, which I believe is on Thursday. And uh, so she'll have a, a day or so to decide. But um, that so disappointing when you train for so long to get to this point, but the courage to be able to know that, hey, I'm not right right now, even though I'm with the heavy favorite, I'm someone that everyone's watching. Um, I, to me, that's impressive. Uh, that that shows that you kind of know yourself and you know your body, and uh, and I think good for her for doing so. But when you take the fact that she's one of the big stars and the women's gymnastics are always so dominant, 
And then the women's soccer, they had a little blunder right off of the bat. They still have plenty of time to recover. Same with the men's basketball. They had a blunder. Um, Ledecky, she didn't win her race. She raced really well, but she was one of the big names. She didn't win. So a lot of the sort of the stars uh, right off the bat haven't had that immediate success. We'll see how it will continue on through the Olympics, um, and uh, we'll we'll keep giving tracks uh, every couple days and updates as to everything that's happening, what the medal count looks like. As uh, just want to give a quick look in uh, at baseball too. It's kind of a weird uh, week last week, heading into Monday. So last week, even before Monday, there wasn't a whole lot of parity. One team was zero and ten, and that was the Rangers. There were three teams that went seven and three. There were three teams that went three and seven, and then everybody else was right smack in the middle of four and six, five and five, or six and four. So not a whole ton of movement in the standings is what that means when everybody is sort of in the uh, between three and seven and seven and three range. Not a ton of teams that had one at nine out of ten or eight out of ten or lost eight and eight or nine out of ten. So in that case, you just don't see a whole lot of movement. Big series. Uh, the Yankees, unfortunately, they struggled for uh, for Yankee fans and for. Uh, non-Yankee fans, which is a lot more people. They, uh, they, I'm sure, love to love to see that. So the the Yankees are now nine back, and the trade deadline is really heating up. There are a lot of trade rumors. So we'll have a baseball segment on Thursday. We'll talk about uh, that Dodgers Giants series that's going to start Tuesday evening. Another big series for them as the Dodgers two games behind the Giants, who just continue to hang on right now at 62 and 37 with the best record in baseball still, and uh, they uh. With a couple game lead on the Dodgers in the West Ben's going to join me to talk some Dodgers In the full Dodgers segment In our next episode And we'll talk a lot more baseball We'll bounce around the league And see what's been happening to the start of this week Who's moving up Any other trade rumors So that'll be uh, more baseball On our next episode of That's What G Said We're going to get into the NBA Draft Lottery With Eric Before we do, want to let you know about Sarah Candles C-E-R-A Candles.com These are all natural Soy wax candles Free from toxins Free from carcinogens Free from pollutants When you use the promo code Gino G-I-N-O It'll get you 10% Off your order Check out SarahCandles.com Right now Eric Etoff 2-1 Sports Joins to talk some NBA draft lottery We go through the first uh, 10-15 to picks or so And thoughts on each of the players that that team should pick, who sets up well for them, possibilities, uh, some other NBA rumors, a little bit about U.S. Bas- USA men's basketball, and then a little bit about the Lakers and uh, some of the point guards they're looking at. Eric joins for some NBA talk. NBA. Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's hot? Okay, we are uh, coming up on the NBA draft now. We just finished the NBA season, and I uh, said we probably weren't going to talk NBA for a while, but I lied because Eric's back with me, and we're uh, just a few days out from the draft. So we are recording this on Monday night, July the 26th. So if there are any trades or any news or anything that happens within the next couple days before the NBA draft on Thursday, just keep in mind that's uh, when we are uh, getting together. We're going to talk a little bit about the top, 10 to 15 or so what the the teams uh and the top half of the draft um are looking at and uh and possibly some moves they will make eric there was a move uh earlier today as uh etoff 21 sports joins me again we had memphis finalizing a trade to send valanchunas and uh number 17 and 51 picks to new orleans uh memphis gets back steven adams eric bledsoe number 10 number 40 and a protected 2022 first round pick um I thought this was a little bit interesting, this trade, uh, too, because 
man, I know you were sort of high on Memphis last year. I was too. I'm I'm I like Jaw quite a bit, and I, I'm they're generally a team I, I like to play as a dog. I think they can overachieve and win big games. Man, Valanciunas was really good for them down the stretch when they needed it, when they needed him in big games in the playoffs against Utah. He had some incredible games offensively and defensively. I'm a little surprised to see them uh, give up on him. He felt like he was a big part of their uh, their you know their nucleus last year. This trade makes zero sense to me. It's like, me too. what are you doing? And when you're a team in the Pelicans who get the best player in the draft, I just say you won the draft automatically. Um, I saw this tweet, Valanchutis from zero to three feet, 69%, three to 10 feet, 56%, 10 to 16, 50.8%, 16 feet to the three-point lane, three-point arc, 55%, and from three-pointer, he shot 37%. I mean, how do you not want that as a big I know. I mean, it's unbelievable. And for the Pelicans, it's a great trade because the two awful contracts they had, Adams and Bledsoe, they completely got rid of. Yep. So now they have free a now they have money for free agency if they want to be signed Lonzo Ball. Zion and, can play next to to Valanciunas too. Yeah, because he, he can step out and he can make a jump shot. And he can absolutely. create space. Yeah, and he's proven in critical situations you can go to him and uh, get a bucket. And he was great for the rebuild in Memphis, and hopefully he does good for the rebuild. And I'm sorry, Pelicans aren't a rebuild because they haven't been making the playoffs. For the rebuild in uh, New Orleans for the yeah, and for the Grizzlies, this makes zero sense. I don't get it at all. I do not get it at all. I loved where they were going and and where they're going moving forward. This just I don't get this. I, I thought the Stephen Adams deal was just awful when they did it last year. It was just way too much for a guy who's always just been like the type of player you can find out there. Like you can find I, Stephen Adams type out there. You don't need to overpay someone like that. Not at all. And he's, I mean, a big, tall, physical guy that's just going to eat up the middle. Like, you can find those guys all over the place. Like, if you're watching FIBA, France is like 20 of them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, I don't know. It, it just, it's a frustrating trade because I was so high on this uh, Grizzlies team going into next year. But this yeah. totally, I don't even think they made the playoffs now looking at how their roster is constructed. I don't like it at all, man. I do not. I, it's, I wonder if there's another trade to be made. That's the only wants Bledsoe though. Like honestly, that's the thing. Wants Eric Bledsoe, and maybe they can. Maybe they can get. They maybe they found someone where they can get Adams, and they can. They had to take Bledsoe for it, but I don't. It just doesn't make sense with their like. So where Bledsoe is going to be playing? You'd rather have Bledsoe playing than Jaw or Dylan Brooks or like he. I don't. I don't get it. Is he? He's going to be off the bench for you. You're going to put him next to Jaw. It just. I don't, it doesn't make any sense, and you're going to have. He's not like a good enough highest. shooter to be a shooting guard, and then that's the problem too. Is with this team, you brought in Adams and Bledsoe. The problem, and I love Jaw, but one of Jaw's weaknesses, it's sort of like you know a week like a LeBron team. You want shooting around him because he's not the most incredible shooter to begin with, and so if the ball's in his hands a lot, you know he's not going to be like a forty percent three point shooter. He'll probably be a low thirties guy, you know, and and he can hit him when he has to. You want. As many guys around him that can hit shots And I really thought the way that their roster was built last year And in the last couple of years was pretty good Moving forward I, There might be another domino here But yeah, this was this was really head-scratching to me Yeah, it makes zero sense And like, honestly, I think there's going to be a lot more trades Going up to the N- NBA draft Just because 
Phoenix and Atlanta showed how quickly you can turn stuff around us. So I think owners are going to start pressuring these younger teams. Hey, we want to see something quick. We want to, because we saw Atlanta and Phoenix being so young, making deep runs. So that is uh, one of the first big news items that is relating to the NBA draft. We're going to get through uh, sort of our little mock for the first half of the draft, and then we'll get into some other NBA news. So this is a this has been one that's got to be, and as a gambler, or as someone who you know puts a few bucks in on on a lot of these uh, drafts and some props and stuff here and there, or you're just kind of paying attention to this stuff. So that way, as soon as somebody makes a draft, you can maybe play a, a total or something that you may not have or before. Um, this one hits home a little bit more for you because it's your team up top drafted number one overall with the Detroit Pistons on the clock. So feels like Cade is the the pretty consensus slam dunk here. And I think if you're Detroit, you have a, a pretty nice little nucleus of some young players that maybe were even a little bit better than you thought last year. Um, I, I don't know if he's a one million percent slam dunk guy like maybe we've seen some. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if he's Zion, I don't know if he's a LeBron, I don't know if he's a Durant kind of prospect, but he seems pretty good. He seems really confident. He seems like big, can handle the ball. He checks a lot of the boxes. I think he's, when I'm looking at him, I felt like him and Mobley were the two guys that have the highest ceilings by far and just could could definitely be the best players in this draft. I guess I only have one worry, and maybe it's just that. You know, he wasn't all that damn good and like dominant when we saw him in the NCAA tournament. Now it's it's really hard to gauge someone off a small sample size, but he does. My my only concern with him is he seems like he can kind of float in and out a little bit. In in a he's a smart basketball player and he doesn't maybe he's not going to try to force things or, or get overly aggressive or take bad shots. I worry about that sometimes. I hope he's not like Wigginsy. What do you think about Cunningham? I love him. I mean, he will, he's been doing all this media stuff. He's talking about the Detroit rappers. This guy's going to fit in great. And it seems That's like everything cool. that he wants to be here. The thing that worries me about him is he can make some really bad turnovers. And he's, he's kind of like Steph Curry with his defensive ability. He's really bad on the ball, but off the ball, he's good at reading the passing lanes and good double team teaming. And, yeah. And creating the steal. Um, I think the alpha will slowly develop when he gets to the NBA. He's got such a high upside. I mean, I really feel that with what Detroit is doing, they have all these players. I mean, you have Bay, Stewart, Hayes. They're all young, and they're all coming up together, and that's how you want to do it. And if you hit on one, you struck a gold mine, and you can make a run. And I hopefully that's what they did with Cunningham. Yeah, it, he seems pretty... Pretty much a fit uh, with Detroit too, and, and I think in during the Big Twelve season and even in the NCAA tournament, even as an eighteen-year-old, he was getting an upperclassman's face and being a leader, and that for me speaks huge. So the, I, mean, the, I think, yeah, the intangibles. I think what you mentioned too, the uh, the the really seeming like. He's not one of those guys like, oh, I don't want to play in Detroit or, oh, who knows? I don't. He, you know, he's not dogging them. He's not acting too big or too good for or whatever. He really seems to be embracing like, I'm going to Detroit. He, he, he's like pretty set on it. So that's cool. You want someone who's all in on where where they're going when you're gonna make a, a you know, a high pick like this because you don't, you, you hope you don't get the, you don't have the opportunity to make another high pick like this in a, in a while. You, you don't want to. But Kate Cunningham, pretty. Pretty solid. I think Detroit could make the playoffs legitimately. If Cunningham does what I 
what I think he can do. And if those next, if we see the second year jump in Bay and Stewart and Hayes, I really think it's capable that Trey can sneak into the playoffs as an eight seed or at least a playing game. There's zero reason why they can't be one of the bottom two if things go well for them. We've we've saw, we saw it last year with Atlanta and the Knicks. Teams can yeah. immediately turn young talent or the east the western conference is deeper. It's still not that funny because everybody was uh, you know it's so good it's so good. But we we watched through the year. It, everybody you know got hurt and stuff, and it's it's a little deeper from top to bottom. There aren't as many bad teams on the bottom, but you know right now that's what's fun. Nobody's scary as hell. Who the hell are you no. scared of out there? Either of the two teams that were just in the finals because they don't really scare you. You know, yeah, I mean Giannis is great, but like none of these teams aren't going to make you shake in your boots. So um, there's no you, Warriors from a couple years ago. There's no, no team that you're petrified about. No Warriors, no Cavs, no Spurs, no Heat. None of those Laker teams. You know that you just kind of knew every year we're going right, to be right there. Like nothing would be surprising. Um, it's kind of fun. It's fun a little bit with the NBA's uh, got some parity. And uh, maybe some parity with the number two pick As the Houston Rockets will be on the clock And this is probably where the draft begins Because there are different combinations that we're seeing out there Uh, Rumors are recently that uh, they may be high on Jalen Green Jalen Green was in the, uh, basically in the G League He did not go to college And he ended up coming and and getting paid to play a year early Against some professionals So he got very good uh, reports there um, I know Evan Mobley very well USC uh, Incredible big man Who can do just a little bit of everything Awesome on the defensive end of the ball um, And he's really able He can stretch the floor And he's got all the, the, all the tools He really does And then Suggs is just kind of that like Winner, leader, intangible guy that if you told me Jalen Suggs ended up just being the best pro out of this group, it wouldn't surprise me because he just might be the most ready to go and like the most like we talk about intangibles. He's kind of got that like it that he's a winner. I mean, the player comparison for Jalen Suggs is Chauncey Billups. I mean, yep. out of everybody in the draft, I think he's going to have the best first year. By I far. think that's I fair. Think he, I think he's going to come in and like I, I said it like back in February. I think. I really think Minnesota effed up by winning at the end and not being toward the top of this draft and being able to pair Suggs with Edwards. Suggs is a Minnesota guy. That would have been a home run for them. But unfortunately, decided to win toward the end of the year, and it's not going to happen. I Which think is funny because you feel like I, I, that's always been such a weird thing, too. It's like I always get mad at like the, the, the basketball gods or the sports gods for that. It's like they're trying to develop their younger guys and trying to do like to to play to do good by basketball, right? To go out there every night and like compete, and they get and they get screwed out of it, you know. And but this it, is the Timberwolves every year. They suck. Oh, you're right. Like the last two weeks of the season, just bobbing and, and weaving. Turn it on, and everyone's high in them going into next year, and they start out like this was a crushing 22. blow. Yeah, this was a crushing yeah. blow for them, though, just to not be able to get another asset here. And especially like Suggs is from freaking Minnesota. Like, you know what I mean? Like. That's his home state. He would want, he'd be fine being there. He went to Gonzaga from all places. You know what I mean? So it's, he doesn't strike me as a location centric player. Oh. He, yeah. So I, I just, yeah, it, Minnesota really dropped the ball. I think the Rockets, I think they're going to go with Jalen Green. In my eyes, Green is going to be the best scorer in the draft. Someone that can just get buckets. And that's going to be him. Like, I really think Rockets need that centerpiece. And, Green has the potential to be the top player when everything's said and done in this draft. He's very flashy, super athletic, like highlight 
dunks you're gonna get all over can score little fundamentals that you need to work on which is sort of a cool like that it was nice that he kind of went into uh, a situation where he went right into the pro I think this was like a, a pro style uh, play I think it'll help him maybe get a little bit of an advantage also um, can finish uh, at the rim um, and then some weaknesses just uh, a lot of the things with an athlete Pace right change of pace not Learning when to slow down When to turn the button when to go turbo You know sometimes guys that have the springs Or they know that they're the fat They can be one of the fastest strongest you, you, you think you can just kind of go that speed All the time and the real key is Slowing things down changing things up Just reading the game you know I think those are all Things that he um, not saying that He's not smart but he's just very Athletic and the more he he pays attention to things. I think a couple of the uh, ringer recap, uh, ringer preview, and a couple of the other ones were saying attention to detail, attention to detail, maybe on defense, attention to detail sometimes in the in the offense and running the sets, and that's just that's just stuff that's that's going to come with uh, with maturity. He, I do think the top four or five are, are all pretty good. He's flashy and he's the type of of player that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a like what are what are some of the comps that we we saw? I mean, him? like uh, Levine, Bradley I Beal, think, I think. Yeah, I think the, the the basement player comp is Terrence Ross, sure, a flashy guy that can come in and get League a monk. Yeah, yeah, like someone like that. But I think like tier. I mean, I think he could be like like a a step below a D Wade. Yeah, I, it's funny. I was just thinking Wade, like step like a yeah. step below a D Wade. But he's got that I athleticism mean, in him. Yeah. He, he does. Like, but, I mean, it comes down to when you get to this level, like, how much are you going to work to take your game to the Here. next level? Because there's yeah. always, always, always tears. Like, you see these kids that come in. You see Giannis. Like, he came in, and he was, like, as, like, as thin as my pinky finger is. Now he's jacked. Like, he was built. And then the last couple years that he figured out this year – understanding like how you mentioned how to pay with play with pace and not rush things. So he took the next step. Luca is a chunky kid. Like he needs to get in the gym. So that way he doesn't have soft tissue issues like Harden has. He can be more like a, a Giannis and LeBron. Down a little time in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. We spend time in the gym and then that way their bodies are in shape and they're not breaking down because they're not taking care of ourselves. So every, there's all different tiers and how much work you put in. Will determine what tier you get to But I really, I'm high on this green kid But he does have A lot of question marks that make me mm-hmm. worry about Some things Yeah, yeah, I agree with you He's Houston's kind of a good spot for him Because he'll have time there Right, you don't need oh. you don't need this guy To come in right now and be Like, he wouldn't be a good fit on a team trying to win right now Because he's gonna be He's gonna make a lot of young mistakes he, He's gonna need a few years to figure things out But he's got, I mean Offensively He's got it all and he's got the frame To be a very good defender too If he can just kind of put it all together And um, yeah I'm, It's funny when I, I'm as, as, as an SC fan At the beginning of the year watching Evan Mobley I, would, I was getting like hmm, You know he's not aggressive Enough for me And then the more and more you just watch him I think some of that had to do with the fact that his older brother was on the team. Now it sounds a little goofy, but that's kind of that di- he played with his older brother forever, and his older brother was more of the go-to scorer than Mobley kind of was. But you could go to Evan anytime, and the way that this NBA is nowadays, he can guard a he can guard a perimeter player. He can switch. 
He's probably one of the only bigs in this entire draft that can do that. And when you look at the template that he has, he's a guy that he's you don't need to just he'll go a quarter and not even get a touch and not want one because he'll just play awesome defense, get a couple of rebounds and put him back in. He's a very good passer. He he needs to improve the three a little bit, but when you watch him shoot it, his form is excellent. He looks great shooting the three. He he looks good shooting free throws. So I think I think all of that will be good. Um, he's got to bulk up a little bit, absolutely. And I want you'd you'd hope for him to if you if you know you want him to be your franchise guy, you want him to get a little bit more offensively, you know, uh, aggressive. But he's really good. I'm I'm almost as sure that he's just going to be a solid player for a while because of his size and his defensive ability. I like him too. The one worry thing I have about him and my friend who works for the NBA brought this up to me. This is going to be the first time where he's kind of out of his element. His dad was on the um, USC sideline. Yeah. His mom is always around. He's been with his um, brother, like all throughout his playing career. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the one time where he's going to like, going to be like by himself. And as crazy as it sounds, I mean, I think back to how stupid I was when I graduated college and I had money in my pocket and he's going to be there younger and times way more money than I was making my first year out of college. So that, and it's one of those things, right. Where it could totally go either way. Right. Like he could embrace it. Like, and then be like, Oh yeah, I don't have my older brother here. And like, just realize like I'm the man. Or like you said, it could be maybe a little scary. You get a little homesick even Um, you're not quite sure what to do. Uh, But the template and he seems like he's got a really good head on his shoulders. Like he he didn't. I don't think he said a word that I I, I don't even remember hearing him speak like at all through USC. In that he didn't complain. He doesn't. He's not a a, a mental case. He's like a lunch. He's a lunch pail guy. He just comes in, does his job. You know what exactly. I mean? He's not gonna. He, he's not gonna ruffle feathers. And in terms so you've got to like, put him in a good spot though. You know, to, just yeah. like you said, you don't want him to be in a spot where you know if he goes to Cleveland at three. Um. Okay. Like I'm not saying it's a dumpster fire over there, but things haven't been great. They haven't been winning. You want to put him in a spot where he's not that he's going to be winning, but you just you feel really good about like I mean Toronto is number four, right? Wouldn't you feel great about him in Toronto? I I don't know why, oh, just I, like development wise and where, but like, I feel, oh development wise that'd be great. But I feel in terms of like Jared Allen, and I think Jared Allen would be the best person in the top four teams in top four. Pairing him up with a big man if that you know what I mean having yeah. those two I, I think they would work great together I mean the thing with this Cleveland pick I think they're gonna take Mobley when I was doing this but if they don't and they take Suggs that tells me they're going to be trading either Saxton or Garland because you wouldn't pass up on you know what I mean like you're not gonna draft Suggs when you already have those two in the backcourt unless one of them is on the move so I Absolutely. mean that's kind of gonna be a telling card. And I think Sexton has been kind of rumored. I, I've even heard of the, I saw the Lakers in some rumors with uh, with Sexton. Um, so and the NBA right. is funny because like when you hear like it's kind of like when there's a calm and there's nothing going on, it's just boom, 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 trade after trade after trade after trade. Exactly. And I really think, and I think because like there's really nothing going on right now, so I think there's just going to be a firing storm of trades before the draft. So right now um, you've got Green to. You do you think Mobley or you think Mobley three Suggs four? Yeah, I, that Mobley right now, to Cleveland, I, Suggs I Toronto. See, 
I could see Suggs going to Cleveland if there's a trade, but it makes zero sense for them to draft him if they're going to keep both both their uh, wing both their guards. It's a great point too. If they t- if they take Suggs, that's going to tip the hand. That that one yeah. somebody's going somewhere, right? They're not taking Suggs with with the Sexland backcourt that they already have. So uh, yeah, that's that's your top four, and I feel like there's a there's a noticeable drop off after those four. Is that kind of how it feels with you too? I mean, I, there's guys with like some potential you know what I mean there's guys when I look back huge upside I mean and it just comes down to how much you work and what developmental system you get to at the end of the day because I mean these guys coming out of the college like Bobby Portis for example can you he was the SEC player of the year it took him a while to accept hey in the league I'm a six seven man instead of the go-to guy are guys able to accept that because we need to remember these guys have been the man forever. And then when you go to the NBA, they're not that important. Any, not, I don't want to say important, but not the elf on the team. And some of them can't swallow that. We are up to number five now. So uh, it's Orlando. Um, who did you think uh, Orlando is going to take? So at, we're, at this point, we're assuming that Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs are off the board. I think Orlando, it, Orlando's kind of got a type of player they draft. I think Scotty Parnes. Fits that type of player, right? He does that high IQ forward, yeah, athletic, and I think pairing him with Jonathan Isaacs, that's a great defensive front court. And another, I think he played ball at Florida State. I just think you know that makes sense. And when you're Orlando, you're just trying to hit a home run, and that's what they're trying to do. Uh, for him, he he's got. It's pretty simple with him. He's just got to become a, a much better scorer. Defensively, he should be excellent. He's got the size. He's got the skill. Um, he he's elite, and he can play make a little bit. But he doesn't. It, it he's he's almost Ben Simmonsy, right? Like he just doesn't even want to or think a whole lot about the perimeter. And that doesn't mean that he he can't develop that. And j- just to piggyback on the point that you're saying, we're gonna see a few of these players that in a year or two or three, they are going to look. Drastically different than the profiles That we are looking at right now Some of these guys are going to Be absolute gym rats They're going to up their three point shooting Percentage, they're going to improve their offensive Game, they're going to become better ball handlers Playmakers, then a couple of these other guys are going to get Paid and they're not going to care Yeah, they're going to get that paycheck (laughs) and they're just going to disappear Because we got to remember Like how dumb we were When we were young and now these guys have money Like there's so many distractions for the NBA player and you know, you just hold oh, your whole, whole together and put in the work. world of options just opens up to you. You know, when you're 19, it's like, oh, I can do anything I want now. Anything, yeah. you know. And uh, so Scotty Barnes, they say sort of like dream on maybe Siakam. Um, he just he's got to be able to to shoot. He's got to have some sort of a jump shot because you, in this day in, in the NBA, you can be the greatest defensive player out there but if they can sag off of you and they can go you know you're basically having to go four on five offensively because you you don't bring them anything you're probably not going to be able to play at the end of a game and that's kind of how I look at a lot of these uh the draft when I especially at the top of the draft can each of these players be someone that's at the very least you know they want them to be a franchise player but can this be someone that's closing out a game for you in the NBA finals uh Barnes defensively could be awesome. He would give them the switchability, and uh, and he would make up for 
some of the defensive inefficiencies of some of the other pieces on their team, but he just he's got to get in that gym and shoot a thousand threes, free throws, perimeter shots every single day. But it all comes back to the developmental. Draymond Green will be the first one to say, if Mark Jackson would have stayed at Golden State, he would have been overseas playing. But when yep. Steve Kerr came in and implemented the developmental system, that's what took his game to the next level. So. I mean, it's the player, but it's also the system that he goes to that determine a lot of stuff. Six seven, six eight, two twenty five. This is a, this is a big dude here, Scotty Barnes from Florida State. We've got him pegged going fifth to Orlando, uh, then Oklahoma City. They have a, a wealth of picks um, over the next few years, and their first one in this draft is going to come at number six. So OKC. I mean, they're in a situation where. I'm sure they're probably thinking best player available on their board because they're just going to be stacking, stacking, stacking over the next few years and just trying to hope that one of these lottery tickets hit, right? So you're probably just taking the best guy on your board or or maybe they even take a few swings on players that may not be like that have a wider margin of error, right? They might be awesome, but they could completely miss because they can afford to miss on a couple picks here and there. I think what they do is I think they try to swing for the fences and take that Jonathan Kamorja. Kuminga, Kuminga, right? Kuminga, yeah. Kuminga, yeah. I think he's got the highest upside. I mean, I watched a couple of games in the G League. I really like the kid's motor. He's got some mechanical stuff with his jump shot he needs to work on. But in terms of ceiling, he's got a huge ceiling. Yep, and he's a type. The one, oh, yeah, for sure. And the one thing I worry about if I was a Thunder fan or working for the Thunder organization is – Gilders Alexander is good, and there's going to become a point where he's going to get frustrated. He's going to want to go if somewhere else and win right now. Or, or if they don't give him someone else. You know what I mean? Like, they just have to give him somebody. So that's why I would take the chance there because, I mean, Gilders Alexander is damn good, dude. Like, you know, he is phenomenal. And he's just, I don't know, he's just going to get to that point where he just gets frustrated with the situation that he's in. So the Thunder have to do something that keeps him happy. Some of the uh, notes here on uh, different write-ups for uh, for Kuminga. Um, he's six eight two twenty, and as uh, Eric mentioned, he did play in the uh, the what for Ignite, I think, uh, in the G League. He says tantalizing athlete, raw skills, but does likely need a few years of seasoning. Every tool a patient team would look for. This perfectly fits who we're talking about uh, with with OKC here, and. Um, you know, elite defensive potential if he wants to lock in mentally talented, but raw shot creator, fluid handle, flashes advanced shot creation, good first read passer. So, um, ambidextrous at rim finisher, active rebounder. Those are all awesome things that you can develop. And and some of the things that are the negatives are things that I think the, are things you can work on. Right? It says like decision making, like your ball stopper needs to be better, playing with the flow of the offense, um, inconsistent shooter. So those. Those aren't things I I hate as as negatives, right? Those things are they seem to be very teachable. A lot of these players they they're in situations where growing up or a lot of the time they're the best player on every court they ever step in on, and then when they have to start to get fundamentals and they have to start to get coached, it's not automatic, you know. It's hard. Some of some of these players who are used to just being like, oh, I can dunk on everyone. They don't learn some of the things that someone like you or I, who's like five you know five foot growing up, has to sort of learn. And and sometimes you got to start all over a little bit when you get here and realize, okay, what are the skills I'm going to need now to really focus in on? 
He he's someone that is a perfect fit for me for Oklahoma City. He's, he's like a great lottery ticket for them. You get a couple years to see if it, it hits. Oh, for sure. And we have to remember, like, people don't get their NBA maturity until they're 28. So, I mean, yeah. this kid's going to have 10 years in the NBA before he reaches that level. High ceiling. And, you know, who knows? He could be this guy we look back and we're like, oh, God damn, he fell all the way to the seven. Yeah. But it all comes back to how much is he willing to work at the end of the day? If, if this kid comes in and he's a gym rat, sky's the limit. But if he comes in, he's just kind of going through the motions, then he's just going to be like a Stanley Johnson, just that yeah. run-of-the-mill jury, journeyman in the league. Uh, so if uh, if Kuminga goes six to OK City, that means Golden State would be on the clock at number seven. You got to think Golden State with where they are. They've got number seven. They've got number 14 in this draft. Um it's kind of the exact opposite of what we were saying about OKC, right? OKC can take more of a project. Golden State, you look around, you've got Curry, you've got Draymond, you've got this, this, these assets here to try to win right now. You got Clay hopefully coming back. They got to try to win right now. Who do you think they that they pick in that case? Real quick though, did you see the thing? Like, I mean, what GM? Because they said they're going to target Bradley Beal. They're going to send the seventh pick, the 14th pick, Jay Wiseman, and Andrew Wiggins. If I'm the Wizards GM and Myers calls me with that, I would pick up the phone, hang up, call him back, and hang up the phone again. Absolutely not. That trade is like a huge insult. Like, I mean, that just, I don't know. Like, that, I I get it. You want to add Bradley Beal, but you got to bring more than that because that's just not enough to get a player of that. that magnitude like if the Warriors would have got a top three pick okay I see it completely but agree not not with the 714 they'd have to change that they'd have to take their seven and their 14 and try to move up and hope yeah. they could get themselves up into the top five or something and then and then we could maybe put that and with then we could entertain Wiggins. the idea and yeah, exactly we, enter- yeah. we can start but, to discuss it but yeah. no not with the no, seven no. because this just this feels like a the top four in a draft, nobody's safe, but the top four feel safe in this draft as far as, okay, like one of those four, you feel pretty good about what you're getting. Then after that, there could be some excellent players, but they're all a lot more of a question mark, starting with Barnes oh, kind of and yeah. on. You know, we just said Barnes and Kuminga are kind of similar in that um, very athletic, could be, you know, got to work offensively. So uh, we're at seven with Golden State. Who do you think they go to? I think they go one of two ways. You got to give some. You got to get a player that can back up Curry and lessen his load. Curry load management start some games even with him, with him sitting out. So I think um, they're either going to go Boatwright, the kid from UConn, or yep. Mitchell, the guy from Bradley. I think they'll take one of those two point guards to come in with that can lead the team on offense, get to the rim, make a jump shot. I think they go one of those two. Yeah, um, at the I think at the very least, Boat Knight could be a sixth man kind of guy, right? Yeah, uh, like super explosive. He can handle the ball, like really nice finishes. Um, he's, he's more also, of a playmaker than Mitchell is. Yes, yes, Mitchell's more of a scorer, right? Mitchell's more of like a, he can get his own. Um, so I think both are good options. You're right. It, most things I see has them like Boat Knight. It has Boat Knight more. Pegged higher um, than than Mitchell. Um, I, neither one of them would shock me a little bit, but those ones feel like 
Those two players feel like two of the more ready right now to at least be able to go in and be like a top seven play, rotation player, right? Play fifteen to eighteen a game, yep. get you six to ten points. That's all yep. you need from them. And both those two are more than capable of doing it. If Steph is banged up or needs to sit out a game, they can come in, they can play twenty eight, no problem. And that's what both of them are easily able to do next year. Orlando, another pick in the top 10 uh, They have the, the 8 pick So we are projecting that they pick Scotty Barnes With their 5th pick Who do you think Orlando would go to uh, here If Cunningham, Green, Mobley, Suggs, Barnes uh, Kuminga and Boat Knight were all off the board I think they go Johnson from Tennessee This kid had a 48 inch vertical at the combine And I think because of that He's going to dart up into the top 10 This guy has huge upside and the games I watched from Tennessee is where, excuse me, during the games I watched from Tennessee, he's constantly moving. He's not just sitting. And the one thing that we saw during the finals, all those guys in the suns were all stationary when Booker had the ball. No one was cutting to the rim. That's going to be the complete opposite with Johnson. Johnson's cutting to the rim. I think he's an Aaron Gordon 2.0 type player. And I think he would fit great with the magic. Um, if, uh, if, they do take a Scotty Barnes fifth. Um, someone who wouldn't surprise me in Orlando either would be would be Mitchell, who we were just talking about. Um, they need some shooting. You know, like a lot of their player, like Fultz even, isn't a great shooter. Um, you think Isaac, and if they pick Barnes, like they don't really have a whole lot of shooting there. I think getting someone like Mitchell, who could be, um, you know, you could probably put next to Fultz, um, he could really score for you. I think he shot 44% from three last year. So, you know, maybe just getting a little bit more perimeter help there too could be a, a possibility for Orlando at eight. Um, as we uh, move to number nine with Sacramento, with the Kings, we've been hearing some uh, rumblings about Buddy Heald possibly being traded. Um, the Lakers, we've been hearing lots of uh, rumblings about uh, um, <laughs> lots of Laker stuff. Although, just take it with a grain of salt when it's Woj reporting the Lakers stuff. Uh, Shams is actually much better when it comes to Lakers stuff than Woj. Woj is kind of like a scorned girlfriend because he had access to the Lakers a couple years ago and then he got denied a lot of it. So a lot of the stuff that he he reports about the Lakers, it's like last year, the Lakers have no chance of getting Anthony Davis. Um, Rob Palinka doesn't even know the basics of the salary cap and stuff like that. It's like, come on, like, come on. So yeah. uh, listen, listen to Shams because um, there have been Kuzma – Healed um, discussions back and forth. Who knows? That'll be uh, you know we'll find out if that happens in a couple of days. But Sacramento, man, uh, they did they did a good job with Halliburton last year. They've got Fox there. I can't believe Luke still hasn't gotten fired. Uh, has not gotten fired yet up there. What do they do? I mean, I think they go Fraz Wagner. I'm not a big Fraz Wagner guy, but everything I'm reading says they like him because he's able to go out and create space and everything. But it's the Kings. Like, who knows? There was a draft a couple of years ago where they took, like, three centers in the first round. Like, you'd have no idea what this team is going to do. It wouldn't surprise me if they took someone completely out of left field. But if I had to guess, I would say Wagner because of uh, his ability to hit a jump shot and create space. Franz, the brother of Mo, but keep and poor Franz. We saw him. Uh, some of the the biggest moments of his career so far were not great ones <laughs> with Michigan. He hit, he hit a couple of bad air balls hit late in, in the game when they hey, needed. I, 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 I had UCLA money line, so I right? was completely you, fine with. You him. were loving Franz. Hans and Franz was helping Eric out there. Yeah. So 
perhaps Wagner uh, Wagner goes to uh, to Sacramento, and then uh, the tenth pick, which was now traded. So the tenth pick is now going to be uh, Memphis's pick here. New Orleans just recently traded this thing. Um, so we've got uh, number ten. Who do you think uh, Memphis is going to select with their with their number new number ten pick here? I think Memphis. You you mentioned it earlier. They need shooting. I think they're going to take the kid from Gonzaga, Kispert. Yeah, he was a great spot up shooter, and he's very, very, very underrated athletically. He's going to come in, and he's going to be able to space the floor. He's basically Grayson Allen, but he's he, not he's, a dick. He's, he's bigger dick, than he's you athletic. think too. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a little bigger, and like he can move his feet more defensively too than people think. You know. Um, Sometimes you get that, oh, he's a white guy, he's slow, and he's not going to be. This guy's better than that, you know. No, like, he can jump. He, he yeah, pops. he's got he's, he's, he he's, get he's up. legit. Yeah. He's athletic and he he can shoot. I he he's another one of those guys that like I feel like right now. Hell, I'd love a guy like that on the Lakers in the corner next to LeBron. Like he, I just feel like if you put him on the court next to a couple other guys and get him open shots, he's going to make them. Um, oh yeah, and I mean, I think he's going to be a great pro. He's going to have. He's more athletic than J.J. Redick, but he's going to have that J.J. Redick-type career that's just in the league forever. A valuable asset because he can make a wide-open three. And, I mean, that's what this league is. You have to be able to shoot, and that's this kid's strength. So uh, right on the outside uh, of the top ten, there are Charlotte, San Antonio, Indiana, Golden State, and Washington. So let's kind of quickly run through uh, some of them and maybe give some thoughts. So if if all things are as uh, as stated right now, um, who would be maybe some of the other players like outside the top 10 that you were high on, or is there any, anyone else like, uh, below that you're, you're, you know, you've got marked, you're looking for and, and anything outside of this top 10 that you want to mention? I mean, I think that this kid from Turkey is going to get drafted by the Spurs. Um, set Sangam. he's a Sangam, Sangam, 18 yeah. year old Turkish league MVP. Um, I think Jalen Johnson, I think, is the Warriors are gonna try are gonna take him at fourteen. We have to remember Jalen Johnson went to Duke, completely quit on his team, which I think was horseshit. But he was the, one of the top rated prospects in this class because he struggled so much in Duke, completely that, fell off the boards. It's a, it's a good point too to remember with some of these players that last year was a was a weird college basketball year too. And 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 even the last two years for some of them with the way the season ended two years ago and then last year how many teams had games in the middle COVID protocols players sitting out they went on stretches they probably didn't get in their rhythm some teams here and there so yeah that's a great point to mention and and, and then there's Moody the kid from Arkansas I love this kid he only has one peso cool calm collective can hit an open three I think he's going to be great. In the league, he's going to be a starter for years to come, but never be that all-star um, go-to guy, but just a consistent guy. And then I have this kid from San Diego State because I don't sleep and I love watching basketball. I watched way too much Mountain West basketball. Matt Mitchell. <laughs> Matt Mitchell Good. is P.J. Tucker 2.0. I mean, he can defend all five positions. And I'm telling you, if he can just get that three-point percentage up to 36%, I mean – this guy's going to be PJ Tucker just sitting in the corner because of his defensive ability and ability to hit down a shot. Where is somewhere that you have, you would see him going? I mean, he's going to be, I mean, that I could see your Lakers taking him at the end of the first round or at mm-hmm. the, the second round. I mean, he's going to be that guy that just drops down and then someone picks him in the next year. You're like, Oh God damn. That, that, he was ready. That guy's out there doing that. Yeah. He was ready. Mean, you, when you're a low, Rated prospect, and you like are in the um, 
drafted late in the second, late in the first round or early in the second round. The way you get on the court is your defensive abilities first and then the offense. They're not going to – being drafted that low, you're not being drafted. You know what I mean? You're not being drafted to be a 20-point guy. Yeah. And he's going to be able to come in. He's going to work hard defensively. Like I said, he can guard one through five. So that's what's going to get him on the court. And, I mean, he's going to be like, what, 12, 13-year league pro. I mean, he's going to be good. Uh, make sure to give Eric a follow at etoff 21 sports for uh, more NBA draft stuff coming up over the next few days. Eric, our uh, Team USA basketball geek, we had a couple of the uh, exhibitions where they didn't look good and people were saying, oh, don't worry, it's just the exhibitions. And I think the game was tied like 63-63 against France. And they got outscored like 20-8, to 20-10 to 10 to finish the game. They, combination of things... They don't seem to be playing very well as a team. They don't seem to be really led by anyone. I don't know who's leading them um, all, or who's trying to be the leader. They and they still have the most talent by far. It's it's still still pretty mind boggling to me that like this team is getting you know run by Rudy Gobert and Evan Fournier. Rudy Gobert got played off the court by Terrence Mann. And Reggie Jackson, like they were going right at this guy, and he couldn't play. And Fournier was like, you would have forgot that he was on the Celtics. He he was that in like ineffective when he went over. You would have completely forgot he was there. Th- this is bad for them. This I mean, bad. the the things that stick out to me are a none of these guys seem like they enjoy playing with each other, right? At all. I mean. Years in the past, you see these guys like high five and even the Vince Ah, Carter dunk. Yeah, the Vince Carter dunk or like, you know, diving on the floor, slapping each other in the ass after a good play. Like, there is none of that. These guys don't seem like they like playing with each other at all. That's number one. Number two, it speaks volumes to me that Drew Holiday won an NBA championship on Tuesday. Was it drunk off his ass at a parade on Thursday? <laughs> gets on a plane and then was the best player by far, not even close, by far from the U.S. yesterday. You know what I mean? That to me, that's just mind boggling. And um, no, like no leadership, like you said, from Durant or anybody else. Dame Lillard had one of the most dirtiest plays I've ever seen on the basketball court when he tripped. Fournier on that break. I mean, that and was a downright. Said, and he said something play. too, like uh, he said, "Wow, they really seem like they're different players playing for their country." These guys are excited. They they take pride in that, you know. Um, I mean, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, you look like like I mentioned it earlier, like um, last time we talked, Luca like wants to win a gold more than an NBA know, title, an <laughs> NBA title, and that just speaks volumes. And also like. France beat us, and it was just like, you know, the Bucks beating the Hornets on a Wednesday. You know, they just, like, kind of shook hands and walked off the court. They it's care. not that big of a deal. We don't scare anybody anymore. And, I mean, I don't go to mean to go on my coach's, coach's rant, but to see how soft some of these guys are is just – It's the fouling. It's the officiating. amazing to me. It's turned them also, into this. Yeah. And I mean, I really think like as a, the U.S. like needs to totally take a step back 
and reevaluate the way they do things. There's there is the NBA season literally just finished, and now Popovich has to go do this. Do you really think Popovich was preparing at all? No. I really think these guys want a break. They they seem like yeah. a bunch of guys that want to t- want some time off. I really think what they need to do is they need to hire a coach, and he is the U.S. national coach. He is in charge of the team. Spends the whole you know, and he coaches through that whole cycle: the FIBA, the World Cup, the qualifying, at the Olympics, everything for the four years, and that's his contract. I mean, granted, like. It, it would be, a, I don't like, like they do in soccer. Cause like, if you're the U S men's soccer coach, you're not coaching like Arsenal or Manchester United. That's your job for the whole duration. And that's what the USA needs to do. They definitely need to start constructing their roster a whole bunch differently. Like, honestly, like D Rose on this team, someone that's fine coming off the bench. Like that's what they need. Like you don't want, and I don't mean to hate on Zach Levine, Zach Levine on the bench. who's done nothing in the NBA, but lose and isn't a proven winner. You know, they just need, like, different type of roster build and not just try to get all these quote-unquote star-type players. Yeah, it's, it's a bunch of guys that just don't look like they want to be out there. And you said it, Luca. Uh, he really looks like he wants to be out there. Everybody else looks like they're having a, a lot of fun, and we look like we're – like, there's a – And how do you feel if pressure. Devin Booker – like, like Booker now has lost five straight games in a row. I, like, I know. The most Phoenix has lost all season was three. He <laughs> has now lost four straight – and then final team and his first Olympic thing. And you you got to be like, what the hell is going on right now? But the FIBA game, the rules are different. You're not going to get those ticky-tack fouls. I mean, who the other big guy from France, I'm spacing on his name, not, not Gobert, the other guy. He couldn't even get on the court for the Celtics because Durant or whoever would drive into him and, like, throw his head back and go to the three-throw line. FIBA, the, they let you play way more physical, so mm-hmm. that way he's able to get away with just little body his ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's able to wait to just holding his ground, and also in FIBA, there's no three seconds, so Gobert can just plant his ass under the um under in, this, the, in uh, the lane. Yeah, right under the basket. The and the USA has no size whatsoever. I don't understand why they don't play Javale McGee more. Bam Alibio, I've been telling you, I've been coming on the show and saying it for like a year now. He's a power forward, not a center. Like, you, he can't be your big. Um, I think they're shooting way too many threes, but I also think it's because the, the team's soft and doesn't want to get hit, to be honest with you. But, I mean, when you have Kevin Durant, who most people view as the best player in the world, and Greg Popovich, as most people view as one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the history of the NBA, and you lose as an 18-point favorite to France in the first round, and now every game is an elimination game, it kind of is a hit on your legacy. They may get a little lucky. I think there are twelve. Uh, I think there are twelve teams in groups of four. So you play everybody in your group. The top two, uh, and then the top eight teams of the twelve end up going on. So if you're first or second in your group, or even if you're third and one of the top, the top two third place teams, you'll get in. So. Uh, they still should have an opportunity to win this whole thing, and and this could just be uh, something we laugh about. But I, they don't. The body language isn't good. I, there's nothing that I like. They just don't look. They just look like they don't want to be there. And yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. I mean, granted, there's no. Are you going to lay the forty-one tomorrow when they play? Iran? Yeah. Oh yeah, forty-one tomorrow. Yeah, let's lay the forty-one. <laughs> I mean, like you know what I mean. Like it's just. I don't know, like 
I that team to me, I mean, because they were up and then they just couldn't score. They missed all those threes. It's just, I don't know, just take the ball to the rim. It was just as a coach, it was such an effing frustration thing to watch. And I don't know if all these guys felt like, hey, I'm just going to go there and I'm just going to get a Mail it medal. In. And, yeah. And, and, and that's going to be it. But there's a lot of good players around the world now. And all these teams are with each other all the time. And they have a foundation in the system. The USA really doesn't have a system and they really don't have any. I don't feel like Grant Hill yet is as good as Colangelo was getting everything organized, constructing a team where people knew their roles and understood, hey, this is what I'm here. I'm going to play X and I'm fine with that. Some of those guys on the bench, look, they were upset that they were on the bench and not on the court during the end of that game. Uh, and Booker pro- missed a three throw too. Booker missed the, If Booker makes that three throw, they're up eight and they probably win that game. So some pressure time for Team USA. We'll see uh, what uh, what I think it's Tuesday night, early Wednesday they when have, we see them next. Play to, Tuesday night, and I yeah, will I get, tell everyone this: lay the points with Nigeria. Take them first half minus two and game minus four and a half against uh, it's Germany tomorrow. Def, I believe it's Germany, but whatever, because they shot themselves in the foot. They're not going to shoot that bad from a three throw and three point land again. Nigeria is going to win easy cover tomorrow. That is a little uh, Olympic basketball. Uh, one more topic with Eric before we let him go. Um, Eric, you, uh, we were discussing uh, Lakers a little bit, and Schroeder, who had an opportunity to sign, I believe, with the Lakers for uh, an extension this year that would have been around four years, eighty million or so, and now it probably doesn't look like he's going to. He wanted more in the hundred million range. Didn't have a great end of the season. Had the the COVID protocols in and out. Really struggled down the stretch for the Lakers when they needed him in the playoffs. So, uh, where do you where do you think Schroeder ends up in, and uh, maybe in what kind of a range? I mean, it blows my mind that they resigned him. I, I didn't see that coming at all. I mean, you're out there. I saw this clip, but it was from your boy Woj that said the Lakers are trying all they can to trade Kuzma and CP3, CP3. Uh, uh, KCP for, KCP for a um, for a point guard and no one will bite. So I mean I I mean to me it kind of says like what we talked about about messaging back and forth. They're not going to sign Westbrook. They're not going to sign CP3. They're just going to come shooter come back and play the yeah. role he did. But I really feel like he's better off the bench. Like he's not hundred percent starter type guy as crazy as it sounds. So I definitely think there's still a hole in that point guard position and he really doesn't solve any issues that they had with the position last I, year. Let's say this. I don't I don't think if we're talking like Schroeder, CP3, Westbrook, I don't really love any of them before the Lakers. I do I think I think Schroeder probably bothers me the least just because one, I think you can still move him. I think he's still movable as a piece if you want to trade him. Um because there's still some teams that would be interested in a Schroeder type guy. And two, um, he's still like a little younger, not as expensive, obviously. And I think he's fine. Like, and I think if if he doesn't realize that after what happened last year, if he's not okay with saying, "Okay, you want me to come off the bench to start," and then maybe he can be the type of guy that comes off the bench and closes games, that's fine, right? But if he doesn't realize that he's 
it's better for him and for the Lakers when him and LeBron have to split up a little bit so that way they can both handle the ball. He's better handling the ball against the second unit. He can really come in and light it up. That's fine. And then the Lakers are still going to need to figure some things out. They're going to still be, you know, needing a piece or two, but it's, you know, as a, as a, you know, Laker fans probably oh, want to get rid of Schroeder, but you got to remember it's a lot easier to sign your own players than it is to, if they just walk and you don't get anything in return for them, that puts you in a bad spot. You, you don't get to just go spend that same amount of money. You always have incentives where you can spend more to save your, to, to sign your own players. So um, if you were comparing them, I, I actually wouldn't mind Schroeder coming back at a, at the right price, but he has to really prove it. Now, he said all the right things at the end of the year. He said, I want to come back and prove it. I want to show. Um, and I I really did like Schroeder most of this year until the, the protocols. I mean, when LeBron and AD were gone, uh, you and I talked. I remember when they were they lost a game or two where it looked like, I mean, they got blown out by 30. And I didn't know if they were going to win one game of their of their road trip. And they ended up going like four and three. And a lot of it was because Schroeder was excellent. They beat the Nets in that one game, and they they played really well. He he showed me a little something there, and I'm not really ready to completely give up on him. But it's got to be the right price. And then if you are the Lakers, you have to go get more shooting because if your lineup or if a lot of your key pieces are LeBron, Anthony Davis, Schroeder, and whatever else you go get, none of those guys are even an above average three point shooter. No one to create space. I mean, they need to, like you said, get shooters. But the one thing is when you sign Schroeder for cheaper than Westbrook or CP3, that's going to allow you more cap space Absolutely. to try to find that shooter. The veterans. Another thing, yeah, another thing to remember is it's easier to add players if you re-sign your own and trade them. I was mm-hmm. talking to my friend who works in the NBA and he flat out told me, he goes, if I'm the Nets, I re-sign everyone that's a free agent. And then when I can, I trade them for better assets. Absolutely. And that's just the easier thing to do. So, I mean, like Schroeder, because he is young and what he can do. Yeah. You're going to be able to find a team that will, uh, you know, take a nibble on him if, if it doesn't pan out, but with him rejecting that contract and making that statement with what he wanted, I thought there was no way in hell he'd end up back in LA, but you know, it I started. No. It started at the very beginning, and I remember being pissed off about it right away because the thing about the Lakers last year when they won it all, Dwight Howard came in and said, "I'm going to do whatever you guys need. I'm going to come off the bench. I'm going to do it." There was nobody on the Lakers team when they won a t- when, a, when they won a title that complained about anything. It was like the perfect storm of everyone knowing their role, everyone buying in, and you don't get that very often. On teams where everybody's just on the same wavelength They all get it Hey, we're all striving to win a title together Whatever I have to do, I'm going to do it Because this year, before the season started Schroeder comes to the Lakers And the first thing that he says The first time he gets interviewed In his press conference He says, I'm starting I'm not coming off the bench And it's like, you just came to the championship team You just came to the team that won a title and the first thing you say is I'm starting now. That's a like cool, right? We, you're a coach. Like I want every player to want to start, to want to be the best, to want to finish, right? You want them to want that, but but to come and say that like that and to really mean it, like oh yeah, we got a deal. I'm starting. I, you got to know me the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like 
he's not a starter. He's a six. He's a six man in the league, in the league, and he should know that because you look at all his stops: stop in Atlanta, stop in OKC. He was at his best when he was the sixth man. Why would you even come to the Lakers, who are coming off a title, and saying, "Hey, I'm here. I'm starting"? It makes absolutely zero sense at all. And yeah, I don't know. It'll be. It's going to be interesting to see like how everything like shapes up this offseason with the free agents, certain superstars like Lillard, is he trading? Is he going? Mavericks and Porzingis, you know, how how are all the dominoes like going to fall? Like is are, are the Bucks going to be able to retain Tucker and Portis? What do the Suns do with CP3, you know, does Popovich just disappear after they don't win gold? Like what what's going to happen in the NBA? A lot of questions and it's always going to make for an entertaining offseason. Eric Eats Off 2-1 Sports has been with us each and every week Helping us out with NBA coverage all year long And uh, we'll have to check back in next week And uh, and see what uh, what happened in the draft If there were any trades made And uh, maybe next week, Eric, if you're up for it Maybe we'll start doing some, uh, some uh, division previews Maybe we'll pick a, a division or two And uh, talk some NFL Maybe some over-under, some new roster moves uh, Maybe like a little bit overall previews for each team uh, We can start working on those if you're up for it yeah, you know, definitely, you know, sounds good. I started, I'm currently finishing up my touches on my draft guide. Somehow I've wrote 15,000 words in my draft <laughs> guide this year. Awesome. It's just amazing. Like, I'm just, just going through. So, yeah, definitely ready for some NFL. Like, I'm. And like give us I the said, plug on that because you can, you can like pre purchase it right now, right? Yeah, it's, I have dyslexia, guys. I'll be the first one <laughs> to admit it. Like, my spelling sucks. So I have to get everything proofread. Um, I have it basically done now. Uh, you can order it right now for eight ninety nine, and then it's I email you a Google Docs link so that way if there is a Cam Akers or Michael Thomas type injury, the rankings that I have are just easily just I just go on there, switch them up so that way you can see them right away. Um, yep, I give you a draft guide. I give you a running back handcuff grid, um, positional rankings, top two hundred overall. I do a little team by team group breakdown and tell you what type of system they run. I tell you players I'm fading and players I'm targeting. I mean, if you're serious about winning your league, you know, it's a great, great value. I mean, I've sent, I've sent, I think I've sent you a couple of my DFS oh, yeah. breakdowns I write. Oh yeah. They're, they're, way... <laughs> they're awesome. They're awesome. Yeah. You get everything there as uh, much as you hear from me and Eric talking, you get, just the same sort of uh, of quality from Eric there, especially with football. That's really where uh, Eric's awesome with basketball and all sorts of other stuff. But football, you could tell for sure that uh, that's something that you you enjoy doing even a little bit more. I feel like. Oh my god, I love football. Like, and oh my, it's great. Like <laughs> looking 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 back at it, I wish I would have became a football coach, but you know it is what it is. I'm happy where I am now, and. Uh, Enjoy betting the games and oh my god I think it's like six more Sundays and uh, There's the Hall of Fame game Beginning of August so you know It's definitely just right around the corner I think it's yeah it's like I don't even think it's that long When is it's it's let me see uh, It is Two, two weeks Thursday August 5th Yeah yeah the, the Hall of Fame game. Guys, Cowboys Pittsburgh under in that game the First <laughs> half under in that game And my preseason betting Tip is I always target Teams that have a quarterback position So a team like Denver I'm going to be looking to back that team A lot in the preseason Because Bridgewater and Locke Those guys are battling Like most of these teams Like like Stafford in uh, LA He's just going through the motions Just getting the reps Same thing with Justin Herbert 
But those two guys, Locke and Bridgewater, they're playing to start. So you're going to get the max effort from those guys. So those are the teams I look to back in the uh, in the preseason. Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports. Give him a follow there on Twitter and on Instagram. NBA draft stuff coming up. Eric's got videos each and every day that he's been posting over at Better Than Vegas, too. So much great stuff from Eric. Thank you so much, buddy. We'll check back in with you again next week. All right, sounds good. Talk then. Uh, everything you need from Eric on that social media You can get all the uh, links to his website Podcast, uh, a lot of the free plays That he has out there And uh, we'll get into some football next week Don't go anywhere folks Always nice catching up with Eric So uh, yeah, NBA Draft coming up on Thursday uh, We'll see uh, who is going to be the next big star of the league. We're going to now transition on over into the horse racing portion of this episode. Remember, DRF.com for all of your past performances. I just posted a video online on social media. If you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. You can check that out. Actually gives you a look at DRF.com and what the past performances look like, how I use Formulator to navigate around really easily uh, through the past performances. So go give that a look. Um, And uh, we're going to get into some Wednesday and Thursday racing in a minute. We want to let you know about that Stable Duel schedule coming up this week. StableDuel.com for all the information. Download the Stable Duel app, Daily Horse Racing Games, and you just pay whatever entry fees for each game. Some of them are free, like on Wednesday at Colonial. They have a free game, they have a $25 game, and then they have a $5 game. So that's the entry fee to get in. Games at Delaware, Parks, and Penn National. Thursday, Del Mar, Delaware, Emerald, Woodbine. Friday, Del Mar, Ellis, Woodbine, Gulfstream, Penn National. Saturday, you've got three options at Del Mar. A couple at Pimlico, Gulfstream, Ellis, Emerald. And then on Sunday, you've got Del Mar, Gulfstream, Ellis, and Pimlico. There's a Del Mar free ride on Sunday to get involved in. couple free games this week. StableDuel.com. Download that app and get involved. Get those entries in and play, race, win. We are going to head on over to Saratoga for Wednesday and try to play, race, win. Let's get to the third race for Wednesday. We're looking at July the 28th, and I'm going to go to the one dreamer's disease. We've got the dreamer disease. One dance left. You only get what you give. Uh, There's seven horses that come out of this race from that June 19th race, and there was more pace that day. Dreamer's disease is going to get stretching out from seven furlongs to a mile, but he's going to be a first-time gelding today. He hasn't won in a while, and he does need the right kind of circumstance. I think with the inside draw, and in this particular field, he's going to get that. He broke through the gate prior to the start, which is just never a positive, and um, he had a good start, but he just couldn't clear off. He was pressed all the way around to his outside. Let's see if Dreamer's Disease can steal the third race. The number one, he's 8-1 to one morning line. Anything around 5-1 to one would feel fair there as we move to the fifth race at Saratoga. We got New York bred maiden specials, mile and a 16th on the turf. I'm looking at the two Toga Dancer, first time starter. One of uh, his two siblings won. The dam of this one was a six time winner, earned 341,000 and um, won the second career start going a mile in the slop, a multiple stakes winner, graded stakes placed, and all of that success was basically going long on the turf. I think there were one or two victories that weren't on the grass. So uh, Toga Dancer should be good to go long on the grass. Yeah, it's not easy to debut uh, long on the grass, but I don't I don't see any monsters in here that, who scare the heck out of me. Um, I would include the 1, 3, and 8. In exotics, we'd put the two Toga Dancer on top. We'd play Toga Dancer if we can get anything around 5-1. to one. Uh, That was a 10-1 to one morning line there. 
Sixth race, the two, to me, again, looks like the one to catch drawn down towards the inside. I don't see all that much speed in here, so absolute courage should be second time going long. It kind of progressing nicely here, continues to move forward. Let's go absolute courage. We'd need around 3-1 to one to make the win wager there in the sixth. Moving on to the seventh race, the number seven, Sweet Melania, five to one morning line. I've got her pegged as a seven to two shot in here just because she really does look like the controlling speed. I know there have been a couple horses when I'm looking at it paper, and, and it never happens that way, right? When it looks like there's no loan speed, it very rarely does. But she does look like the one to catch. She's proven at Saratoga. She's run well here. She likes this trip. She's stretching out from six furlongs to a mile and a 16th. She's a little bit fresh, but last we saw her, she was sprinting, so maybe that speed got sharpened up even uh, a bit more and you know she was getting good last year and then she ran in the the queen's the, the qe2 cup and um and she didn't race again till march of this year and, and she didn't run poorly when when setting the pace and you know, they tried her in a sprint i think it's a good spot for sweet melania the number seven in race number seven anything around seven to two or so feels fair the horse i gave out on uh, on social media in race number eight is the five by George, who just has a lot of things for me to like. Debut winner, so uh, beat a horse that came back to win next out to Boston, a horse who's actually graded stakes place. This is a good jockey trainer combo. They second start out, they hooked up with the uh, Drain the Clock, who's a grade one winner, multiple graded stakes place. They thought enough of by George to try the swale. Came back in the third start, showed a little bit of speed. It was on a good track. I can excuse that. And then they tried the grass. The race is a little bit better than it looks. He drew the rail, and he stepped slow. He kind of got shuffled back from the inside, three, four lengths off. He was last of six. He had nowhere to go. He stayed inside, and he was chasing a wire-to-wire next out winner <clears throat> that day into the sunshine. There is not a... You know, it wasn't like obvious crazy trouble, but it was sneaky. Could have been closer to Yes and Yes, who finished second there, and Yes and Yes is going to be a contender in this spot. By George, has a winning turf sib, gets off the rail, the number five, by George in race number eight. As we move to the ninth, to me, I just thought it was going to be kind of a chalky stakes race in the... uh, um, the Honorable Miss, where you've got the two, Regan's Edge is a horse who, I think if you're trying to beat Bell's the One, Bell's the One's classy, she needs she needs the right kind of pace setup though, but it's interesting, so you feel like she's better at 6.5 or 7, she's actually a perfect 4 for 4 at 6, um, she probably gets the pace to run at, she's drawn towards the outside, which I think will help her, so I'm, I'm not going to try to get too cute in the ninth race, so nothing really worth uh, sharing, I mean the 4 wouldn't shock me there, it would just kind of be 2, 9, and 4, that is Wednesday over at Saratoga. Um, we want to let you know about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said, OldSmokeClothing.com. They are literally named after Old Smoke John Morrissey. There's a stakes race on Thursday coming up. Name the John Morrissey, one of the founding fathers of Saratoga. OldSmokeClothing.com. High quality clothing and merchandise that horse racing fans will love. Use the promo code GINO. It'll get you free shipping on your order. We're talking hats, t-shirts, uh, hoodies, zip-ups, long sleeves. They have custom design capabilities, all sorts of membership deals where you sign up and you can get monthly packages sent to you. Check out OldSmokeClothing.com with that promo code G-I-N-O. Let's get to Thursday, Saratoga. I've got three plays for Thursday. The first one comes in race number two. We've got New York Bread's uh, non-twos, optional 45 mile in the turf course. I thought the one cold hard cash in his two turf races, they've been 
pretty good. Uh, in both starts, he was behind Clicktate, who is going to be a uh, Click it at, click it at. <laughs> who uh, is is not going to be in this spot? It's going to be the third start on the turf for Cold Hard Cash. He was in some traffic early on on July the second. He was in between horses. He settled in the second flight in the middle of a, a a group of three. Then he angled out. He actually was just second best that day. It was a solid effort. He kept trying hard all the way. I think the one Cold Hard Cash saving all the ground from the inside is seven to two on the morning line. Um, at around three to one, I would make a win wager here, and I would uh, also treat him as an early exotic single in the early pick five or any early exotics that you're playing. Let's move to race number eight here uh, for Thursday, Saratoga. This is an optional 80 non two, six and a half furlongs on the main track. I like the six Regal Retort. Uh, Regal Retort is going to go third start off the layoff now and is going to get some pace to run at in this field. You can kind of go through her pattern of races and she's not quick, um, but I don't think she's quite as slow as some of her races might make it seem. She's had a couple bad starts and I think there are a few that you can just kind of put a line right through. Um, Regal Retort get some pace third off the bench in here and you know looking at this field you're probably going to get some speed from motivated seller malibu mischief and as fast from the outside and then there probably are two or three other pressing types so i think regal retort at the six and a half furlong distance should be very well meant i've been a little disappointed in finding fame i thought really highly of her after the first two victories uh the first two races of her career where she won both of them and she's just been a little bit flat a little disappointing since um she wasn't really asked in her june 11th race very much early she finished she was sort of last of six early three deep ended up finishing third behind a horse uh, who was second who came back to win uh, next time out she wouldn't i wouldn't want to completely dismiss her i still feel like there's more than we've seen from her but i just don't wouldn't want to take any kind of a short price i i would prefer the six if you can get anything around seven to two or so and maybe use the four and some uh some other exotics mention that old smoke john morrissey the john morrissey handicap in race number nine is uh six and a half furlongs on the main for new york breads i just i really couldn't get all that cute in here um initially and the more and more i looked at this race if we can get four to one on gemography i think that's a fair price for a horse who's coming out of some open races last time he was in against new york breads he won actually came out of that race and then beat first level allowance open company and then in his last three starts he hadn't raced for a few months and finished second behind big engine came back on may the first and there were three next out winners in a tough race that day that was won by three technique who uh, has also came out of that race to, to, to run well. He finished third against Grade 2 Company. Montauk Traffic won an optional $100,000 claimer um, out of there. And then on June the 10th, um, Gemography finished behind a horse or finished right in front of a horse named Town Classic who came out of that race to win. So give me Gemography sitting just off the pace. He took back in between horses. He came up the press at the top of the lane right up on even terms and was just second best. Gemography, the number eight. If he's anything around four to one, I'll make a win wager in race number nine at Saratoga. That is on Thursday. We're going to head on over to Del Mar for Thursday. I know someone who loves the head of the races down at Del Mar is our friend full-service realtor Cindy Carava. And you need to check out her website, cindycarava.com, if you have any questions ever or you need any help 
in the field of real estate, buying, selling, leasing. Maybe you need help um, just improving your home a little bit. She can connect you with vendors. If she, if you need help with uh, a loan or approval, she can connect you with the right vendors. Um, she, in so many different ways, Cindy can help you out. She will just uh, check off a lot of those boxes for you. You won't be stressed out. She's one of the most kind and genuine people you will ever meet. CindyCarava.com. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Let's head to Del Mar for Thursday. Get those past performances out. Del Mar Thursday, July the 29th. Got to be honest, there was one horse that I absolutely liked on this card, and I couldn't really find any nice type prices to give out to you. Um, In the first race, if you're playing the early pick five, I'm in a single to three civil suit. I mean, if, if this horse is anything around 5-2, to I'd bet it, her to win. I think she's probably going to get bet down, and I'll just single her. If you look at her pattern, her debut, she was good on the turf against Maiden's Calbred Maiden Specials, uh, came back in career start number two, and then that was the race that sent her to the bench for a while, a few months. Um, she comes back in May, and she wins by 13 on the dirt, absolutely just crushes. And, and then we don't see her again from May of 2020 to June of 2021, so... She, sh- she shows back up with a pretty fine start inside. She got pushed back a little bit. She was behind horses. She's kind of waiting. She got an opening, and she angled off the rail. She closed in between. She ended up fourth. She should have really been third that day. She'll now go second start off of that long, long layoff. I expect much better from Civil Suit, who gets off the rail and has more speed than she showed last time out. But she probably isn't going to be a- worth playing if she gets bet. Maybe more like a, a single in the early pick five. The horse who I really uh, like, if we can get anything around 3-1, to one, I mean, I've got her pegged as a 5-2 to two shot in race number 6. So let's flip to the 6th. 40 claimers, mile on the turf course here. The number 4, Plum Sexy, who uh, I'm looking at a couple races from Plum Sexy, right? On May the 30th, just cross that race right out. She's in a grade 2 summertime Oaks that, that day. She's behind... Crazy Beautiful, who won the Delaware Oaks next time out. She's behind Soothsay, who came back to win uh, Greatest Stakes Race at Indy. And Lady Aces, who was third, finished a neck behind Soothsay in that Greatest Stakes. That was a loaded Summer Oaks. That's um, The May 22nd race, Plum Sexy's got a fast start. She settles inside. She's third. She's fourth. She's three lengths off. She starts to move, but she's right up on the heels. She's got nowhere to go. She's back to sixth. She's inside. She keeps to the inside, and she just never got a seam. It was a real sneaky trouble. Nowhere to run. Crazy, uh, crazy beautiful. Soothsay in the race last time. Crossed that one out. Look at who she's got in the uh, past performances prior to that. You got horses like Going Global and Nimbo Stratus, and those are, you know, graded stakes types. Plum Sexy, anything around 5-2 to two will make a win wager on her in race number 6. Let's flip to the 7th race. There are versions of this race that have a good amount of speed in it. Where you get Lady Mystify, who's fresh and wants to flash some speed. Where you get Did I Stutter, showing a little more speed than we might think. Where you get Ginja from the outside flashing speed. Where you get She's a Dime flashing speed. I think if that's the case, the 5 last first kiss is interesting. She puts two starts together. She was a little wide into the first turn, three wide. It was a small field. So you're wide at the back of the pack going into the turn. Um, You're wide like all the way around in a tiny field. And you're the one that's at a disadvantage when a lot of others aren't giving up the kind of ground that you were. She was uh, chasing the top two finishers who were one, two, 
uh, the top two finishers who finished second and first, they were one too early. And so there just was not a lot of movement in that race whatsoever. I think the race under her belt, she puts two together. She ran in December, was off, and then came back in April, off for a couple months, ran in June. She's going to be sharper in this spot. She's proven at Del Mar, this is where her only victory came. So I think they kind of prepped her and wanted to get her ready to fire a big one here. The number five, last first kiss. I would use along with the one and the two. As I could see Miss Peaky Blinder, kind of a wild card, trying the dirt for the first time. Um, maybe a horse, another one, if they go really fast, she just could be the benefit of uh, of a pace meltdown here. So I would throw her in in at least some under spots. Lucky Perido sort of has enough, I think, positional speed that they can maybe use that to secure an okay spot from the inside and not get outrun. Those would be some horses I'm kind of interested that are a little outside the box in the uh, the seventh race there. So last first kiss, six to one or so. Um, you know, I'd need a, I'd need no less than about four. That's Del Mar for Thursday. Best of luck Wednesday, Thursday at Del Mar. As we head into the Black Widow recap, the Scarlet Johansson send-off. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Tim Kelly joins me for a deep dive into the movie Black Widow. We go uh, all throughout the movie uh, in order. First up, we kind of give some overall thoughts of everything that happened, some of the things that stood out. And then we go basically... Uh, basically scene by scene in a real, real lengthy deep dive. If you're a Marvel fan, a fan of the MCU and all of these movies and TV shows, you will really enjoy. If you, you know some of your friends out there that are, share this around with them because we go over everything. This is a fun one to kick back and listen in on what we thought was a very fun movie. Introduced some new characters. I laughed a bunch. Some good action. And yeah, like anything, it's not perfect. There are some holes and some things we can nitpick, which we will discuss Tim Kelly joins for the Black Widow Deep Dive. For the first time ever on this uh, podcast, that's what G said. We will be recapping and reviewing a Marvel movie. And you've heard this gentleman join us for all of the Marvel Disney Plus TV shows so far. We have recapped every episode of WandaVision, every episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, every episode of Loki. We just uh, did a few days ago the Loki uh, episode six season one finale recap. So if you're a fan of all of those shows and you didn't uh, listen along, make sure to go back and, and check those out. We're going to get into Black Widow, the long-awaited MCU film for Nat, for Natasha, for Scarlett Johansson, which um, apparently will come play like a send-off. Tim Kelly here, as he has been uh, so often over the last year. Tim, it is pretty crazy to kind of hear that all those shows that we've done so far, man. We've we've already hit yeah. all of the series, and now uh, we're into the movies, man. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's great to be back for this one. Uh, it's a, a, a new uh, stage for us here. We're doing a yep. movie, big screen, even though it's got the uh, the release on Disney Plus as well for premiere access. So we're still in the Disney Plus family, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll do our best to, uh, you know, how we've done it with TK and I. Um, we'll try not to go five hours since it's a movie, but <laughs> we, we get yeah. to, we get we, we tend to get verbose and we love getting through as much as we can and all the important stuff because these uh, shows and the projects that we've discussed are always they're so rich in just like 
history as far as text that we could look at to kind of speculate future text that we can speculate with there's so many directions to go with all of those things so we always have so much to talk about and so much fun but you know there there is a a lot before we sort of get into our uh, we'll go chronologically through the movie too in in a minute but we'll talk some big uh some big picture thoughts first um before we do uh uh, get into a a, you know sort of uh you know what happened throughout this movie was one that was supposed to come out uh, a couple years ago and this is actually the first mcu movie in two years and this was a long-awaited project for a character uh, played by Scarlett Johansson, uh, Natasha Romanoff, who had actually been in seven prior MCU movies. And she was actually like MCU's first real female superhero in this MCU universe that was like a major player. Uh, we've seen recently Captain Marvel uh, with the movie, WandaVision now with the TV show. Um, and we've seen other characters sort of become more elevated. But uh, a lot of people have been. Had been clamoring for this movie for a long time. She deserved a, a movie, a backstory, and I get you know the timing is is a little strange of when it when it came. This yeah. is a movie that could have come five six years ago and and fit in mm. fine. Although I I did think that when you when you sort of think about the themes that the the recent Disney Plus TV shows have hit on a lot of like real world. Themes and kind of stuff mm. that weren't Necessarily like the easiest ones to Approach this was one where um, Getting to see uh, A female have a Big leading Role in a movie like this that was built Around her um, introducing A new female character Not them not needing to go And rely on a lot of the uh, You know the Iron Man's or the Captain America's of the world's I think this kind of in a weird way fit when it was released right now it feels a little like what they wanted to do with falcon and the winter soldier and with you know some things that we would see in wandavision even you know like just hit on even loki like hit on like real world kind of topics yeah absolutely i do agree that it's a little bit unfortunate and maybe a little bit late for this movie to come now Mm -hmm. but you're right it's it's functioning as kind of a reset and we've kind of touched on this a, a little bit in the past about how the MCU, there's a lot of different shades to the MCU. You've mm-hmm. got your more real world kind of tech side of things, your Iron Man side of things, your Captain America Winter Soldier. And then you've got your more fantastic Doctor Strange stuff. You've got, um, you know, wizards and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and then there's a spectrum in between and they can all kind of interplay with each other. But yep. I think telling this story right now does a good job of kind of resetting back to that ground level, being like a new Iron Man. And then they can build off of it from there. But even still with that in mind, I think that this was a very large in scope uh, story that they were trying to tell. Um, The scale of the Red Room and the Black Widows uh, was way more massive than I kind of had in my head. Yeah. Uh, And uh, there's a lot of really big set pieces, really over the top kind of stuff in there. You've got this grounded uh, born identity kind of like. Uh, the raid style mm-hmm. action and and, and combat, uh, and then very Bond-ish with the yes. heel and the villain Absolutely. and stuff. And, you know, she's watching the Bond stuff, you know. So it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it it me- it meshes those things pretty well, and it it heightens everything to that comic book level too. Uh, to where I think it's uh it's kind of resetting our expectations in the MCU. There were yeah, there was a lot of fun in this movie. I probably watched it a few times now. Um, and it's 
yeah, there's just a lot of things that I, I kind of will remember from it and take from it. And I, yeah. I think from stuff that I've read afterwards, it looks like not only is it introducing one new character in uh, Yelena Belova in uh, the sister of 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 Nat, who uh, was played by Florence Pugh, who I got to say, like Scarlett Johansson was great. Like she played mm-hmm. as well a version of of Nat as she's played like in anything. I thought yeah. she did great. But Florence Pugh really seems like she stole a lot of stuff. She was she did. funny and tough mm-hmm. and cute, and mm-hmm. like you made she made you feel sympathetic for her, you know, yeah. like in a badass all at the same time, which is very very tough to do. She pulled off the action really well too. Yeah. I mean, there's that one shot in the hallway where she kind of twirls upside down and grabs a Hurricane Rana kind of style yeah. thing. Uh huh. Exactly. Uh, and uh, and uh, that. It sticks out in my brain. It's kind of burned in there. It was a really cool moment. And yeah, she absolutely stole it. I didn't realize that I'd been kind of already onto her a little bit. I knew about Midsummer, and I'd seen Midsummer, and she's great in that as the lead. Uh, really awesome uh, horror film, I believe, by Ari Aster, this this great modern horror guy. Uh, but she was also the lead in um, Fighting With Your Family. I know you're a big wrestling fan, so yeah. I know you yeah. must have seen that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She played Paige there, too. Yeah. Uh, so she's I, – I cannot wait to – to see more from her moving forward this yeah. this did a really good job of of both giving and i i think we'll talk about it um you know some people may be frustrated with you know i think the movie gave gave nat and scarlet joe a good send-off people yeah. are a little upset that maybe she didn't get like a real real big goodbye sort of moment but i i think we're gonna get yeah. that actually I, without her, I actually would not be shocked if we get more of a goodbye to her where she's not around in Hawkeye mm. moving forward, right? Like, that's right. the next one coming up, um, and we kind of oh, tease that. Oh, that's so true. So, like, maybe we get more of the people mourning her yeah. around, and maybe that's where some things that we got teased at the very end of this movie could kind of start to come to fruition. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's just something I thought of in my head because I do feel like – we maybe we don't see her again, or maybe she pops in somewhere and is flashbacks or something like that. But mm-hmm. I don't. I do think we will get another sort of goodbye for her character, where people are kind of mourning her and and talking about her, especially with her yeah. sister be, becoming seeming like she's going to be a major part of this moving forward. Absolutely, I love that they they did this movie kind of as a passing of the baton and also a send off to Nat, but they really passed on the baton uh, in a great way to Florence Pugh. And this was a a, a huge showcase for her. Um, I do think I, I heard that, that, um, uh, Nat's done. I don't think Scarlett's coming back. I think she announced this, that she's not going to do it ever again. I don't think she'll be back. I think we'll see Mm -hmm. like, Funeral scene of of yes. some of the event, like you know, some people around mourning her again. I well, think I they'll. Think that's, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's she... really interesting to to watch Clint uh, and something to look forward to. Obviously, they set up at yes. the end in the in the post credit sequence that they uh you know um Yelena might be going head to head with Clint. Yes. Uh, but also just watching them. Uh, watching Clint and Yelena both mourn for Nat, I think that's going to be a major part of that storyline and probably something that ultimately will bring them together. Yes, I agree. I think, and that'll probably be what ends up uh, kind of aligning them. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. then she she's a uh, part of the 
you know, the, the new team that they're going to be building moving forward. Mm-hmm. They, they're setting a, a lot of things up. Let's talk about uh, Alexi, the Red Guardian here, the, oh. uh, the Soviet counterpart to Captain America. We're talking about <laughs> David Harbour. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, you know him very well uh, as, as one of the major uh, stars of that show. I, I thought I just wanted more of him. He yeah. was such a good combination of funny, but like an ass at the beginning. But he always sort of had a little bit of this, like, kind of. I think I heard somewhere somebody said, like, Papa Bear in him, you know? Um, he mm. was, yeah. The, the, the one thing I remember the most is when he was telling them, like, when, you know, they're, they're mad, right after they spring him from the prison, they're kind of mad at him and they're telling him, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he's like, why are you guys mad at me? You know, and, you know, yeah. and, he, he doesn't understand. He's, he said, "You were the greatest child assassin of all time." You yeah. know, and he's like praising them for all their murder. You know, it was yeah, just he's like, like your ledgers must yeah. be dripping in red. And he's, I'm just so proud. You know, and it's like they yeah. they're looking at him like, "Are you serious?" You know, yeah. and then you know the, the the then the moments when he kind of uh, he, he tries to have his come to Jesus moments, but he he can't. Every time he's trying to like go through his big spiel, like they can't hear him. He's in the gym yeah. to somebody else. He doesn't have an earpiece. So, you know, it's um, this stuff in the jail. Um, I, I mean, mm. I need more and more of him. And apparently both both he and Rachel Wise, who plays uh, Melina, believe and uh, was the Iron Maiden character in uh, a lot of the comics, the fake mother of uh, of Nat and Yelena. I believe they're both signed on for more future projects. So yeah, we we, I mean, what, the the way they left this also with them with the widows with Elena, yeah. there's a lot of, of stories they could tell right there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with them specifically, but also they could branch out. There's a lot to those characters. Oh, yeah. uh, Red Guardian is part of his own kind of like. Avengers uh, counterpart called the Winter Guard, and we yep. actually saw a few of those characters uh, in, or, or we saw some references to, and I even saw one of those characters in the film. Yep. Uh, you mentioned a bear before. Funny that you used that because yep. Ursa Major is this yep. big bear character <laughs> that's that's a literal bear, a guy who turns into a bear, uh, and that guy was actually uh, in that scene with the arm wrestling that got mm-hmm. his arm broken. Yeah. Uh, and he put that out on social media, very proud after it came out and actually announced that that is the first mutant in uh, the MCU. So very cool stuff right there. So I would love to see a Winter Guard movie. That's, oh, I mean, that's gosh, there's <laughs> and then me up right now a show on Disney, Plus, whatever they want to do. Right. Like there's yeah. a, they could they have so many. And uh, so it was so great. And he seemed really that like everyone like we said again last last week or the last episode and we were talking about Loki it's like now too there the stigma that i think for a while that i don't know if it was George Clooney or somebody you know after playing a superhero and some of oh. them have said that like you know if you if some of these bad superheroes the movies they can kind of really stick with you i feel like because of how well the MCU has done things. The MCU in particular. Now, I'm, I don't know if people feel yeah. that way about about uh, you know DC and about you know like uh, other other universes quite ne- yet. But this, it just feels like everybody really wants to be a part of this. All of these good actors um, are excited to play these roles. They they seem you can feel it. 
You can feel when yeah. they come in. This this guy was so into every he was great too. And I don't mean like everybody seemed really, really good in their roles. Now there are gonna be some critiques yeah. we'll get to in a minute, but these were some of the things that stood out to me. I just I want more Red Guardian, man. He's he played this funny. Now we can we can like you said, there's how many different places they can go with him, with the with his team. Hey, take me back. Did he? Well, that was all BS, mm. or did he really run into? Right. I I heard someone. Did he really run into somebody that was posing as Captain America or Captain America, and he got his mind yeah. wiped? Or somebody? I I read somewhere somebody said, did did he think Bucky was Captain America? You know, I don't know. Like there are just a right. bunch of funny like. For a guy who seems mistaken about a lot of things or not quite as sharp mentally, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, there there could just be so many directions they could go backwards with him. They could just move them forwards. Like that's what to me was the most exciting about this movie. And I think where we left off with the at the end of Loki, it just felt like now um, where we are, and I didn't feel it quite as much. Um, and maybe a little bit with with Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, at times, and and I guess with Wanda because we're like you know we know it's going to lead to some other stuff, but it really felt more in these last two projects that we've talked about that like where are we going now forward? You know, I'm kind of like really excited about like okay okay now like look now look where we're going, and I I'm yeah. curious about that and immediately because I know we're going to get some of Yelena coming up in Hawkeye, which is going to be later this year. Yeah, and I was not super stoked for for Hawkeye until this movie. Now Holy all of a sudden shit. I'm like, oh yeah, there's something there. I, uh, yeah, this dynamic. If uh, if Yelena is going to be part of it, and I looked at the IMDb today, it looks like she's in every episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. <laughs> I'm all I'm all for it. I, I I really and what you said earlier about like that dynamic of him kind of living with the guilt, carrying that on, but also the subplot of uh, him kind of training uh, somebody that he's going to pass the torch on to. It's very cool how they're kind of stacking the deck here with all these different little irons in the fire. And every project kind of has, it's a multi-purpose kind of thing. It's always two birds or more uh, Mm -hmm. with one stone. So, you know, it's not only going to be, you know, Jeremy Renner's send off maybe, or his finally uh, seeing to fruition a, a project for Hawkeye, but it's also going to set up the the replacement and, and pass the baton off to, to his daughter uh, in that series. Um, and yeah, wrap up and tie up um, all those loose ends about how he and Nat both fought each other basically to sacrifice themselves for, you know, the fate of the, the universe. Yeah. Uh, and he lost that fight. And so that's got to that's got to stick with him. You know, in losing that fight, his best friend died and he lost the opportunity to uh, to sacrifice himself and be and become that martyr. So that's that's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. And you throw uh, Florence Pugh into the mix and you got yourself a show right there. Let's talk a couple more things before we uh, we get into uh, our uh, our uh, breakdown. Um, The villains. What did you think mm. of of Drakov? And then obviously we have to talk about the uh, the way Taskmaster was um, was mm-hmm. portrayed here versus the comics. Um, so I guess let's start first with Drakov. Him as a villain yeah. overall. What did you think of him? Real, real creep. I love the human trafficking kind of angle on it, and that he was like this human trafficker, uh, gangster type character. A little bit generic, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but memorably performed uh, enough so I, he was 
in general, just kind of generic. I didn't have many like complaints about him or anything, but nothing super special. Good totally actor doing it. Totally felt um, the same. I'd say like a B, yeah. you know, like I give him like yeah. a B to B minus, you know, like just like yeah. fine, fine. Um, he didn't. He he felt like just kind of. I mean, I don't know. I, he he didn't feel as big as maybe. But they can't all be big bads for you know over and over, right? Some of them are like right. and, and who are like for a movie or two. He was a uh, someone who had been mentioned much earlier uh, by Loki uh, a, a a long way back. And yeah, the in Avengers and Avengers. Avengers uh, yeah, was when he yeah, mentioned which, it talking to uh, yeah. to Nat about the blood on her ledger. And uh, and Drakov and Drakov's daughter, which leads us to Taskmaster. So this was, I think, one of the bigger complaints I heard from people who, you know, I think overall, a lot of the things I saw were were pretty positive. People liked the action. People liked a lot of the new introductions. They felt it was a good combination of action and fun and comedy. And um, but this was the one where this was a completely different um portrayal of of taskmaster who in the comics was a much different character was not the daughter of drakov was someone who was a i don't want to say more badass because they had similar um similar features they they could mimic style wise they could um instantly kind of watch someone and kind of capture their moment their movements but this was someone who didn't speak at all and didn't I don't know and I, I, you can have characters and villains and heels that don't speak in movies mm-hmm. or don't speak a whole lot and still feel um pretty tough but I don't know I, I this I, I do kind of agree in that like maybe there was there was something more they could have done here um it, it yeah. I sort of feel like I did with Greykoff like I'm not completely bothered by it I just I'm not in love with it yeah I'm kind of the same way I do feel I have mixed feelings, basically, because mm-hmm. there are some things that I think are undeniably cool about it. I think yep. the general look, the costuming of it, uh, the presentation of those moves, those iconic moves uh, that we would recognize as you know MCU fans as being the moves that previous Avengers have used. So to see you know that twirl that um, you know Steve Rogers does, that like that flip twirl thing that he does, I, I don't even know how to describe it really. Um, to see the T'Challa claws being bared, all these little moments uh, fighting with the knife like Bucky and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, using the, the the shield like Steve Rogers, all these classic iconic action moments from previous Avengers movies. Uh, that was really cool to see, and that's you know that's the heart of what what's cool about the character Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. I did think it was a little bit weird. Um, that they totally changed the character from what we see in the comics. Um, in the comics, like you mentioned, it's a it's a male character named Tony Masters, uh, and he has an innate ability, I believe, to to mimic perfectly. So the end result is kind of the same thing, but he has an innate ability, whereas Drakov's daughter is like programmed and like a she's computer. Like, um, yeah, yeah. So I there's something, and maybe this is my on me. But there is something when I see um, gender swapping like that that maybe I f- almost feel like it lessens the plausibility of it or something. Maybe that's on me because I'm watching a Black Widow movie where you know Scar- little Scarlett Johansson is as badass. No, but I know I know asses. what you mean, and it it's yeah, it, yeah I, I I don't 
I don't have a problem with it if it feels if it feels right, and sometimes it feels totally fine. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you watch the TV show. Uh, we always get into these tangents, which are great. Uh, there was a show on Hulu that was called High Fidelity uh, with Zoe Kravitz okay. that was remade. Yeah, yeah. Of the of the original High Fidelity, and it's funny. Like I, High Fidelity is awesome. Uh, the, right. That one is like very different, but it's super enjoyable mm-hmm. and really entertaining. Um, and it's just a, a female character that, like, I kind of at the beginning was like, I don't know, you know, maybe they're just going in a different direction. But it was very, it was, it was really good. Like there are a lot of things that that can be totally fine. Um, this this was one of the things that I do think connected the the least with a lot of the uh, the MCU fans and the real hardcore fans, but. If you didn't, yeah. a lot a lot of these complaints too that that we discuss are probably the people that are listening to us have, but maybe people that don't have a, a really rich comic background, they don't they don't mm-hmm. really know, or or maybe have. Yeah. Um, e- but even that being said, like if I didn't know uh, the history and maybe want the Taskmaster to be a little bit more, I would still think that the villain was okay, you know. Yeah. Um, just, just someone that I would want a little bit more from, and maybe they will have that story to tell again. You know, we, we never know with the MCU, like where they can go backwards and forwards. That's what's, what's really cool about, uh, about them. So, um, I give them the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I think that, um, she, on second viewing for me, uh, it played a lot better, I think. And I don't really mind necessarily when a bad, you know, guy or a villain, uh, has that kind of Michael Myers Terminator quality where it's mm-hmm. just kind of like this, this um, force, this kind of unstoppable force that doesn't really need to, it's almost scarier sometimes if they don't say anything or don't, sure. don't speak. Um, so I don't, I didn't necessarily mind that, but I think you're onto something with that. Maybe there was just something missing a little bit of uh, development or, or maybe yes. one or two more scenes with yeah, that character. I agree. Yeah. 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 That's a good, that's a good way to put it. There was, we we needed to either I don't know, see some more training, maybe, right? Like maybe see the taskmaster yeah. just like putting people away, or like you know, like or like you mm-hmm. know, be fed, just like you know, or 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 the opposite way, maybe something like where the she was starting to maybe break through, and then Drakov had to do something sort of really evil to his daughter. Yeah. To kind of make us, you know, maybe empathize. I, yeah, they just felt that that felt something a little bit off. But um, you know, we're, all, we're always going to have some critiques. I actually really enjoyed sure. the movie. Um, I, I thought it was, it, I thought it was a lot of fun. The action. There was there was a lot of funny things that really did make me laugh, and then I like yeah, uh, wound again, played back again, and laughed again. You know, uh, just yeah. good good performances, good action. We uh, teased in uh, the Loki uh, discussion the other day the running joke about the pose and, yes. and the poser, you know, is just one of the best things. And then Yelena fault when she's doing it in the is I guess it's like the gas station or the like the liquor store that they're yeah. standing in, you know, and she's like sliding because she's kind of hurt and she's like <laughs> slipping. She's like, what is it like? This? You know, what is it? It's like this. And she and then she falls into it. It's just that's great. The use of American pie. A, yeah. a song that like really just you kind of feel it, you know, in yeah. in in the the couple times that we see it through this, and then uh, a good teaser uh, post credits scene with uh, our friend Val showing back Val's up back. that teases either 
Something maybe with the Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers definitely yeah. teases stuff leading to Hawkeye. Um, yeah, there. That was the new Nick Fury, basically. Yes, and I saw some some places or and not necessarily of the recaps. I, a lot of the recaps and reviews and that I saw, I, I don't think that many people were really negative on it. It was just some fans that didn't like certain mm-hmm. aspects that just kind of wanted more. But um, I, I, the, a few of the things I saw were people that said like low stakes, which. I mean, thinking about what the, what it could be setting up moving forward, I I, I really disagree. And maybe it feels yeah. that way because, yeah, like spoiler alert, we know this character is gonna die. You know, like this right. is one of those first situations where we really, really know and we've seen her end um, and future, and we're going backwards to kind of tell the tale. Um, so yeah, I guess in that sense, like yeah, we know Nat's not dying in this movie. You know, sure, but for sure, it's. Yeah. It's setting up a lot There are a lot of things set up A lot of new characters that we got introduced to That are fun And I am excited as we get set For our dive into Black Widow And we open up With uh, a look at uh, Young Nat Young Elena in Ohio It's 1995 and we see Nat riding her bike Through uh, like like a nice Like looking suburban neighborhood here and uh, they're playing in their big, backyard. Big year, big, big year. Before year we move on. Marvel. Yeah, give 95. us some of the other. Give us some of the important things that happened as far as this so, year in the MCU. So in 1995, that is the same year that uh, basically Captain Marvel happened. So everything uh, in Captain Marvel all happens in 1995. Um, let's see, I have some more right here. There's a few more things. Yeah, no problem. Well, yeah, um, there. Oh, is it- sorry. Go I got it right here. Thanos. That's when Thanos basically gets uh, Gamora set on a set, completely separate world. That yes. happens in 1995. Yes. Um, that's when uh, a young Ava Starr is orphaned when her father, Elias, uh, she gets fired by Hank Pym and then she dies in the explosion uh, during his experiments on a quantum tunnel. Uh, and the deadly accident leaves Ava out of sync with reality, rendering her a living ghost. That's from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, and then it's also, uh, yeah, it's also when she, Natasha goes back to the red room. So, uh, yeah. there's an article, uh, on decider that has all these listed actually, if you want to awesome. look into this. More. Yeah. And they're, uh, they're getting us back to, uh, an important year right off the bat here, 1995 mm-hmm. as they're just girls playing in the backyard. They're, they're whistling with each other back and forth. Um, one of the first, uh, the one of the first lines of the movie, uh, Elena says, "We're both upside down," as they're doing sort of like a crab walk, and she's uh, they're they're just two sisters kind of playing with each other. I bet you're gonna fall, yeah. and then Elena falls, and she starts crying, and she calls for her mom. So Melina comes out, and she, uh, like any mom would do to their young child. So at this point, what we've got, um, Nat is. Ten, like ten and five, is that where we're we're looking? Like in that sort of range, age? I think maybe a little. I wasn't sure honestly, but I would say I think a little Nat's older. Maybe a little older. Nat's probably more like twelve or thirteen, and and yeah, well, but they're um, Alina is still very impressionable, young. Yeah. Like she's not really able to. Kind of cope with the fact that we're gonna find out all of this is fake, all of this is okay. set up, 
and Nat knows that a lot of this isn't real, but Nat's still at the age where um she she can't help but get caught up in it. She gen- she yeah. genuinely does love her sister here. They're having some some fun interactions, but when uh when she falls down and her mom comes and babies um a, a little bit, Nat kind of gives her a, a a weird look um uh, there, mm. kind of like wondering like, "Oh, why are you uh you babying her as uh Melina does seem like a really sweet mom and all of this opening until yeah. uh, we don't see her. She says coming up in just a minute, I don't want to go. She really uh, again, she seems to be, you know, very bought into this uh, yeah. spy mission that that she's on. Yeah, uh you got to I got to think uh Yelena's maybe not not at that point not aware, right, of of uh nope of the spy mission at all. And it's, and you've got Natasha who seems to have already been through the red room and had training, uh, and is basically a child spy already at that point. Uh, but it does seem like just from the way, um, their mom is, is speaking to her. She's speaking like a, like a real mother. Uh, and they're really bought into the, these characters that they're playing. Uh, you wouldn't even know as the viewer what's we going on until, we don't, until yeah. later. It's it's uh, yeah at that at that point it's just very straightforward and so it makes sense later on um, when Yelena is so upset about this loss of her childhood and and she she goes on to say at one point about how it's it was like so real to her and she felt like she lost her real family uh, and that I think kind of sets up the the major theme of of the film or one of the major themes which is like a dysfunctional family mm-hmm. kind of coming back together and reuniting yep. um and and dealing with their you know dysfunctions but still being a family um it, so it's kind of cool how they set that up from this point with this like the americans uh style uh, scenario going on with the spies when you watch the beginning again knowing what happens at the end um, one thing that I was uh, was something that may have come up a little quick was we see Melina kind of go uh, uh, from she seems like she's this great mother to then she's this like robotic sort of like not motherly whatsoever. And then she's kind of instantly turn and helping them against Drakov. But but when you watch this beginning part again and you see how she really was like she's not pretending here um this is real i think it makes that that like full circle moment a little bit easier to digest knowing that this was kind of always in her in her somewhere you know this wasn't something that was just like oh she she had this quick real quick uh like character arc no at the very beginning she was she was already sort of like this yeah there was there was good there all along you know, mm-hmm. like uh, and she, you know, I don't know exact exactly if they they said that she was, you know, someone who went through the Red Room as well and the, the, the same exact um, type of history. But, you know, if that's the case, then this character would be a victim in, in, in a sense, the same way that Nat was um, and just part of that cycle uh, and, of human trafficking and, and coercion. So, and you know, from a, from a physical yeah. standpoint would be someone that wouldn't be able to have kids. And so even being in a situation mm. like this of being a mother would probably be, uh, touching on some things that you, you're probably never figuring that you could, right. If you, right. if you, yeah. if you figure you're not able to have kids, but then you're set up as this mother and all of a sudden now you're 
it's like embracing this role and you're going, I'm never going to go and be able to have kids on my own. This was my chance. You know, this might have been it for me. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, more, right, right, a lot more in that family dynamic that we're going to hit on a lot as uh, we then see um, the mom. Again, just kind of playing mom in the background, teaching the girls about bioluminescence and uh, and they say bioglumin pheasants, you know, and they joke. <laughs> they head inside. They finish setting the table for dinner and uh, they're joking about what they want. Mac and cheese. Uh, this is like real kind of cute family stuff. You know, I want mac and cheese. I want caviar yeah. and champagne. You know, it just uh, feels very real, very honest. And then we hear. Dad arriving as uh, they're getting the, the the table set for dinner, and it is Alexi. And he asks everyone how their day is, and uh, him and uh, Melina kind of go around the corner to have a talk that the girls can't see. Um, he walks in, and he says that uh, you know this is going to be, you know they they have to go. And she actually, I don't think he even says anything to her. Does he? He just kind of looks at her. And and then yeah, they she, go. Yeah, I think they she go just to like said, the next room and kind of talk about it. Yeah, I, they're talking. You know, in the background, you can hear Yelena and and Natasha just talking at the dinner table like nothing. And he he sort of just looks at her, and she just looks at him and says, "How long do we have?" <laughs> and and he says, "I don't know, an hour maybe." And that's when she says, "I don't want to go." He says, "Don't say that." And so then, mom and dad. Who are having this secret conversation They have to go tell the girls They have to go tell the kids So they walk around to the table Girls, uh, remember when I told you one day We were going to have that big adventure uh, Alexi says, today's the day Yelena has no idea what's coming to her Poor thing right. As She's like, yay, she's so excited And Nat looks a little confused Maybe a little bit up- upset A little bit unsure As Melina tells her, I'm sorry and she says, come on, we gotta go uh, They get ready As they're cleaning up, a couple funny lines You don't need your shoes, I got, uh, I'm hungry Don't worry, we got some fruit roll-ups in the car <laughs> So <laughs> they'll, be, uh, they'll be munching on some fruit roll-ups Great snack for a uh, 90s reference too you know, I, I, To be honest, I still got some fruit roll-ups Right here next to me that I, uh, In my little uh, nice. snack box that I, that I get into But, yeah, so I mean We quickly see Alexi come in We know they're heading somewhere we, if we know Nat's character, can kind of sort of start to put two and two together. But all we know at this point is this family's getting ready to go somewhere, and um, they're hurrying. They're about to get out the door, and it is. Uh, it's a little like you know you would see with some of these. I think recently we've seen it in the news of some of these like Russian spy families that had complete oh, yeah. covers that got caught. This was a lot of stuff happening in Cold War times all the way up until mm-hmm. hell nowadays. I mean, there are all sorts of espionage spy missions, things like this. And so um, they're, they're playing a lot on that as this family um, just has to pick up and go. But still at yeah. this point, we really don't even know all that much. That this is a cover they they still seem like family You know that they're yeah. just a family getting ready to leave somewhere and and, and go I think I think at this point uh, I was starting to suspect that it was like an America the American situation I don't know yep. if you're familiar with that show yep. But you kind of just touched on the, the concept there of like a sleeper cell Russian spy You know fake American family and yeah that we 
found out this is a real thing that actually did happen. And we, we've, you know, uncovered actual people like this. We, we probably haven't even learned about the majority of them yeah. that have been out there and that weren't caught. But a uh, really cool concept. And uh, this sequence that it gets set up here that you're, you're describing, uh, the action that happens, I mean, it, it's really off to a great start. It comes it out of the gate with like an amazing action sequence. Uh, and on second viewing, it, ha- it was almost better to watch. I, I don't know how to explain it, but just super tight. Uh, and Natasha's role in it all. Uh, the fact that she has the, a key thing to do with flying the plane. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just so it's so well done. So I love this whole this whole sequence and David Harbour hanging on the the side of the plane. Uh, but yeah, this is a, off to a great start, if you ask me. So they grab a disc. Alexi and Melina grab a disc. They get in the car. They drive off uh, past some cops in the town. Um, Yelena asks where they're going, uh, and Melina says home. She says, Mommy, you're silly. We just left home. There uh, is a moment, and then we hear a lot of sirens in the background. And then Yelena says, I want my song. Which, God, I love these segments. Yeah. These uh, are these uh, scenes here where we hear an American Pie by Don McLean. Bye bye, Miss American Pie. <laughs> Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And we, this is playing in the car. As they drive past what is known as Barron Stadium. It is a, a football stadium. It is in Rome, Georgia. And it's actually a stadium that small colleges and high schools play at. So what was really funny is one of my uh, favorite um, MCU, um, like everything fandom, is uh, is over on the ringer. They have the, the ringer verse, and, and they used to do binge mode. Mallory Rubin is a, a total uh, fandom nerd, and she is really hardcore. They do deep dives, long, long form stuff. And she was just fascinated with the the score on the football on the at the football game. She's huh. like, this doesn't make sense. And she went into this what? big scene about why. Because they, if you if you look at the score of the game, it says that it's nine to seven with twelve minutes and six seconds left in the first quarter. Uh, and it was fourth and six on the forty four yard line in a high school football game, which a lot of that just doesn't <laughs> make sense. How is it it's already nine seven. Uh, high school football games have twelve minute quarters, not fifteen. So there's there wouldn't uh. be twelve oh six left on the but there, there she was just like fascinated with it. That's why I looked it up though, and wow. I wanted to not necessarily um rebut her, but to say that it is a stadium that small colleges play at. So uh. Um, it, but this was this did look like a total Friday night Americana, right? Like high school mm. that you're driving past. That it, I love this this drive. Yeah. I love I loved it. I thought it was great. And Nat looks sad as they're driving. Elaine yeah. is excited. It's the contrast of the two of them: one that knows what's ahead, and the other that right. doesn't. So true. And having already been through the red room, I mean, that's a horrific thing from this from the sound of it. Everything that was described and. We'll see a little bit of that later in a really cool sequence. Uh, but yeah, uh, you've got Yelena, who's just literally this little American pie girl. She's they, they, yeah. it's underscored by the fact that she's she's saying that this is my song and it's American pie of all songs. I mean, yeah. it just adds a layer of irony to it, but also just informs us of, of oh, OK, she was bought in. She was a legit American. So it makes that whole switch to the other side and. What we see her, where we see her later on in the film, 
uh, it makes that so much more dramatic that she's changed in that way. So they they turn off onto this random dirt road that leads to like a like a farm kind of area it, it, with like a, a barn, but these it's basically a secret military base you could see out there. It's like a Russian spy area. Um, there are. Uh, the girls and Melina They run into the plane Alexi's kind of standing outside Getting things ready He has to buy them a little bit of time As they, we can really hear the sirens getting louder The cops are gaining on them And we see uh, Alexi use a little bit of his super strength Kind of the first time we know That maybe there's something more with him Because he just flips this trailer Sort yeah. of thing Completely over And And the way like it doesn't bounce back Or anything it's just Apparently super heavy and he just like Flicks it right over with ease Yeah such a cool moment Immediately I'm kind of putting You know things together uh, That this is a super soldier Probably a Russian super soldier I think at this point I could kind of tell Like the Americans kind of connection The Russian spies also it's just it's Natasha of course they're Russians um, So yeah all of us Already you're you're starting to think as as an MCU fan and a Marvel fan, if you know the character, you, you already know this. But already you're kind of starting to think that oh, it's just, it's a counterpart to Captain America. So very, very cool stuff right here. And I love what the idea of like what a super soldier can do on in a, in the middle of a a, a car chase and, and a a plane slash car chase and the idea that like that he's shooting the gun from while hanging onto a. Uh, a plane. The, the plane wing, like so cool, over the top kind of action, Great. but totally pulled off. I, I love the sequence, and I love uh, the part you talked about earlier with you know they're g- driving through the the town. They get to like um, an intersection, and all the cops drive by one way, and it's just the tension that they're building in this moment, mm-hmm. and those little moments, these character beats, you know, like you mentioned, showing how how sad Natasha is, and the sort of um, the uh, Ignorance of her little sister You know just kind of blindly Smiling and singing along while This majorly dark thing Is about to happen to him uh, it's, just, it's a great opening sequence And and I know that Stranger Things Is in is set about 10 years before this um, mm. But I had such a like A him in Stranger Things feel You know as like the mm. dad like just kind of like Trying to get the kids together rally them Like get on the right. run and we don't know are they good are they bad is something bad coming for them here i just got this like we're we're a little bit back in time him and stranger things kind of feel to this and uh it was great we get the girls um and yeah they're in the plane and now the cops are right on their tail they're starting to shoot at the plane and molina who's going to fly the plane she gets wounded so nat has to jump up from the back um she's up front and she helps take have the plane take off There are bullets flying right in her face Like as she's this little girl yeah. They're coming right in One of them hit her mother Her dad at this point or you know, She knows more obviously She's been trained But the person who's been her mother The person whose her sister's getting shot at The person who's been her dad That she obviously has this connection with at this point Is like on the He's getting shot at He's hanging off the wing And she just is able to uh, Pull the uh Pull the plane up and they take off As uh, Red Guardians Hanging on the wing of the plane um, <laughs> But uh, they they Get away and This was uh, really Like right into action We don't waste much time in this movie at all Getting right into it 
yeah, just a, a thrilling start. And immediately I got that vibe like, oh, this is keeping up that level that I expect coming off of like Captain America Civil War, Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier, like that level is kind of the high watermark for me for the MCU. And especially this, you know, side of the MCU, the more grounded uh, action side of it. So I'm a Right now, um, there's no complaints for me at this point in the movie. It's like a solid A+. What you just mentioned, too, uh, is a good point. Um, this is set now as we move forward. This is a flashback in 95. The rest of this movie, when when they get into the, the modern time, is actually set right after Captain America Civil War before Infinity War. Right. So just kind of putting it on the timeline of where it stands. Um uh, when when we see older Nat and older Elena, but they arrive in Cuba, and uh, Alexi takes Molina over to one of the soldiers and the medics to get uh, to get her wounds taken care of. Young uh, Elena says, "Mommy, get up. Um, pain only makes you stronger." Remember something that uh, Molina had just said to her, and then uh, Alexi walks over and he meets with Drakov. The Red Guardian returns The Red Guardian returns triumphant Uh, Please I beg you no more undercover work I want to get back in the action I want my suit back I want to get in Get back in General Drakoff It's been over three years Um, Nat and uh, Alina Are now really upset They're crying um, As her mom is not doing well She's been shot And they're about to take her away And Um Alexi gives uh, the disc to Drakoff. He mentions that Nat, uh, or he mentions that the institute that they wanted has been burned down. So the mission completed. That's why they were over there in Ohio. They had a secret mission to complete, get this disc, um, destroy uh, the uh, the North Institute. They've done that. So now um, the girls are set to be taken back to the Red Room for their uh, continued Black Widow training. Um, Melina is also going to be a top Black Widow And we assume that the Red Guardian Is just going to go back and continue to uh, To be you know someone that they uh, They have um, helping Out we don't know that this is going to be Really like It for these characters for a long time As far as them being together at all They're all going to go their separate ways Here um, mm-hmm. we find out that They sort of did to the Red Guardian What they did To uh what was uh, similar in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier with the uh, right. with Isaiah, like right. they, this guy who they they created, they wanted to be their guy, and he was kind of speaking up a little bit about things here and there. He he nece- he didn't necessarily always going go, uh, want to toe the company line. He gets thrown in jail immediately following this. Yeah. The girls head to the red room. Molina ends up having to become one of like Drakov's top. Um, Black Widows and so This cute little family that we just saw For the first like 10 minutes They're all going to be gone Yeah it's it's kind of crazy how The the switch is Flipped with Alexi when they Land he kind of just like See ya he's Adios. walking with his With his uh with his bag Over uh to Drakoff And he, you know he's no more American accent He's just all of a sudden this like Russian kind of sleazeball a little bit more And he's not even looking back at his You know wife and daughter Figures there who are you know Suffering a lot You've got the youngest freaking out About the shot mom and not knowing where she is And then uh, And then you have um, 
you know, Nat kind of step up to to uh, to protect her at one point when they go to take her away. Yep. Uh, I thought there's some really cool moments right there. And there was actually a moment, too, where uh, Alexi kind of comes back a- after she pulls the gun, after Nat pulls the gun and uh, tries to defend her little sister. Then all of a sudden, Alexi kind of goes back into dad mode just a little bit and he he diffuses the situation. But ultimately sends these girls off to uh this human trafficking farm where they're they have a, a one in 20 chance of survival i believe yeah <laughs> so and where they're going to be forcibly sterilized uh probably raped uh and completely forced to controlled things. mentally mm-hmm. like um brainwashed it's- this yeah, this scene is is gut wrenching as the medic soldiers take Melina away. Alina is very upset. She runs to her father, crying and scared, and they grab her and they won't let her. Um, Alexi walks over, as you said, he tries to sort of console the two of them. Um, as Nat grabs a gun, she's screaming, "Get yeah. away from her! Don't touch her! She's I will shoot you! Do not touch her! I'll kill you all!" She says, yeah. and um, Alexi comes over. Honey, you need to give me the gun. Um, and Nat, I didn't want to go back there. And he she says, I want to stay in Ohio. Um, you can't. And he said, They can't. Okay, this is what she said. She's only six. Here we go. You can't. She's yeah. only six. So yeah, we were we were really close with her age there. Close, six. Yeah. Yeah. You. It's, and Alexi says, You were even younger. Come here. It's okay. And the girls come to him crying. They give her the gun. He says, You're gonna be all right. Do you know why it's gonna be all right? Because my girls are the toughest girls in the world You're going to take care of each other Okay And as he like gets them into Kind of like a group hug with the two girls and him He's leaning down right in their eye level Right up from behind A couple of the The soldiers come And with some straight Dexter shit Like mm-hmm. they just Inject the two young girls Right in the neck And they pass out mm-hmm. and take them off It was like Oh my gosh He was just setting up these young girls To go like Right away you go from Wow this guy was a good guy To now it's like oh my gosh He was like oh He he was brutal here Yeah, And it's almost um, unforgivable And it almost makes the character not work uh, Alexi's character that is uh, Because of just how brutal He is like why would you ever Care about this character Or want to see him redeemed or want to see, you know, uh, be on his side later on in the movie. But I think there is this likable um, air to him, A, because he's funny and he's, he's played yeah. by this, the lovable David Harbour, but B, because he's bad in ways that are are ignorant. Like, he's, yes. he just doesn't know any better. He's not uh, evil. And he means well. Yeah, but yes. he doesn't he's want people stupid. to suffer. He's more he's dumb very, than he's evil. Yeah. He's ignorant and kind of dumb about like how it's actually affecting the the people. Like I think he doesn't. He honestly doesn't see how it's negatively affecting these girls to send them to the red room. He he's thinks so of selfish. it as like, yeah, he's he thinks so of it as some kind of cool. Right? You know, and and it's 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 what happens when you when you're a star, right? It happens when people mm-hmm. become a movie star or a big star athlete or a big whatever, and they get a lot of. Uh, praise and then it goes to their head And then you know they start Getting very self-absorbed And even so much to where we're gonna see it In a few minutes where like one of the first thing He asks Nat after they rescue him is hey Did he say anything about me 
you know, you know, Captain Captain America. They say she's like, Love that. what? Like what? <laughs> you don't care about us or anything? Like what? You know? And he, it, it, you said it perfect. Like ignorant. He's not evil. He's just, you know, you're kind of like rolling your eyes. Like ah, oh, this guy's dumb. But he's like lovably dumb, and we'll uh, we'll love him even more as this goes on. The um, look as Drakov watches as the girls get taken away and put on a plane. He tells Alexi that one she has fire. What was her name? Mentions Natasha. Ah, Natasha. I thought this next scene was absolutely chilling. The yeah. the intro the with yeah, the with smells the like Teen Spirit uh, cover. Yep. Um, that was like slow where the lights out, really slow. And we're watching these girls, like you said, basically get thrown into what. They look like concentration camps where they're just thrown into containers. They're anyone that's not cooperating is getting killed. They're getting pulled and separated. And um, just basically, like you said, it's the the ones that survive are the ones that will, will go on. And anyone that doesn't is just, uh, eh, oh, well, they're just uh, someone who died. Collateral damage. Collateral damage along the way. Absolutely nothing to scoff at. Um, this. We see the train, like some of their training as they grow up. We see um, them in the red room. We see, I think, a scene of them watching Ducktales. Is that right? In there oh, somewhere? I didn't catch that. That's there's amazing. one of um, of the girls when they they take um, what looks like their Christmas pictures, where they're sitting at a tree, and it's like yeah. Yelena and Nat, like a flashback. I think of them when they were in uh, in Ohio, um, like at a tree with presents around it. Um, this is, yeah, this, this was creepy. Uh, this really felt yeah. like, oh my gosh. And I think quickly you sort of, you sort of, um, you know, we hadn't really known the severity of the red room. We heard Nat reference it. I think, you know, when she's talking to, uh, to Banner one time, right. To, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. when she kind of mentioned a little bit of what would happen, but we didn't hear a whole lot about it or the whole process and everything and in just a few minutes we kind of got more than we had, had had seen in the the years of knowing that very true and it was presented in a way that was like this very bleak almost like a documentary kind of style uh montage uh highlighting what's going on from like a human trafficking angle it was really meant to like sh- not showcase but kind of spotlight uh, human trafficking as an issue uh, in our present day uh, through this, you know, the lens of the MCU and kind of use that as a way to kind of draw uh, 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 draw parallels between this story and, you know, what's actually happening with uh, human trafficking around the world. Um, but yeah, the, the music was super effective and I, it was one of the more memorable parts of the, the film. I thought that, yeah. uh, it kind of played like um, an opening theme too. It's essentially what it was, uh, but uh, yeah, very very powerful stuff. The the scenes cutting in and out, you know, that we see they're getting, you know, a lot of these girls are like strapped to to tables, getting tests run on them. Um, <laughs> they're training in the firing range. We see Drakov mention uh, remove or that someone on the shoulders says remove all the defects, and then he points to. Uh, that one and her, and then they separate Yelena and Natasha, and they're crying. Um, Natasha actually gives Yelena 
um, uh, a strip of pictures that they took, like a photo uh, booth. Um, that yeah. was uh, their, their pictures, and Yelena holds on to that. And uh, yeah, this was just just chilling. As yeah. we uh, we then hear a couple reporters talking about how there have been spies all over, living right out in daylight. And we get a look at Nat in a Nat modern day Scarlet Joe um, in a bathroom. Uh, but this is, you know, keep in mind uh, we're still not in the present. We're uh, we're following the uh, the events of Captain America: Civil War. So mm-hmm. she's on the run. She is washing her face, uh, and she's kind of looking at a device that she has, and she can see that these officers are trying to capture her. It's uh, it's Secretary Ross and uh, mm-hmm. his crew. Stay alert! I'm sending you the Alpha Squad, Natasha Romanoff, in violation of the Soviet Accord, uh, Sokovia Accords. Uh, she assaulted the King of Wakanda. Make an example out of her. She calls him and says, "Don't do this. Don't come after me. You're embarrassing yourself. It looks desperate." And um, she says, "You look like you could use some bed rest." Uh, um, what is this? Your second triple bypass? He says, "Don't worry about me." And she says Rogers in the run is on the run. You've got no friends. Where are you gonna go? She said, I've lived a lot of lives before I met you. You shouldn't have gone to all this trouble. I'm done. And they seem to corner her at this point, but she uh of course it's Nat. She's escaped. And uh <laughs> you see her on a boat. She tosses what looks like a the tracker into the ocean, and uh she is off. So uh sort of Opening scene in the present Current time of this movie As uh, we see you know Them setting up the fact that Nat Is still being chased still Being hunted she's not on great terms Right now and so uh, she's Got to lay low yeah she Was in violation of the Sokovia uh, Accords and when uh, Thunderbolt Ross had said that uh, She attacked the king of Wakanda She's uh, he's referring to uh, The in civil war When she let um Steve uh, and his cohorts get away. She actually shot uh, T'Challa with, I believe, some type of like a stun, like a stun device. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, uh, the the crime. Uh, and so, yeah, Thunderbolt Ross from originally from the second MCU movie, uh, The Incredible Hulk, the Ed Norton one. Uh, he's he's back for more. Uh, we saw him in Civil War as well. Uh, maybe one or two more things, but um, yeah, great to see him again. Just a, another connective fiber uh, in the whole MCU. It was been around, you know, from from almost the very beginning, and had a great scene early on at you know the one of the first post credit sequences where Tony Stark shows up at, at the end uh, uh, to talk to Ross uh, about, I guess, ultimately getting getting Banner and the Hulk uh, into the Avengers Initiative. The uh, we get our first look at Yelena. And another uh, modern day Yelena, not uh, not young Yelena. Uh, Yelena and another black window, a widow. They are uh, set up like snipers. They are on a mission in Morocco. They're on a rooftop, and they've got a job to do. Um, Yelena, the the person they're trying to fire at, uh, spots them. So Yelena has to move to the ground to chase the target that's on the run. After a brief back and forth, Yelena actually stabs the woman in the stomach. And as the woman rolls over, she the the wounded woman has a vial in her hand, and she releases a kind of mist that um, shoots out into the air like a, a gas, and it's a, a red 
Red Mist, shout out to uh, Kick-Ass <laughs> Shout out to Kick-Ass <laughs> there uh, Is uh, She then uh, Is wounded on the, the floor But the the Vial which she released has Awakened Yelena And she is like mm-hmm. no longer under this spell It almost kind of is a little reminiscent Of she's not like scared um, But like you know when you see some of the people Wake up from the spells or the enchantment A little bit with Wanda mm-hmm. and, and with Sylvie and stuff that we've seen um, Just she's now Able to think For herself she's not just like a Terminator type character Yeah she was clearly just like you just said, a Terminator character. She was programmed. All these Black Widows, as as far as we can see at this point, they're programmed, and this chemical uh, seems to very obviously just free her. And it's such a brutal moment, too, because she sticks her with the knife and turns it, and then almost immediately is, is freed, is awakened, and realizes the horror of what she just did. Uh, she's looking at someone who is essentially, you know, mirror images of her it's someone just like her that she's just brutally killed but um you know this widow that she killed doesn't even seem mad you know uh she's dying or whatever but she she you could tell she just wants her to to be awakened and to free the other widows yep Yep. uh oksana is uh who she's referenced as is Mm. uh yelena uh, recognizes the woman that she just wounded and like you said it was exactly a woman like her who just had previously kind of had that anecdote uh, i think which is what they kind of refer to it uh, as a couple times so uh, the antidote so Mm -hmm. they we we then hear uh, elena getting asked on uh, a radio uh yelena we need a status report uh uh, Yelena does not respond She grabs uh, some vials Of that uh, that red gas mist That uh, is on the floor And she cuts What looks like a tracking device Right out of her leg She stabs herself in the leg And takes this like you know, maybe what you'd have like a like a chip put in your pet or something. It just takes it right out of her of her leg and drops it there. And she's uh she's on the way. Yeah. Just a just a great uh, sequence. Uh, absolutely, like I, I keep thinking of the Born identity and the Born films yeah, with the style. It feels a lot of like this. I really feel like that that series created kind of uh, a type of a subgenre of spy action, and this is just an offshoot of that for sure. Uh, on the radio, Ingrid, one of the Black Widows, radios to General Drakoff. We have a deserter. Um, permission to activate Taskmaster protocol. They stick a plug into the back of the head of the Taskmaster, who is very much uh, sort of looks like um, um, I'm thinking, you know, just I get the Boba Fett feels quite a bit. Yeah. You know, Maybe like a G.I. Joe, some yeah. one of the G.I. Joe's or the Cobra. I, yeah. I'm not sure which one I'm thinking of. But, yeah, uh, I could see Boba Fett. And they plug like a USB cord, basically, like into the back of the <laughs> Taskmaster's like brain that just like like the uploaded. Matrix. Yeah, yeah, exactly like the Matrix, yeah. right? Exactly. I know Kung Fu. Yep, yeah. And um, so we just get a little glimpse of the Taskmaster there, uh, first look, um, getting getting plugged in. And we uh, they, we then flash back up to Nat. We're headed uh, to Nat in Norway. She's driving. She hears a report on the radio. And then she walks into a motorhome to find someone laying in her bed. Uh, she knows the man. He is a finder, a fixer, 
which always reminds mm-hmm. me of Breaking Bad and the uh, the the great episodes there at the at the very end. Um, oh, yeah. where the guys need to kind of find you a, a place to live and get you off the grid. And um, so oh, yes, yeah, right. That great character at the very very end. Is, that actor uh, just passed the, away, actually. Great actor. Yes, I'm blanking he did. On his name, from, but, from the vacuum, yeah. the vacuum salesman. Yeah, from the mm-hmm. vacuum store. Uh, this this gentleman is named Rick Mason. He's a real like good looking dude. They have a little chemistry here uh, too. Uh, yeah. They they're kind of flirty and stuff. And I thought he was he was kind of funny. I'm I'm sure we'll see more of him. He seems like a character that you kind of introduce and you kind of see what the response is. But a guy like him could be very useful in this world for a lot of these and, friends, these people that need to go yeah. off the grid, that need to hide, that need some help. Definitely. And I think we'll almost certainly see more of him. Not just for that reason, but I, I believe Rick Mason is an actual character. He's somebody who's known as the agent in the comics. Nice. Uh, just Googled him. He's the mercenary who became a highly he was a mercenary who became a highly covert operative uh, and freelance agent specialized in non-lethal handling of superhumans. He is also the son of Phineas Mason, who I believe is uh, the Tinkerer or something like that. I want to say, but that's like uh, uh, it's kind of unimportant. I'm probably so we'll, not yeah. the case in the. But MCU. we'll see him. But we'll see him more. Yeah, yeah. He, he he will have more to play. As uh, she jokes, you're in my bed. Asks, did you get everything on my list? Uh, passports, entry visas, a couple of local driver's license. Uh, mix and match. You should be able to stretch it to twenty or so identities. One of them is uh, Fanny Longbottom, which will yeah. uh, get get played. Uh, uh, two at the very end of this nice little, little call back at the end yeah right? she says what are you 12 and he laughs that's a legitimate name um he got her a generator outside uh septic tank that will need to flush in a few weeks so he's got her all set up he says if you need to go into town just a 20 minute drive and he uh talks about the avengers getting divorced she says i'm actually better on my own he asks you sure you could tell me and she says yeah um, you know, I'm I'm fine, and yeah, uh, he gives her a box of of stuff that she says is uh, that he says is from the Budapest safe house, and she corrects him Budapest, and uh, <laughs> and, and they go no, it's a, a little back and forth. No, it's Budapest. It's Budapest. It's Budapest, and uh, that was a uh, kind of funny as we hear uh, again uh, later in the in the movie. But Nat, uh, we see Nat dyeing her hair now. And she is kind of hanging out in her house watching Bond and the lights and the power go out in the generator. Um, So she goes to get some gas. And when she does, her car gets struck with a massive firebolt. And it is the taskmaster who Mm. is headed after her. And so this is, I thought, a a really fun action sequence, too, here that you're kind of not really expecting. Right, it kind of comes mm-hmm. out of nowhere. It's they're, they're not really building to an action sequence yet. She's kind of like quietly. Maybe you're figuring that she's just gonna kind of quietly go out through the town, maybe run into someone here or there that's weird and built. Nope, she gets right as she's about to turn off this street. Boom, and her car gets flipped over, and it's like on a bridge. So the car's hanging off the bridge. Yeah, and she's got to get out of the car, and uh, the taskmaster's got this slow walk over to her. And uh, tosses a shield at Nat And we see that the Taskmaster can exactly mimic all of Nat's moves Just like a mirror Taskmaster goes to get those vials that Nat has Those antidotes And Nat tries to stop the Taskmaster um, And the Taskmaster actually knocks 
Nat off the bridge for a huge fall into a body of water. Um, Nat survives it, and she has has tricked Taskmaster uh, because she has actually removed the vials from the case that they were in. So she's got the vials. She ends up uh, having to kind of a uh, uh, you know recover from the big fall that she just took into the uh, the ocean, but or into, into this like body of water. But this was uh, some fun action. Uh, a good mm-hmm. like I don't really have a lot of complaints about. A lot of the the mm-hmm. action sequences that the Taskmaster was in, they were fun to see. Like you referenced, yeah. I think we just it was one of those things where because we know more, and maybe the comic story was a little bit better than this one. That's a story that other people would want. But the the fighting mm-hmm. sequences, a lot of the action in this movie, I thought was really really good and felt mm-hmm. big budget, felt like a movie. One hundred percent. At this point, the action, we're batting a thousand here. It's just riveting every moment of it. And I love the introduction of the Taskmaster. I loved uh, the little moments like I kind of spoke of earlier where you're seeing him do the exact moves. I think even mimicking like the camera angle to showcase the moves Mm -hmm. from previous films. Like he, he does every time there's a fight with the Taskmaster, you see him do something that Steve Rogers has done or Winter Soldier has done or uh, T'Challa has done. And I loved that, you know, when they plug in, uh, you know, to upload the information, the Taskmaster is also watching video and seeing video of like the Avengers fight. So you get all that. And it's easy to, I think, to just put together at that point the the general idea of what this this guy's about, especially at the point when um, Taskmaster is exactly mimicking uh natasha and it's like oh okay we get it like he's he's mimicking everybody if you even if you don't know the character you get that that's what this like person's power is this this villain's power is and it's really effective out of the gate like like the terminator that's just like unstoppable force that's just uh chasing you down relentlessly and the only way to survive really is to is to kind of like out outwit it uh, outsmart it like like Natasha does here. So really, really great. I think this sets up the stakes very well. Uh, and like you said, big budget, no no seams really showing. No, I mean all the the FX CG work. There's some great um, CG model work for the actual Taskmaster when and for Natasha when they're doing like flips and things like that. And it looks very very natural. It doesn't look like you know, rubber band figures flying through the air with no weight to them. Uh, they've, it feels very much like they, they locked the physics down and they made it just photo reel uh, with their best people, obviously. I mean, it's like ILMs and Weta's best people putting together uh, uh, all these all these sequences. So even even better than the stuff that we've been seeing on Loki, you know, started to... to uh, Shit on that a, a little bit. We both loved it, but I I did see a little bit of a difference in like yeah. the, the the quality from the MCU big screen stuff uh, compared to the TV stuff. As good as that TV stuff has been. So Nat had also uh, found a picture of uh, her that her and Yelena when the when they were young, the one that she gave to her, and so this ends up leading Nat to Yelena. Um, she ends up going to uh, Budapest to find her, and she uh, arrives. And <laughs> as she arrives, uh, where Yelena is, and uh, as she gets to the door, we don't see Yelena yet, but we hear her say, "I know you're out there." 
to Nat and Natasha says, I know, you know, I'm out here. This is why are you skulking about like it's a minefield? Because I don't know if I can trust you. Funny, I was going to say the same thing. So now keep in mind, Nat, Natasha has has broken free. She's still not sure positive. I mean, she she can kind of sense now, but she's not positive that uh, Elena has completely broken free. She might be running into a program terminator here. True. Yeah, she she has no context really to to know exactly who it is or if it is Yelena like if But but I guess what but state I, wait, of mind. Wait. Although I guess she does think Drakoff's dead though, right? Like is that like in the Right. It, That's a good she, point. So so maybe I, she even says I guess I thought you were on your own in a, with the family somewhere, but I think she doesn't really know how Yelena is going to respond to her more so than than if she's still like a badass trainer. I think that's what Nat's thinking in her head. Um, uh, if she's still like a badass Terminator more so. How's my sister that I haven't seen in all this time going to respond to me now? Does she even like me? Does she hate me? Who knows? Right. Um, and they uh, they come face to face, guns drawn, and then they fight. Intense. They're just beating the crap out of each other, both gaining the upper hand yeah. at different moments. I mean, going at each other with knives, throwing each other into walls. This is an absolute beatdown. They end up yeah. like choking each other out with like a sheet, and both are lying yeah. on the floor, exhausted, wiped out. It's like they call a truce. A funny line <laughs> where uh, Natasha says, "You've grown up," and uh, Yelena says, "No shit," and then. <laughs> Um and uh say uh Natasha says uh you had to come to Budapest. She said, I came here because I thought you wouldn't, but since you're here, um she asks about something on the walls, what bullets are those? Those aren't bur- bullets, those are arrows. Um they have a, a little back and forth, and this is where Yelena explains things now. The in the vial it's a synthetic gas, the counter agent to chemical subjugation. The gas immune immunizes the brain's neuropathways from external manipulation. And uh, then uh, Natasha says, maybe in English next time. <laughs> and so Yelena says the exact same thing she just said, but only in Russian, <laughs> which is like really funny. As uh, she then says, why don't you take it to one of your super scientist friends? They can explain it to you. Tony Stark, maybe. <laughs> uh, Natasha laughs We're not on the best of terms right now um, And uh, Elena laughs, says great Perfect timing Where's an Avenger when you need one Says uh, you're the only superhero uh, You're the only superhero person that I know That's the whole reason why I sent it to you Nat says you could have got me killed um, Elena then says in a real sad way I kept checking the news, expecting to see Captain America bringing down the Red Room. And she's like questioning Nat, who then says, what? Taking down the Red Room, what are you talking about? It's been gone for years. Drakov's dead. I killed him. Natasha, Yelena's like, you don't believe that really, do you? Yeah. Like, really? And Nat tells her, yeah, I mean, this is this huge moment. I killed her, his daughter. I had to go on this, like, mission we even hide out afterwards with Clint Barton. So we get a name drop here, killing Drake off the final mm-hmm. step in my defection to shield. Um, I am floating a five story building, shooting it out, out with the Hungarian special forces, 10 days hiding before we could even get out of Budapest. 
And Elena said did you check the body You confirmed the kill That there was no body left to to check And she said you're forgetting Drakov's daughter And we get a flashback And we see Um no, wait, wait. So is this this isn't quite where we get the uh, the flashback yet. We get it, I think, a little bit later. Um, right now, we get the explosion. So as these two are talking, right as like Drakov's daughter's mentioned, boom, <laughs> explosion. Mm. Uh, the roof caves in, and that's Taskmaster. So that was like the Drakov's daughter. Here she is. Um, group yeah. of black group of black widows coming for the girls and uh, and the Taskmaster that they're going to be running from. And uh, so Nat and Yelena We get again just some awesome Action stuff here as um, They uh, You know they go through a little bit of exposition Here explaining us Mm -hmm. what this Gas can do and how This gas has manipulated them And is this is or this gas is The is the antidote to what has been manipulating Them when you um, When they take this That these widows are basically freed and they are uh, they are no longer under mind control. Yeah, so now now that we know that we kind of have the trajectory of the movie and the the ultimate goal. We've got this MacGuffin which is more of those uh vials uh and the ultimate goal of taking down the red room and freeing all these widows who are being subjugated and you know human trafficked and whatnot, all the, all the bad things out there. So uh it's it's a great you know, moment to have this exposition there and they don't really linger too long on it. And I, I think um, there's a lot of, it, it's, it, it's like a natural kind of moment for there to be exposition. Uh, so there's not a whole lot of like cover up that they have to do to kind of uh, yeah to make it, make it entertaining because you've got, you know, real interesting stuff with the reuniting of the yep. two sisters who, who yeah. don't know anything about each other. So that kind of carries the, uh, the scene forward there and uh again uh anytime the taskmaster gets on scene and the a- action starts you know ramping up that's when this movie is really at its best i think so this is a really cool chase sequence with um you know it's a car chase on the, on this one there's a funny line with uh when they steal the uh yelena goes to steal the car and natasha's like like you can't just steal a car and she's like you want me to chase him down and unsteal it yeah yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. so there's some great comedy and they keep it nice and fun while the uh, the stakes, I think, are pretty high with having established the widows and the taskmaster as so uh, formidable. Yep. As uh, we get Nat and Yelena escaping by, the, okay, so they're in this incredible, you know, chase. They escape. Mm-hmm. They hang on to this like pillar. And they cut Uh it loose from a building It's almost like the chimney sort of like Top and they like ride this thing down One will one of the widows Jumps off of it a big fall Nat and Yelena just crash Hard they take these Massive bumps to the ground And uh, this widow is named Ingrid as Nat Goes over to try to help Ingrid who is is Wounded on the floor Uh, Just don't move you know you're hurt Let me help you Um Ingrid says I don't want to do this And Drakov Pushes a button And just terminates As as Ingrid kind of cries And she, Nat says What are you doing Ingrid says he's making me And she just kills herself Right there She's just laying there Dead just sacrificed herself Here um, Yeah just Again, it gives you a good idea that Drakov's super evil. This was a moment where one of their own, um, 
it's just got to be terrifying. They're they're you know Nat, Natasha, and uh, and Yelena both want to help rid these girls of of all the stuff that they've been through and just completely destroy the Red Room and Drakov now. Yeah, and it, it it's interesting how they do it kind of subtly, but in the context of the the chase sequence and the action, uh, I believe Natasha kind of tries to save the widow that's attacking them. She starts to fall and Natasha like tries to, yes. to, yep. to save her from falling. And then afterwards are obviously just trying to, to save her because they, they recognize that these are you know people being held against their, their will and that they'd have no choice in it. So they need to really rescue these um, uh, the, the widows. So that's a kind of a cool dynamic there where mm-hmm. you've got villains that are also the, the characters that you're trying to save. I mean, yeah. in a way, that's that's the story of uh, Star Wars right there, where you've got Absolutely. Darth Vader, this villain, and you've got Luke who has to has save his father, essentially. Uh, so that, that's a really cool dichotomy there. The taskmaster starts to chase, um, and they're uh, they hop on bikes. They're rolling through the city. This is really really fun. That's when they have that line: "You can't just steal a guy's car." Yeah. And you want me to chase him down and unsteal it? Um, so uh, we they commandeer a guy's car with taskmaster uh, hot on their heels. Um, they. Uh, uh, there's more fun comedy back and forth. The latest says, "You got a plan, or should I just duck and cover?" My plan is just drive us away. That's a shit plan, <laughs> she says. And oh, Taskmaster is behind them again. They get flipped in their car into like a subway tunnel, and they slide down oh. the. Oh my gosh! And and Very cool. uh, and then they get out of their car and they run, and then they like slide all. They're obviously wounded. They've been. Falling off buildings, they've been in car crashes so far. They beat the crap out of each other before all of this started, and they then are run are sliding down the barricade of the escalators as yes. the taskmasters like slowly stalking them. And he throws the shield at them, but mm-hmm. in a cool throwback, they're actually ha- able to hide out above the subway while taskmaster kind of keeps looking around and can't find them in a place that. Um, uh, Natasha mentions this is a place that they uh, that she hid out with um, with Clint um, years back when uh, when they needed to hide and, and they were in this place. Uh, says Barton and I spent two days hiding up here. Um, both of them are a little banged up. Nat asks, "Who is that guy?" Um, and Elena mentioned that's Drakov's special project. He can mimic anyone he's ever seen. It's like fighting a mirror. Drakov only deploys him for top priority missions. Um, this is when we get a good amount of exposition here too, and this is when we get that flashback of the scene um, where Nat thinks she killed Drakov and Drakov's daughter. Elena says the truth rarely makes sense when you omit key details. She said you didn't say one word about Drakov's daughter; you killed her. Nat Natasha says I had to. Uh, I had I needed her to lead me to Drakov. And now is when we see the flashback of Natasha sitting in a, a car outside of Drakov's uh, building, and um, they're asking her on the radio, "We need confirmation. Drakov's in the building." Um, Natasha says his car is pulling up now. She says his daughter was collateral damage, and mm-hmm. said I needed her to be sure. And we see Natasha. Natasha can see Drakov's daughter in the building. 
And still gives the okay to blow the building up Even knowing that it's going to kill the daughter But just thinking hey we're going to kill Dracov also I don't really want to do this But this is something that you know you have to do And this is something that Natasha Struggled with for a long time since We see her struggling with this In the movie now too But uh we get a, a Look at what she thought she did She thought she killed him She thought she killed his daughter Yeah and that That guilt uh the weight of that has carried, uh, you know, with her as long as we've really known her in the, in the story. I mean, age of Ultron touched on her history with the red room and, you know, uh, uh, and she spoke of red in her ledger from, you know, what we mentioned before with Loki and the first Avengers movie. But, um, I I'm reminded actually of kind of, uh, there's a, a line in age of Ultron where she says that she's a monster or that, that they turned her into a monster yeah. And a lot of people attributed that, I think, really kind of dumbly. Uh, dumbly, is that a word? I don't know. Uh, yeah. But stupidly. very stupidly. Stupidly. Yeah. Um, with, they attributed that uh, to the mention of being um, uh, infertile. What's the word? Infertile, yes. Not which I thought was a, to- yeah. a complete misreading of what no. was being said there. Exactly. She was referring to being turned into like a moral monster, a, a murderer, a killer. A killer. Yeah. Uh, and there was, and she, she executed people that she didn't know if they were guilty or innocent and things like that. So it was this really weird, dumb internet, uh, controversy that was based on nothing. Just people who totally don't know how to watch movies or interpret what's being shown on screen. Um, but yeah, I thought that that was, uh, it, it kind of connected there. Like that read in her ledger, uh, to have it be not only the, the most significant piece of that puzzle to not only be a little girl but also you know she did it kind of for shield she didn't do it for for Dracoff or for you know while she was in the red room you know they helped turn it into a person who would be able to do that but uh there was that's a little bit of a twist that she did that to get out the worst thing she ever did was the thing that she did to get out of that situation so um I thought that was a little twist I did not see that coming I thought that she would be more just haunted by, you know, what she did while she was uh, working for the Red Room, you know, just as an evil Russian spy. So the next few minutes uh, of the movie are uh, a, a lot of back and forth between Elena and uh, Natasha kind of catching up, really, and getting out mm-hmm. everything that, that's been going on. Um, as N- Natasha asks, the Red Room still active. Where is it? Elena, I have, Elena has no idea He moves the location constantly Every widow is sedated on entry and exit For maximum security Natasha says I'm finding it hard to believe That he could stay off my radar And She says it's not smart to attack An Avenger if you want to stay hidden I mean the clue is in the name Dracov kills you One of the big ones come to avenge you And uh <laughs> Big ones? And, and she says, yeah, big ones? And uh, Lena says, I doubt the god from space has to take an ibuprofen after a fight. <laughs> Which was a great line. Truth. Great yeah. stuff. As she then turns and says, where did you think I was all this time? And Natasha says, I thought you got out. We're living a normal life. And you, Lena asks, you just never made contact again? That's when Natasha says, I just, I thought you didn't want to see me. Um, Yelena says bullshit You just didn't want your baby sister tagging along While you saved the world with the cool kids <laughs> Nat says you weren't Really my sister And uh, Elena says And the Avengers aren't really your family So that boom Little uh, little jab from both of them 
And then yeah. th- then we lighten things up as uh, as uh, Alina asks now. And, and I think they're uh, they're talking as uh, they're inside like a, a gas station sort of looks yeah. like the front part of, a ga- uh, you know, and they're kind of cleaning themselves up, getting some snacks and stuff. And she says, why do you always do that thing? And Natasha says, what, what? And uh, Alina says, that thing you do when you're fighting, the, the like. You know the thing where you whip your hair when you're fighting with the <laughs> arm and and the hair and you you do like a and she get she's like laughing and she's she's almost not even able to get it out because she's like laughing at herself and she's like, you know like a like a fighting pose it's a <laughs> it's a it's a fighting pose you're a total poser jeez <laughs> I'm not a poser and uh, I mean they're great poses but it does look like you think everyone's looking at you all the time. This is funny. I mean, right off the bat, she has, and I think it was a smart thing to do. Um, in she's given a lot of funny things to say, and so we, if you want to introduce a character and and like instantly make them pretty likable, they did a great job with her in here because she was just like a lot of the best lines and, and and funny things throughout are are said by uh by by Pew and by the Yelena character. So true. Yeah, you you said earlier that she steals basically every scene. It's almost unfair to Scarlett Johansson that uh, like how much she steals this movie. Yeah. Um but yeah, like you mentioned earlier, uh Scarlett Johansson's great in it that she gets I think she gets a great send-off. Uh as well, but they absolutely are teeing up uh Florence Pugh here to be you know, then not only just the next Black Widow, but a major star in the MCU, and she's deserving of it. She carries the torch so well, so there's no there's no complaints from. I haven't heard one person complain about the the new Black Widow. Not at all. Uh, if if anything, it's one of the 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 strongest parts of the the movie. We've got her and David Harbor basically stealing every scene they're in. As uh, Natasha says, at the time I spent posing, I was trying to actually do something good to make up for all the pain and suffering that we caused, trying to be more than just a trained killer. Uh, Lena's response, well, you are fooling yourself because pain and suffering is every day and we are both still a trained killer, except I'm not the one that's on the cover of a magazine. I'm not the killer that little girls call their hero. Ooh, ooh, yeah, just funny lines, but also like. Lines that hit you from uh, from Yelena's character as yeah. she says the gas. She, oh, go ahead. And she's got a point, too. I was going to say, I mean, yeah. she killed like when when I saw that sequence in the collateral damage line and her killing the, the little girl that it almost didn't it didn't seem right uh, to me, for lack of a better word i mean it just it seemed like wait no she wouldn't do that that's not i knew she killed a bunch of people but like it wasn't a little girl uh so that almost seemed like how do we now forgive this character for this because that's actually way beyond what i what i thought had happened um so they kind of they kind of cheated though later on by revealing that she didn't actually do it they kind of take it out but that's a big that's a big part of her arc in this story is kind of coming to terms with you know her doing that uh, forgiving herself for doing it and being able to move on from it and see herself as 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 the good person that she's you know already become. Uh, Yelena uh, uh, explains more. The gas, the counter agent, it was synthesized in a secret by an older widow from Molina's generation. I was on the mission to retrieve it. She exposed me and I killed the widow that freed me. And then um, she was asked, "Did you have a choice?" Um, 
Alina goes on What you experienced was psychological conditioning I'm talking about chemically altering Brain functions They're two completely different things You're fully conscious but you don't know which part is you Um, And she Shows some of the vials That they still have Um, They said this is the only thing that can stop Drakov and his network of widows Elena says he takes more and more Every day children who don't have anyone To protect them just like us when we were small Maybe one in 20 Survives the training and becomes a widow The rest he kills to him we're just Things weapons with no face he can throw Away because there's always more And no one's even looking for him thanks to You and Alexi Natasha says Alexi and Yelena Says dad So yeah this is this is Important stuff here as we Get to know a little bit more about um, what Drakov is able to do? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it far exceeds what uh, Natasha understood. It, it, obviously, the the red room was always like this terrible thing to to her that she needed to rid the world of. But the fact that they can, you know, take over people's brains in the way that they do now, it's just uh, beyond what she ever could conceive before now. And um. Yelena asks Did you ever look for your parents your real ones Natasha said that her mom abandoned uh, Mom abandoned me in the street like garbage What about you Alyssa Elena says uh, they destroyed my birth certificate So I reinvented it My parents still live in Ohio my sister moved out West and Natasha says oh is that Right and uh, (laughs) Yelena Looks at her and says yeah you're a science teacher You're working part time though uh, Especially after You had your son your husband, he renovates houses. She says, that is not my story. And they they laugh. And so they're kind of sharing uh, a couple like real moments here. This seemed like one of their first like real like laugh, kind of share a good moment more than like yeah. Elena kind of Elena kind of still being a little upset and bitter with her older sister that never came back for her. Um, but it, right. they're, they're they're both making a little more sense to each other here now. Like they're both understanding a little bit more about what's been going on recently. Okay, why didn't Natasha come back? Oh, she thought Drakov was dead, but still, why didn't she come back to get you? Oh, she didn't know. She just wanted to leave you on your own. Okay, at least that makes a little bit of sense. As uh, she, uh, they ask each other, "What are you going to do now?" Um, and Natasha says, "Do you ever?" Or Elena asked, "Do you ever wish for kids?" And she says, "I want a yeah. dog," which is great because we see her at the end with the dog, yeah. and. Um, that's when uh, Elena can sense that and, and Natasha's about to say something and, and she even says, you're going to give me some big hero speech. I can feel it. And, 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 and Natasha says, "Here, speeches really aren't my thing, which is funny because she's the one that gets other people to say speeches. That is, she's mm. she's actually right, right? That it, That's her thing. That's the thing we see her do at the end of this too with Dracob. She gets other people talking. She gets the right. village monologuing and and that's a bond kind of trick too you know get them to stall 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 kind of really like uh give up their plan and then you can turn it on them so uh the way she was introduced in avengers uh, with those russian uh, you know she's up against the uh uh the the edge of the uh, you know yeah, she's all tied up, and and then she says that great line that there's a call back in this one. Thank you for your cooperation. I I, I love it. It's good stuff. So, um, Elena then uh, can sense that Nat's about to ask her something, and she does. Says it was more like an invitation to go to the red room and kill Drakov. And Elena says, even though the red room is impossible to find, and Drakov is too slippery to kill. Yep. 
And that sounds like a shitload of work. Yep. Could be fun though. Yep. And they look over and uh, they steal a car. <laughs> they see uh, someone uh, who had uh, put the keys away and they uh, they laughingly get ready and they're on their way. Um, and uh, they, they're again sharing some fun sister moments. Yelena says about her vest. You know, this is the first piece of clothing I ever <laughs> bought for myself. And she's all proud, so proud of her vest. Natasha's like is that like a Like army surplus or something And the lady's like tried to defend it Okay it has a lot of pockets but I use them All the time I I made some of my own Modifications and uh, She's just so excited that the point Is I've never had control of my own Life and now I do I want To do things and And then there's a moment where Natasha says I like your vest Elena gets excited like so, like a little sister would with the approval yeah. of her big sister, right? I knew it. I knew you did. It's so cool, right? Yeah. Uh, you could put so much stuff in there. This was like stepbrothers. Look at all the room yeah. we have. We could do activities and like all of these things. Look at the pockets I've got in here. You know, this was uh, <laughs> this was like they're right back to being little girls again right here. So true. And I, I love that you mentioned that, like the, the sister vibe is so strong, like immediately. And I mean, even before this sequence, but it's just that they're they're just peaking on, on that level. But like immediately they're they're, you know, busting each other's balls. Uh, they're 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 like they're like they haven't been apart. It's like yes. that yes. that thing with family or like really close friends that you can have where, you know, you you can be miles and miles apart from like where you last saw them and then you get together and it's just like you saw each other yesterday and they kind of just, they, they captured that really well. It just had a very natural sibling dynamic to it. The to continue uh, along is uh, they, uh, Alina says, you know, I really don't know where the red room is. I'm sorry, but I think I know someone who does. Oh yeah. Who we're going to need a jet. We then flash to uh, our buddy Rick that we just met. He has this old Russian helicopter, and uh, Natasha says, "I said we needed a jet." Says, yeah, you know, you didn't give me time or money. I'm not made of jets. And even Yelena ripping him. I thought you were supposed to be the best. And he says to her, uh, "Oh, I beg your pardon, Serena, which is a, a Russian empress." <laughs> a former like uh, throughout history uh, Like a famous Russian oh. figure uh, So uh, he, uh, he then asked uh, Natasha was the free flat And lifetime supply of Kissel Not to your liking <laughs> um, Kissel is like sweet uh, Juiced berries there So another yeah. just kind of like uh, old Older like royalty Reference as uh, Natasha jokes don't let her Wind you up and he says, no, I take exception to impugning my professionalism. She then just laughs. She said, you did set me up with a generator that crapped out after six hours. He says, oh, you two, tag team. And they're really making fun of him having a good time. He says, oh, he's sensitive. I can see why you keep him around. Uh, they ask, where's the rest? He um, gives them some of the other supplies. Uh, and uh, I... Nat actually, or uh, Yelena goes to eat something that Nat tells her was stashed like five years ago, and it's really, really dry. She kind of makes a face as she eats it. Rick lets <laughs> them know that they're getting dangerously close to running at their tab. He says that uh, your mate, Secretary Ross, has been sniffing around my affairs to the point where I've got contacts declining my calls. I'm a private contractor. Um, 
Nat and him, I do like the the back and forth with them. She says, you're so sensitive. And he says, you're a very annoying individual. And she says, I'll make it up to you. He says, yeah, that's what you say every time. As uh, <laughs> we, uh, we then flash to a scene that I love, this prison scene. It is great. Yes. As we check in with Alexi. And he's sitting down at a table in the prison telling these war stories to all these guys like around him and he's so proud as he goes on with these stories so i have the nuclear code but there he is <laughs> captain america and he like makes fun of him and he says uh finally the red guardian's time has come i grab a hold of his shield and face to face it's a test of strength oh no oh and he's like going back and forth and you know mimicking as he he's basically like Holding, holding court at the table, like anyone who wants to arm wrestle him steps up, and he just will <laughs> arm wrestle him and beat him, and just like continue to tell all these stories. He's kind of like, like a, he's probably like a cult celebrity of the of the prison because he seems like yeah. one of those guys that everybody would probably want to beat up to, you know. Um, but yeah. a guy that is pretty tough and is still, you know, got some super soldier in him, and he does have these stories, so he's. He's telling tales and guys are kind of cheering for him. Um, but one man uh, rolls up and, uh, you know, asks, like, what year was this? Uh, be- before that, he actually says, that guy, I think he was going to beat me about like some some smaller guy, <laughs> which is really funny. I, I, I thought he was great. The shield, he said he carries with him like a precious baby blanket. I use it to my advantage. I take it. I push him out the window in my escape. <laughs> And then somebody interrupts him, and it's this big, huge dude. And he says, what year was this, uh, Alexi? He says, I don't know, 83, 84? He says, Captain America was still frozen in ice then. He says, are you calling me a liar, Ursa? And yeah. Ursa is a reference I'll let you touch it on a, a little bit more in a second that you, you talked about at the very beginning. Um, but he shatters this guy's wrist <laughs> in just a second Bad. and leaves his wrist just hanging off his arm and big ursa like walks off just like crying here he says oh no look at the big bear gonna cry little girl so we get an, an ursa and a bear right here in the uh, in the jail yeah it's a great little um it's it's more of like a cameo a little easter egg thing but very cool. The actor, you know, posted about it on his socials. Very proud to say that he was, the, you know, the first mutant in the MCU. And uh, very cool, successful, successfully uh, produced, I think, Easter egg here. I don't think they have to do more with it necessarily, but I want to see that. I would love to see a big bear character, you know, re- fully realized in the MCU. And, you know, I can't get enough of this David Harbour character. Uh, uh, Alexi and the Red Guardian. So any excuse for him to have stuff to do, I would love to see that as well. And then the sequence here, the scene introducing him, uh, super funny, brutal. I can't help but notice that I'm seeing a ton of broken limbs lately. And like, as a UFC fan, I've seen quite a few recently. Conor McGregor, yeah, uh, Chris Weidman, yeah. uh, Anderson Silva a few years back. That's a lot of really gruesome. And th- this one... It looked re- real, and it reminded me a lot of of those uh, really bad UFC breaks. Um, but just instantly, a classic scene here. You've got like a fat Alexi uh, compared to when we last saw him. He's just mm-hmm. covered in out tattoos. Of shape. Yeah, yeah. He's 
he looks a little grimier, like his teeth are, are a little bit more like uh, unkempt, whatever you want to call it, they're a little blacker. Uh, and he's uh, he just looks like he's he's been hardened and, and he's he's um, a shell in a way of his former self uh, comedically. And, and it makes me wonder, too, he seems to really believe that story about Captain America. Yeah, that's, that's uh, intriguing. That that's like raising a lot of of like uh, antenna for me, you know, because that's a fun yeah. story. They could go, they could have some fun with that. Yeah, and you mentioned a lot of different ways that they could do that with a different incarnation of Captain America, meaning somebody you know picking up the mantle, such as an Isaiah or you know, one of the people that 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 succeeded him in the uh, Super Soldier program that maybe we haven't heard of yet. Like you said, Bucky could be a really interesting one, um, uh, or even a Steve Rogers from another dimension yeah, or right? the Steve uh-huh. Rogers after he, you know, went with Peggy somehow came back to this universe for a skip. Uh, who knows? Uh, but that, that's really fun and interesting to think about. And, uh, and the way he talks about more so later, the way he asks about Captain America, it makes me wonder about that. Uh, Alexi goes to get his mail and the guards are kind of making fun of him and mocking him. They're eating, uh, like treats so Alexi will still get like a lot of fan mail and stuff from people um but he's been locked up now in in prison for 20 20 years 30 years now at this 20 years I think or so at this point and he uh he still has that that ego so much that the girls know that when they send him an action figure of himself that he's going to pull the string <laughs> to hear yeah. his own voice talk. They know that. And when he pulls the string a couple times, the head pops off and in in underneath it, there's an earpiece. And when he puts the earpiece in, um, it's uh it's Natasha saying, Today it's your lucky day, Alexi. Move to the door on the south wall. She says, Go left, just don't make a scene. So so this is a great prison break scene where they're trying to break him out. The way and the location of this prison It's like a maximum security prison And it's located In the absolute middle of nowhere Right underneath these big Mountains Uh, And so it would be like really hard To try to escape from from this prison Where it's located And of course Alexi makes a a Freaking scene He starts punching guards he starts hitting everyone, running, yep. and they're all they're chasing him. It's just whole. It's like this hilarious scene where, like, every person is screaming at him, and she even says, <laughs> "You just made a scene, didn't you?" Uh, <laughs> I thought this was yeah. a lot of fun. I love how he gets revenge on the guards that were uh, eating the cookies that were sent for him. Like, it, at any point, uh, he could have just walked up to them and smashed through. <laughs> The window, like, uh, but he had just been, you know, holding back, I guess, because it made his life easier to not always be fighting. Uh, but as soon as he knew he was breaking out, he went and smashed those guards up real, real nice. So that was a fun little moment. And this this uh, prison break uh, as a whole was just a lot of fun. Uh, reminded me of a little bit of the Matrix at, at the beginning when he had the earpiece sure. in and he's being told how to get out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it gets really big too. They go big <laughs> by the end of it. It's a yeah. huge set piece. And, uh, he takes a spill at one point that really stuck out to me as well. That fall as yeah, he's trying he, to climb out. It oh. looks like it's something that he's maybe tried before, mm. you know, like he's tried to escape and tried this jump, but he can't quite do it on his own. Like he still can't, right. 
you know, he's not physically able to, uh, to, to, to do like to escape this. So, uh, Nat and Alina need to help. They break him out, and we see some of his super abilities. Um, as he, you know, uh, tries to scale the wall, but he cannot. So Natasha has to drop in out of the plane to help Alexi, and she lands with a pose. Right when she lands, Elena scoffs, <laughs> scoffs at as Elena's flying the the copter. Uh, Elena gets out what looks like a, a huge bazooka. She takes yeah. out one of the prison security towers because all these guards are up there shooting down at uh, at Alexi, and they're shooting down at Natasha. But because of where they're located, this triggers a huge avalanche of mm-hmm. of all this snow that is about to. Completely encapsulate the prison And so uh, Natasha's standing out there And uh, Elena kind of Flies away with Natasha holding On um, from the From the, the helicopter but Alexi's standing right in the middle as We see all the prisoners they're about to get Completely covered by all this snow and like, Buried alive and Alexi mm-hmm. is Moments away from himself From being buried alive as uh, Natasha swoops down um, and grabs Alexi before uh, all the snow just completely destroys the the prison. Um, way to not yeah. make a scene. <laughs> <laughs> I loved I loved this scene, by the way, and I loved. Uh, there's a line I believe Yolanda says in this scene, and, and she calls back to it later on. But she's like, "This yes. would be a cool way to die." <laughs> yes. So she she, she kind of wants to go out in a badass way, and they establish that. She her shot created that avalanche, and. Um, Visually it looks awesome It looks really yeah. great She flies that copter really low And she helps uh, Yeah, She helps get Nat and Alexi Out of there And as they're flying away Alexi's shouting to everyone Farewell douchebags In, in Russian <laughs> And uh, and then he says Oh that was exciting And he looks and he's like I'm so proud of you two girls They can't hear him Because they've, they've got uh, They're in the copter So he puts on a headset this was just one of the first of many funny lines where he's like, I'm so proud of you. And they're like looking at him and he's, Oh, you can't hear me. Oh, and then he puts it in, you know, and he says, yeah. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you know, and repeats it. And yep. they're, they're both just, they, they, there's information they think they can get from Alexi. They don't yeah. want to, this isn't a reunion. This isn't a, Hey, dad, we love you. You know, we miss you situation. We're trying to find ourselves. This is, Come on, where's the the red room? But uh, mm-hmm. Elena actually slaps him, and he yeah. says, "Why the aggression? Is it your time of the month?" <sighs> and this is when they get real graphic, as they say. Uh, Elena says, "I don't get my period, dipshit. I don't have a uterus or ovaries." Yes, that's what happens when the uh, or ovaries. I think Nat Nat says that one, and uh, says that's what yeah. happens when the red room gives you an involuntary hysterectomy. They kind of just go in there and rip out all of your productive organs. They get right in there and, and yeah. chop them all away, everything, so you can't have babies. And Alexi interrupts, okay, 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 okay. He doesn't want to hear anymore. Like, so you don't have to get so clinical and nasty. <laughs> and uh, Elena says, oh, I was about to talk about fallopian tubes, but okay. Uh, just really, uh, like, this was, I, I think, I think I read this was something, I don't know if this was added in. Or this was something that the girls or were like wanted to make sure that this scene was in there too, where they could kind of have some fun with it um, themselves, and they they could kind of take ownership of it. I think 
um, is uh, yeah, we 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 get just great chemistry from them, yeah. and uh, you know, as he tells him, it means so much that you came back to me. And they said, no, you're gonna tell us how to get to the red room. He says, oh, look at you, all business. Trust me, this isn't pleasure. He says, "Little Natasha, all indoctrinated into the Western agenda." <laughs> she says, "I chose West to become an Avenger. They treated me like family." He says, "Family? Well, where are they now? Where is that family now?" She asks, "Where's the Red Room?" Lexi does not know. He says, "I have no idea." So they they don't believe him. Come on, you and Drakov were like, and this is when Alexi actually sort of lets his guard down for one of the first times. He, you know, mm-hmm. he plays that tough macho. I'm the Red Guardian. You know, you know, I'm, I'm a super a soldier. But this is what he says. General Drakov, my friend, huh? Gives me glory. Soviet Union's first and only super soldier. I could have been more famous than Captain America. Then he buries me, Ohio, on that stupid mission. Three years, so tedious, boring me to tears. Even though he's telling <laughs> them about yeah. the girls, like their family, he leans over and says, uh, "No offense, huh?" As like Elena looks at him as he's talking about how boring it was to be their father. Um, but he insists. Then he puts me in prison for the rest of my life. Why, huh? Why would he put me in? You know why? Because maybe I want to talk about the withering of the state. Or maybe I don't like his hair or something I say casually about that. Maybe, you know, I want the part. <laughs> that, that was a great one, too. Something about his hair. Yeah. Uh, Maybe you know I want the party to feel like a party instead of this sour puss organization. <laughs> but instead, no, he puts me in prison for the rest of my life. He just runs off and hides, huh? I'm not even the one who who killed his daughter. <laughs> and he looks like what a dick thing to say too, you know? Like even yeah. he just he um the one thing with with Alexi is that and and he learns and this is what happens with a lot of of these I guess superheroes, you know, and they they're just so socially awkward. They don't know how to act like a, like a normal right. interaction or a normal person. They're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't say that. You know, that's probably not really cool to say. <laughs> True. Yeah. And it's like kind of uh, the opposite of, of Steve Rogers, too, in, in, in that sense. They kind of have Absolutely. that in common. Like, he's kind of just out of, out of the loop on everything. He's a man at a time. And then he's the, the same way. You know, when people go to prison for a while, they, they get it kind of out of time a little bit, out of the loop. And, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting and fun and funny to look at the ways that they are just the same but completely different. Just like how much he loves to brag compared to how much, you know, Steve is just this modest, uh, uh, dignified kind of person. Uh, whereas this guy's like literally making up stories yeah. about Steve, fighting Steve, these tall tales that he's spinning. <laughs> They're just polar opposites, but, you know, on the same, the same, uh, Opposite sides of the same coin, you know. The girls joke about throwing him out the window. Now we know wait till he gets to a, a higher altitude. Um, yeah. And then he mentions uh, Melina. I said, "Wait, M- Mom, Melina? We thought yeah. she was dead." He says. Then he starts to get like. He says, "Oh, <laughs> you you cannot get a fox that swift." And they're like, "Oh, gross!" You know, like when your parents start talking about sex or something. It's just like, "Oh, stop!" And uh, yeah. yeah. She says the line uh, later, the line later, uh, asked that there's almost a callback when they finally, when he finally sees Milena and yeah. he's like, I have all these, I have all these feelings of like, energy. energy. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And they're like, Oh, they're at the dinner table. Gross. Stop it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
he tells her or he tells the girls, yeah, she was the scientist, the strategist. I was the muscle. She worked directly for Dracoff far more than I ever did. And so she, they said she uh, he said she re- works remotely outside St. Petersburg. The girls say, I don't think we have enough fuel for St. Petersburg. He completely uh, shrugs them off. So, of course we do. No, we're good. We'll make it. No problem. Con- like confidently. Yeah. And then the next thing we see is them falling Smash down. But last <laughs> guy, they've powered down and the helicopter is on the ground out of fuel. And he says, yeah. you should have brought the Avengers super jet. <laughs> and Alita uh, says, I swear, if I hear one more word for him, I'm going to kick him in the face. And he's the worst. And and then he he calls Natasha over like he's going to have this like, like, I'm sorry moment, you know, and he says, Natasha, Natasha, I want to ask you something. Because it's important And he says uh, <laughs> Did he talk to you about me <laughs> She says what Did he talk to you about me You know trading word stories And she oh, doesn't even know what he's talking about He's like who What? He says you know Captain America My great adversary in this theater Of geopolitical conflict Not so much a nemesis More like a contemporary you know Co-equal <laughs> I always thought this was a great There was a great deal of mutual expect and she is just pissed. She's just you haven't seen either one of us in twenty years, and you're gonna ask me about you. Yeah. And he doesn't get it though. Like he can't. He doesn't really comprehend. What is with this tension? Did I do something wrong? I, I don't get <laughs> it. You know. And, and and this is what he goes on to telling them. You know, I only ever loved you girls. I did my best to make sure you would succeed and achieve your fullest potential. Everything worked out. He said for you. We accomplished our mission in Ohio. Yelena, you went on to become the greatest child assassin the world has ever known. <laughs> child assassin. Uh, no one can <laughs> match your efficiency and your ruthlessness. Natasha, not just a spy, toppling regimes, uh, destroying empires from within. An Avenger, you both killed so many people. Your ledgers must be <laughs> dripping, just gushing red. I couldn't be more proud of you. <laughs> uh, proud dad. It, it, what's so funny about it is, is that he's 100% sincere, Absolutely. and like like I said before, he, like he's ignorant to like how absurdly like vile what he's saying is. He doesn't even realize he 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 means well. He literally means well, and that's why you can kind of like him still. Uh, but he, it's just because he doesn't understand like the literal suffering that he's you know, put them through and probably countless others. But uh, in the end, he does mean well. He, he, it's just it's just his own ignorance that's holding him back. So he's trying to be this, like, uh, happy father, but it's just they're, they're like, what the hell? You know, and they, he's trying to give them a hug and, you know, get away from me. You smell really bad. And um, he... Uh, he says so they're they're traveling they're walking to St. Petersburg they ask if uh if she Elena asks are we there yet he says you you'll know when we're there <laughs> and he snorts which is kind of a funny reference to we'll, we'll see in just a second that one of the pigs mm-hmm. is named uh, Alexi as um, <laughs> we see Melina training pigs she's out on a pig farm and uh, she can sense somebody's coming So she grabs the pigs, she grabs a gun And she heads to see who is approaching She sees that it's Alexi, Nat And uh, Alina, and she tells them To make themselves at home And let's have a drink So Nat and Melina talk uh, a little bit 
And then they all sit down at the dinner table As uh, Melina says I'm putting away my weapon And then Natasha asks her any booby traps around here Anything we need to know about She says I didn't raise my girl to fall My girls to fall into traps And Natasha said you didn't raise us at all Um, Oh maybe so But if you got soft it wasn't on my watch Great scene of Alexi Struggling to fit into his old Red Guardian costume He's (laughs) Barely able to he's overweight But he squeezes in and he Walks out and he is So freaking proud Of himself yeah. um, I, I really uh, From the moment they Pick up Alexi From jail and the whole that whole Sequence like all through all Of this to where they get to the red room This like them back in The family uh, dynamic And I think I read that or Heard that somewhere like this movie could have been like almost equally as entertaining for me if it was just those characters in like a, you know, they, these characters mm-hmm. in a family on the road going somewhere trying to figure something out. It's like a like the dynamic yeah. that they all have with each other is so great. Like you could have placed them in any setting and it would have been it would have been great. They get back here to this that Molina's house and then the, the conversation they have at the dinner table. We get a look at Molina with the pigs, him trying to get in, them kind of. Going through the same things with Melina uh, That they did with Alexi You know like what that, You know you were supposed to be our mom How'd you let this happen to us You didn't come back for us stuff yeah. So they, they're working out all these feelings It just felt like very genuine All the, the interactions and stuff between them Definitely and, you, and it's more of kind of what we said before Where it's you know Family picking up on their old habits And a lot about the dynamic Has changed but they're just, you know, falling into a groove there. And it just, it, it, we recognize it as just, you know, this is a family right, right here. It's kind of cool. And I thought it was interesting too, how I think there's a few MCU movies now that fit this kind of mold where at this point in the story, they kind of reset on a farm location with like a familial element yes. to it. So yep. Yep. Age of Ultron, we've got Hawkeye's farm. We've got Iron Man 3, there's like that little kid and his relationship there, and there's like a barn that he has right there. Falcon and the Winter uh, Soldier. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yeah. We go back to yeah. Louisiana, right? It's down there, like to the, yeah. the sisters, to the training sequences to kind of get right before uh, the big, you know, end right. um, and like battle sequence. So, yeah, it's it's a good... Familiar trope in a movie That we kind of can get comfortable with And know like okay they're gonna sort of Come together like get a plan And and then you know Be like head towards the uh, Like the climax of the movie Or the story Yeah and I wonder if metaphorically Like it's a farm or like a barn it, Because that's very like of the earth So yep. it's like coming back down to earth There's these like larger than life characters Larger Around than him. life um, yeah, exactly. Uh, the scenarios are over the top in a way, and then this brings it all back down and kind of resets again our our expectations and our uh, the dynamics between the characters have a chance to kind of like simmer a little bit and and b- before it kind of bubbles over and we get to like a, a, a big climax. So it's it's interesting that they're they're using this trope in more than one film but in very different ways the dynamics in each one is is you know totally different we're talking about a guy and a little kid in one where it's like a mentorship we're talking about one where it's like a, a family's coming uh together and a revelation 
that you know Hawkeye even has a family, and then this is this very like dysfunctional like twist on what we've already seen. So it's it's very cool and uh, it's much darker too, especially what what happens. Uh, I think we'll probably touch on it momentarily with with the pig and the experimentation, and you see the the mom um, uh, that she is just as dark in her own way as as Alexei and her ignorance and her service toward the crazy scene oh my gosh yeah yeah with the pigs where she's like about to kill him uh before we get there we see alexi he's super proud of himself he's singing rise you workers of salvation and then he's like sits down (laughs) his family back together again and um, he's all excited and Melina is, Melina is so robotic here Which is funny like Because it does seem very different Than the Melina we saw in the opening Right mm. she was much more motherly There yeah. you know um, And here and, and we hear her kind of tell Natasha In a little bit like think about it I've been there over and over I've been in the red room this is all I know You know like I'm the hamster on the wheel That's all we know is just to keep running That's uh, you know and um Mm-hmm. So um, Nat again just kind of wants to get to business But uh, Melina even says right before this Seeing as our family construct Was just a calculated ruse that only lasted Three years I don't think we can use this term Anymore can we You know it's like wow um, um, Nat starts asking some questions Alexi this is when he Gets a little flirty and says uh, Melina I want to say something right off the bat You haven't aged a day Huh. You're just <laughs> as beautiful and supple as the day they staged our marriage, <laughs> which is great. The day they staged our marriage, not like the day yeah. I saw you and fell in love. <laughs> right. The day they forced us to be married, you know. <laughs> um, and she says, "You got fat, <laughs> but but still good. But good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that really cracked me up. That line right there. You got fat, but still good." And when he's, and this is when he says the energy line, right? Yep, yep. He uh, he says, "I just got out of prison, and uh, I have a lot of energy." And he said, "She says, oh," and she kind of perks up, and then Nat, Nat goes, "Oh no, please don't do that! Oh, oh no, no!" And she totally changes the subject. Uh, that was, this, yeah. This is just like a, you're nor like when your parents are doing this kind of stuff, and you're just cringing, right? Like everyone's. Yeah. A lot of people have been in a situation like this where mom or dad is just you're like, oh, come on. Um, yeah. So a lot of people can relate to this to this kind of a thing. As David uh, Harbour's David Harbour's line reading there though is is so good. Like I can't imagine an actor being as funny better. as he did. Right? He did it so perfectly. The way he said energy. I mean, I laughed out loud in the a theater. Lot of energy. Uh, yeah, it was like. <laughs> Yeah, he gives it a little pause and like breathes in. And he's like energy. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's great. He's he's absolutely great. And that to me was my favorite line. I think of the whole the whole movie. And now they're like they're like interrupt. This is the the family dynamic is right here. I mean, Melina's tells Nat, "Don't slouch." Says, I'm not slouching. Yes, you are. Yeah. I don't slouch. You're going to get a bad back. Listen to your mother. Oh my god. They're just they're, they're like fighting, interrupting each other like a totally normal family would at the dinner table. It's a really like laugh out loud moment and finds just enough all of you. Um here's what's going to happen. I don't want any food and Melina says eat a little something, Yelena, for God's sake. You're going to tell us uh eat a little something for God's sake. 
Nat just wants to know where the red room is. is says that you're going to tell us the location of the red room, and um, they the the the, the parents Melina and Alexi start looking at each other. It says, you know, it's like when I told them they could stay up late to catch Santa Claus, and <laughs> he says. Well, that was fun. You know, he comes down the chimney, girls. Look out. Where is he? You wait for him, and when the cookies are gone, and then you see he's there. No, no, what? And they're going back and forth. It's just, he's great with this as they're, um, they're, it seems like Melina and Alexi kind of are uh, a little excited to catch up. They're definitely not, like, fixated on going to try to, uh, you know, set the, and the red room and kill Drakov uh, nearly as much as what Elena and and Natasha want. Um, so this this like parent dynamic with the two of these girls, I I mean I just I really love this like so so much. Um, as yeah. think she said, finding Drakov is not a fantasy; it's unfinished business. Melina says you can't defeat a man who commands the very will of others. You never saw the culmination of what we started in America. And uh, and Alexi, even Natasha, always focus. Get what you want, you know. Just uh, as Melina said, wants to show them what she's been working on. So she uh, says, "Come in," and a freaking pig just opens the door. Mm. That asked, did that pig just open the door? Yes, it is. She says, "Good boy, Alexi." And Alexi's kind of proud. You named the pig after me? Yeah. Don't you <laughs> see the resemblance? <laughs> Um, yeah, he sits just like a dog, and Alexi says it's a little weird to me. Um, uh, <laughs> but Melina tells the pig to stop breathing, and and then she tells them we infiltrated the North Institute of Ohio. It was a front for Shield scientist. Actually, it was Hydra scientists at the time. In conjunction with the Winter Soldier project, they had dissected and deconstructed the human brain to create the first and only cellular blueprint. Of the uh, a basal ganglia, uh, which was the hub for cognition, voluntary motor movement, procedural learning. We didn't steal weaponry or technology. We stole the key to unlocking free will. Mm. And then the, the pig keels over and almost dies, and mm. and is like really struggling. And and like Natasha's like, "What are you doing?" And Melina just very like. Calmly and matter of factly says oh I'm just Explaining that science is now so exact that The subject can be instructed to stop breathing And has no choice but to obey And and the, this poor Pig is just struggling like about To die and Natasha's oh, Come on let, 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 her, let her go And uh, Melina says oh don't worry Alexi could have survived 11 more seconds without oxygen <laughs> Good boy now go Back where your home is safe you go back Go home good boy Alexi The world Functions on a higher level when it is controlled. Drakoff has chemically subjugated agents placed around the globe. The globe. Um, so, yeah, this was this is pretty scary. This this like moment right here, like Melina was terrifying. Yeah, just super cold, calculated, unfeeling. Uh, you get the sense that she's a, a psychopath or a sociopath. Which is a little inconsistent with, you know, what we see earlier and what we see later, but yeah. I guess can be expected when you're so conditioned by working in that world and probably having gone through the Red Room and your own uh, several layers of conditioning, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, th- I-, I have no doubt that she was, you know, brainwashed. Yes. Uh, so 
the the goodness that you kind of see in her is like her inherent humanity and that's something that can be brought out and she can be reminded of uh through natasha and through their experiences here uh so she can get back to that kind of place that that she was in um when she was undercover for those three years because you know like like we were talking about before she, she was giving us the sense that she was like a genuine mother figure mm-hmm. at that time. So it must've been at least partially real for her uh, in the way that, you know, like an actor can get lost in a role. Um, I'd imagine that, you know, her instincts would kick in and just your, her humanity would take over and she would start to really care for those girls at some point. So that's got to be in there somewhere. Yep. And I guess that's part of what uh, Natasha needs to do in, in this story is bring that out of her, save her mom and save her dad. It's again, that star Wars thing. As, uh, Alexi and, and Melina kind of start to argue. They, you know, they kind of talk about, Oh, it's not my department. I don't know. Don't lie to them. I'm not lying. You're Dracoff's architect, huh? Melina says, then what were you? Uh, I was his architect. You were his partner. You were his business partner. Alexi says, no, I was Patsy. He bangs the table. Don't give me that. He sell me ideology. Stop with the politics. All the while bigger. And uh, they shut up. You're an idiot. Nat calls out their BS. And she says they're both cowards. Our family was never real. So there's nothing to hold on to. We're moving on. And Alexi says never family. Huh? In my heart I'm a simple man. I think for a couple deep undercover Russian agents. I think we did pretty great as parents. Huh? (laughs) This is a great line. And he, uh, and he plays it like like you said he's he is genuine with everything right. he says when he's genuinely being stupid or when he's genuinely questioning something like he's not smart enough to manipulate people mentally he just no. he's just a soldier he just you just point him in the direction and tell him what to do and he'll kind of do it and that was what pissed off Dracob was that he started to kind of think on his think for himself you know and right. it seemed like why why they threw him in jail um so uh, Melina says yeah we had orders We played our roles to perfection Nat says who cares that wasn't real Who cares it wasn't real And Elena starts to cry Just don't say that Please don't say that it was real It was real to me You're my mother you were my real mother You're the closest thing I ever had to one The best part of my life was fake And now she gets kind of mad And none of you told me And those agents you chemically subjugated around the globe the that Melania was referring to earlier that was me and then Elena looks over kind of pissed off at Natasha says and you you got out Drakov made sure no one could escape are you going to say anything no don't touch me so she gets mad and um she grabs the vodka <laughs> takes the bottle of vodka off the table and walks into uh, into the other room for some alone time. As Alexi, he says, uh, "It's okay, I'll go talk to her." So he's gonna be the dad to go. You know, child walks off like in any sitcom or any movie you'd see. Yeah. You know, the, the dad's gotta come in and have the heart to heart with them here, or the mom or the dad, the parent. This is Danny Tanner right here from Full House. Right. You know, coming in to make things better. As uh, she tells him. I came in here because I didn't want to talk. Says, okay, well, we just sit. We just sit. And <laughs> um, then we we flash. So these are two really important scenes as Elena and Alexi connect and Melina and Natasha connect. We don't really see the full um, 
scene of what happens between uh, Nat and her mom, her mom in quotes, until a little bit later. But this is a, a big moment where um, it feels like the two of them, uh, the the combinations, mother and daughter, and then mother, uh, then daughter and son, and the uh, daughter and father and daughter in the other room, uh, both seem like they have these moments that are 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 big. And I think these are these are where like Alexi and Milena realize, you know what. We're gonna kind of make the full good guy baby face turn here, right? Yeah, and it's all about um, it's all about their 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 kids, so to speak, uh, getting through to them and uh, awakening that w- within them. They have some some real emotionally, you know, impactful uh, conversations with each other that that uh, that that remind themselves of you know their humanity. And uh, David Harbour, I really like his character, you know, with uh, and his performance as Alexi here, uh, being vulnerable in a way that he wasn't really, you know, up until this point on screen. And and again, it's it's his character is showing that he cares and he means well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, if this character was really a, a bad guy, uh, he he wouldn't have followed her into the room. You know, just the fact that he cares, that's reason enough for us as an audience to to give a fuck about him. Right. Absolutely. Because he's caring for another character. That's why it allows us to kind of just forgive all his other shitty qualities because uh, he cares for another character. And and we know in the end he means means well well and that we we can forgive him. And so as as an audience, we're kind of doing that at the same time as these characters are. So we can kind of understand where. Uh, they're coming from when they when they're able to turn around here. And again, uh, it's that American Pie uh, thing that comes up a few times in in this uh, in this film. I think that so this scene great. is the one that really makes it. Oh yeah. Uh, they have an emo- a very weighty emotional moment that's back and forth uh, with Florence Pugh and David Harbour. And uh, I, I I really think that's what pays off that that early. Um, showcase of the song yeah. which was which was a great choice but these characters really sell this moment there and i thought it was it was it was emotional it was nice and i thought that the the scene with natasha and melena was equally um impactful to me as a viewer i really liked the way that they uh she got through to her and then she reveals melena reveals that she'd already given them away but it's too late She's come around now where she's on side doing the, the baby face turn, but she'd already told uh, the Red Room exactly where they were. Yeah. As um, she sort of explains a little bit to Natasha, uh, or mm-hmm. Natasha says, you know, um, you weren't even the first mother that abandoned me. And she says, you weren't abandoned. You were selected by a program that assessed the genetic potential in infants. And I believe she said a bargain was struck. Your family was paid off, but your mother never stopped looking for you. She was relentless, just Mm. like you. Drakoff had her killed. Her existence threatened to uncover the Red Room. Normally, the actions of one curious civilian wouldn't warrant an execution. But as I said, she was relentless. That's when it's a big moment for Nat, too. Everything she thought about her mother abandoning her was false. Um, And she says, I thought about her every day of my life, whether or not I admitted to myself I did. Melina tells her I thought it best It's always found it best not to look into the past Um and then uh Natasha pulls out a, a Picture album that they they have Of 
Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, summer vacation All these pictures from their little three-year family time together In different backdrops And Natasha even says, I remember this day We shot all of these in one day in different backdrops I knew all the presents under the tree were just empty boxes But I didn't Uh, But I didn't care I still wanted to open Every single one for a second I just I thought it would feel real Um, And then it's like You know it was almost like when you're talking to An ex-girlfriend or boyfriend or an ex And and you can The the feelings are about to come to come To come out again because Melina kind of stops her And she's like Mm. let's stop this It's like she doesn't want those feelings To come out almost you know like she She's heading down like a A a dangerous path here Um, Yeah but um, Nat then asks her Why are you doing this And uh, Melina explains Why does a mouse born in a cage run on that little wheel Do You know I was cycled through the red room Four times before you were even born Those walls are all I know I was never given a choice um, But Nat won't take the BS anymore But you're not a mouse You were just born in a cage But that's not your fault That's when Melina asks Tell me how did you keep your heart which is, yeah, I thought it was a, a great a, line, a really good line, and now well delivered resp- too. Yeah, she responds, "Pain only makes us stronger." Didn't you tell us that? And this is when Nat actually says, "What you taught me kept me alive," and hmm. that's when Molina says, "I'm sorry, I already alerted the red room in a very like Lando Calrissian yeah. move, you know, like a right." Uh, she backstabbed her family and the close ones here, but she's gonna double cross because we don't know that they've set this whole thing up. And we're gonna find out shortly that this was the plan all along that Natasha and Melina put together. As mm-hmm. uh, we then flash back to uh, Alexi and he's telling the story about when he was a kid, he's, he's telling um, uh, Alina, he says, you know, I'm fishing with my father. It's a cold day in this shed, and he called even for Russia and keep the vodka. And she just keeps telling, "Please stop talking." And he tries to tell her the story, and he says, "There's a reason I'm telling you this, okay? Trust me." And he says, uh, "I'm reaching for fish, and I lose balance, and splash, my hands go in the river, and frostbite sets in, and my father, he go toilet on my hands." She's like, "Oh my God, what are you talking about?" He says it's 30 degrees uh, Urine is 30 degrees Celsius It staves off the frostbite And she says how is this relevant and he goes you know fathers It's like a, a story That's Great. just like It's so funny um, And then Elena gets pissed She says no you've done nothing but tell me How bored you were I was the chore I was the job you didn't want To me you were everything Um, You know you don't care. You don't care. The only thing you care about are your stupid glory days as the crimson dynamo. And mm. he's still a dick here because as she's like bearing her soul to him and she says, Your days as the crimson dynamo, he says, It's the one guardian. You know, like he has to like correct <laughs> her even now. Like yeah. when she's bearing everything and she's in tears and says, She screams, Get out, get out. Nobody wants to hear it. And uh, sure enough As uh, he's walking out He starts to speak the lyrics Of uh, of the, the song uh, I can't remember if I cried When I read about his widowed bride 
It was about right here when Alina realizes like what what he's doing because at the beginning she doesn't. It's like what is he doing? And then he says something touched me deep inside. The day the music died, and then she starts smiling and laughing. And they were singing live, and and then he's laughing as he sings, which is just this. Yeah. Great moment. I drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And then she will. She jumps in at the end with him and says, uh, "This will be the day that I die. This will be the day that I." Boom! We hear the Russian guards have uh, arrived. But yeah, you referenced this uh, earlier. I, this scene is just. It's. It's pretty touching. Like it almost makes you want to cry, yeah. you know? Like it it's like it's very, very nice, like really great uh scene that they have. Yeah, and it, it made me almost think while I was watching it, like this could be really, really bad, but I feel like they just struck just the right tone to make this work. Like I felt like it was almost corny, but it it walked that line so so, so that walked that tightrope so well that like it's almost better that it was a little bit corny or almost corny. Like the, it just felt more authentic and more family because of that. Uh, and again, expertly, expertly acted by both parties uh, in this scene. Florence Pugh and um, and uh, David Harbour are just absolutely amazing in this. And like you said, like he's he's laughing a little bit. Like he's getting the thrill of kind of remembering it and 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 knowing that he's gonna bring joy out of her. Like he he's I think you could kind of see it on his face that he's like almost flashing back to hey, I'm remembering the little girl and she it's got so, happy when I sing this song. Yeah, it's almost like and, he's got the mm-hmm. he's got that one like tool left in his bag that he thinks yeah. that he knows he can go to. You know, he's yeah. like oh. I, the song if i maybe the song it's like if if the song doesn't do it then there's nothing left but if the song that's gonna get her you know he like yeah. this is his uh a great a, a great card to play that to have in his hand you know yeah and it's all and it's also kind of whispered in this haunting and kind of touching scary. way it's by both of them. scary it is a little yeah. scary the way he says it too the day the <laughs> Uh, yeah and he's got that the russian accent while he's doing it then he goes from kind of creepy i was actually scaring stephanie with this song the last like week ever (laughs) ever since i was doing i kept going up and they were singing bye bye it's uh yeah a lot a lot of fun in this sequence i just that's the one thing about this movie and there are going to be a lot of things that I will remember more from this movie as just kind of like funny scenes or interactions than mm-hmm. probably a lot of other Marvel movies that are are all really good stuff. But it just seems like there are I don't know, four or five things I'm gonna really like reference and 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 point yeah. to. You know? Yeah, there's just quite a bit of good banter and, and funny quips without being too quippy, if that makes sense. Without feeling Absolutely. like it was too written. Not too uh, it has a nice Yeah, and it feels a little bit. Um, improvised at times too. Uh, I remember there was this great moment. And I'm really curious if this was improvised, but it's a perfect moment in the movie when they're introduced. Uh, when sorry, when the sisters are re uh, 
reunited earlier and in the apartment. They're both holding the guns on each other. And uh, and Natasha is backing up Yelena a little bit. And Yelena goes through the, the doorway and she kind of trips on something a little bit. And uh, Natasha or Scarlett says, uh, watch your step. And Yelena kind of kind of laughs a little bit. And it's just this very, very natural moment that felt unscripted uh, in like the perfect way. And I, I would just say that that kind of applies to a lot of the banter, too. It feels natural and unscripted in a perfect way. And it's either that they were free to do some improvising or that, again, these actors are just so good that they just make things feel natural and a, a testament to the writing as well. And the Russian guards are shooting these like. Trank darts at Alexi. They hit him with one, and he kind of stands up and says, "Ah, they think." And then, boop, 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 like ten more, just like shoot right into <laughs> yeah. him. And he, he falls to the floor. Um, uh, Alina manages to move through the house quietly. Um, Nat is completely out on the floor. Melina then takes out Elena. So uh, we see Melina as a. Uh, Someone who seems very bad here She set up the girls She set up Alexi And now she is flying them to the red room We see, And they are in uh, Like a plane here uh, As she requests clearance For landing And as Melina flies them In capture to the red room We see Nat and Alina Laying out cold behind them And as Alexi awakens He sees what's happening um, But he immediately gets Shot right back in the neck by the taskmaster uh, Again So they, the, the, the visual of this is kind of cool They arrive at like a It's like a almost like a space station Like floating mm-hmm. planet It's like a base in the, uh, the clouds Above the clouds yeah. As Sky she says, base yeah. similar, similar to the um, Oh I'm blanking on the names But S.H.I.E.L.D. has them, the helicarriers Very yep. similar technology from, from the look of it They've got these giant turbines and they're kind of hiding above the radar, they say. She says, she says above the radar. Uh, I forget who, who has that line. But as they're approaching it, she says that. Uh, it's this very cool shot of them. Yeah, it's a cloud city. It's, it's Bespin, like from, from uh, Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. Uh, but a uh, but, uh, little, little bit of a twist. So uh, she tells him this is how Dracoff stayed above the radar all these years. Um uh, Alexi even kind of says They say we're touching down in a minute He says why are we still going up um, And uh, as As they referenced anytime the widows Even come close to the red room They get drugged Before they come in so they don't even really know How like how to get there a lot of them How to go in and out um, right. uh, Melina walks through the building And uh, we see other widows Being trained and they kind of stop And look at her to kind of maybe show a little Respect like she Maybe she's like a very high up in the in the pecking order, and she walks in and starts talking with Drakov, and he asks, "How was the family reunion?" She says, "Ah, oh, it was awful. They were clingy, too emotional, and needy. She was disgusted." And he asks about Yelena Belova. What's the deal with her? She was the only one affected, right? Um, as far as I know, the he says the gases and the antidotes, the pain in my ass. It's a problem. You need to sort it. Melina says I have pigs that require attending And he doesn't give a shit about her pigs He kind of grabs her by the face And he says cut her brain out Identify the weakness So we didn't actually get a clip Of Elena Who is uh, She's on a a Medical bed and she's 
like strapped down and they drew right on the outline of her her head like they were about to carve into her head and like and <laughs> inspect her brain and that's the line that you mentioned earlier that she says back again right here this is a much less cool way to die <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Alexi and uh, Natasha are in cells So they're in uh, in capture As uh, Milena Then we see uh, she's still with Drakov They uh, continue to, to discuss uh, Natasha uh, She asks what about Romanov Drakov says she's a traitor She turned her back on her people On her blood she had nothing I gave her home I gave her love uh, Put that thing in her you do You know uh, chemicals Turn her into one of your pigs could you imagine what I could do with an Avenger under my control? Melina says, wouldn't you like to speak to her first? And Drakov looks right into her eyes and says, when you look in the eyes of a child you have raised, no mask in the world can hide that. So we now find out that this is not Melina. Melina and Natasha have switched places. They're wearing uh, masks and the wigs. So uh, this was their plan all along as a... Uh, Natasha now has access to Drakov, and we'll see in a minute that in the cell it actually is Melina there. So, yeah. Um, the uh, the the evil villain Drakov says, "Welcome home," and uh, and he looks over at the Taskmaster and he kind of says, "Don't go breaking my new toy." <laughs> so they are set up for uh, their uh, conflict. And in the cells inside the red room, Alexi turns to who he thinks is Natasha, and he tries to have his uh, his big come to Jesus moment with her, where he says, "I can't save us. I need you to know that I'm sorry. I pledged my life to a cause. I thought I was being brave, possibly the bravest, but I wasn't being brave. I was coward in Cuba when they came and took you away from me. No cause is worth that. You should only sacrifice yourself for something." And then uh, the glass opens up and he's like looks around he's free he steps out and Natasha shows us that it was actually Melina It's this really funny moment where he looks like he's in like a bad place but Melina's easily able to escape and she says I designed the cells myself He gets all mad I bared my soul to you and it was just you the whole time Uh, Again like just Great funny stuff here And um, we've, we've, we're we we're able to find out The plan that uh, Melina and uh, Natasha had concocted Yeah which is really cool twist I thought uh, And cool that they Put it together on the fly It seemed like you know right in that Moment when uh, Melina decided To you know c- Come over to the good side um, And uh, I like that they brought Back that tech that we saw recently In uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, we saw um, what's her name, Sh- Sharon Carter? Was it Sharon? Yeah, Sharon Carter yeah. used that uh, disguise yep. technology, very reminiscent of the Mission Impossible movies and, mm-hmm. and the disguises that they used there. Uh, and we saw that all the way back, I think, initially with with uh, Natasha in um, Captain America: Winter Soldier. So cool that they're bringing that back. They're keeping the tech consistent across the different movies and uh, franchises. And um, Melina. Um, now starts to talk to Elena through an earpiece uh, She tells Alexi uh, uh, Sorry uh, I'm on comms with Elena Elena it's me mama You have a two inch blade concealed in your belt line um, And Elena is able to use that To break free and kick ass On a couple scientists there 
as uh, Elena walks out. And again, it's just a funny line. You couldn't have told me sooner. You know, she like gets free and walks you out. Uh, Melena says, don't throw a fit. There wasn't time. Uh, Alexi starts to say, okay, girls, I'm having trouble hearing you, but Natasha, there's something I need you to know. I need you to know that I'm <laughs> sorry. No more excuses. I gave my life for a cause that I thought was being brave. Uh, Melina interrupts. You don't have an earpiece. <laughs> he goes, what? He says, no, she can't hear you. You don't have an earpiece. Why not? Because it wasn't part of the plan. Uh, just, he just, he's trying so hard here to he's be. Twice, twice yeah. now. Bare his soul. <laughs> and nobody's hearing him that he wants to, to be hearing him. I love that, uh, th- that they just keep kind of like undercutting all of his efforts and, uh, for comedic effect. I do, uh, hope that he gets to have some more sincere moments down the line as like a, a true hero. And as, as, uh, maybe some true badass moments at some point, uh, when we'll see him in, a, in another movie, uh, or maybe I'm forgetting, uh, some cool moments that happen later in this movie. But I, I also really enjoy, you know, just all the, all the comedy that comes out of him kind of uh, being made the fool, essentially. He's a little bit of a Homer Simpson kind of a, yes. uh, a, too dumb to live at times kind of, kind of deal. But uh, I like it. it. It makes for a good joke. So then we actually see how Nat and Melina put the whole plan together back at the house um, before they came to the red room. She says, uh, once we're inside, I'll activate the tracker. Ross will come running. You're aware that you're still a global fugitive. Yeah, you know the facility. There's going to be some way to land it. Um, so she's trying to kind of bait the people that are chasing her to the red room to help her save uh, the, the widows and to, to help you know extinguish and get rid of it. She said, once I'm out, I can activate the landing protocol. We can descend within the hour. So What's nice is they're able to use a lot of the things that Melina knows about this place to their advantage here. She's one of the few people that really does know anything about the Red Room. Um, says, why, uh, where did he take the vials? Probably down to cold storage. Um, he still has the widows under his control, so you have to expose them to this antidote. So this was their flashback, and now we get to Drakov and Natasha talking about uh, uh, Melina um, and, and then they, they talk about Nat's real mom What was my mother's name she asks And then Drakov says we, Where we buried her there was a tree A pink blossom it was beautiful There was a tombstone with her name engraved on it And Natasha says What was her name and he says Unknown mm. what a, just He was kind of setting it up like he was going to tell A nice story for her you know about her mom And then yeah. he just laughs and He just laughs like a real scumbag Villain here um, So cruel Ray Winstone, the actor there, very good. He was from The Departed and a uh, very accomplished actor. I'm trying to think of what else I know him from, but uh, this was good. Really, yeah. really good guy. So uh, he says, uh, she asks, You don't feel anything. You feel anything when I killed your daughter? Oh. And, uh, you know, he says, Thank you, Natasha. You gave me my greatest weapon. Say hello. And he shows us who the Taskmaster is. And she removes her helmet. It's his daughter, Antonia. He says, when your bomb exploded, it nearly killed my Antonia. I had to put a chip in the back of her neck. In the back of her neck. Look at her. You find it difficult to look at her. She watches everything, and she can do it. She's a perfect mimic. She fights just like all of your friends. Nat asks if she can hear me. He says, why? You want to make her feel better? You want to tell her you're sorry? You should have thought about that before you blew off her face. Enough of this bullshit. Go to work. I have rats in the basement. So he sends the taskmaster to deal with Alexi, Elena, and Melina. 
there And uh, as he does Nat says well that was a mistake She says you sent away the one thing that would stop me from killing you So she tries to kill him And she can't Um he says, I'm, contr- uh, I'm not controlling you, but there's a pheromonal lock. My pheromone, smelling my pheromones prevents you from committing violence against me. She's like physically paralyzed when she tries to hit him, tries to um, commit yeah. violence against him. She like locks up. And so we see the way he's able to protect himself. Yeah. I, I had mixed feelings about this. I agree. And the plausibility of it. I don't know. What my real issue is, I'm I not agree. sure if I could quite identify it, but it just for some reason rings as a little bit silly. Like it, it just doesn't quite me. No. make sense that this would work. And the way that she gets past it to me seems kind of kind seem badass on its surface in in a way. But when I when I look at that, it just I'm, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, uh, I was a little disappointed in this whole concept and i don't know if it it was just too hard for me to buy as as silly as it is for me to say that with all the ridiculous things that happen in this world for some reason i have an issue with that i don't know why maybe that's just me no i completely mm -hmm. felt the same way this bothered me this is where i met where he kind of felt like generic i don't know if this was this there could have been more something more than the the pheromones thing i I do agree that i I thought the writers thought that they were doing something really cool there you know yeah. what I mean? Sorry. Yeah. No, no. And because I, I thought it was badass the way she gets around it, but uh, mm-hmm. and eventually, but I just, yeah, it didn't, it didn't do a lot for me as um, uh, Drakoff, um, yeah, you know, f- fine villain. Um, as, uh, oh, hi, Milo. Milo's home. He wanted to say hello. <laughs> um, so Nat can't kill him physically. And right. he says to her, it's a shame I have to, to kill Melina. And he's very Bond villain too in like giving away You know a lot of his secrets he starts oh, yeah. to do that In just a moment after this um, Melina and Alexi um, are, are Sort of trying to figure out how they can help And uh, Alexi says come on If we're just going to press buttons and hack computers uh, There's nothing for me to do I want to break something Oh you do and then here comes Taskmaster He Taskmaster shows up to battle With Alexi uh, Alexi preps um, turns to and gives a, a farewell to Milena. He he like he wants to give her the the farewell that he was giving the girls to Milena. Yeah. Uh, this is the last time that we and he turns and, and she's gone. She just like <laughs> hasn't <laughs> she hasn't waited for him to have you know have his big speech yet here either. And um, uh, so just another like laugh out loud moment as he he's trying to get real but he cannot uh he can't do so. Um. So Elena's trying to get the uh, the antidote. She's moving through on her own. She's kind of creeping around. She drops out of the ceiling and she lands in superhero pose and she makes yeah. fun of herself and she goes, she kind of cringes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So she uh, she ends up taking out a guard and um, and she uses the uh, access to get into an uh, an authorized area. Back up to Drakov and Natasha. He says this was the big plan, huh? Milena's gonna land the Ren Room and hand me over to the authorities. And he watches on his cameras as Melina's kind of sneaking in and, and trying to uh, alert authorities. Drakov laughs and he M- Melina gets stuck um, in a, a small little room as uh, Drakov watches with Nat. And she she says, "What you're gonna fold me into your pathetic little puppeteer act?" Um, 
And so now Nat knows what she's doing She's really trying to to piss this guy off Because he got to feed on his ego That's one of his major weaknesses He is so uh, self-centered And has a humongous ego And he starts to say um, You ran away to fight in the real In the wrong war The real war was fought here in the shadows She said you didn't fight in the shadows You hid in the dark He says Real power comes from undetectable Influence and that's when she Kind of mocks him if no one's noticed then why Do we even do it She really tells him you're Nothing you have nothing And he says there are 50 People on this planet and she Kind of laughs at him Ha 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 oh stop it and he Says don't tell me to stop And It is It's Good stuff here in, in how he's acting uh, I, I don't mind the way he's acting here The pheromone stuff is the, the stuff that really bothered me Like the him punching yeah. her And her say you think I can't take mm-hmm. a punch And he hits her again um, She says damn it You're weak and, he, right. and she tells him I bet it's easier To be tough in front of defenseless little girls Huh so he gives her a big Right hand and then he kicks her When she's on the ground And uh he tells her you wouldn't be so glib If you had any notion of the scope I built boom Bond villain Right here <laughs> dumb mm-hmm. Bond Villain he's going to explain everything He says uh, I don't need to Impress you I don't need to impress anyone He takes his Ring out and he touches It to a computer screen and Like this massive GPS tracker With thousands of these little red dots each Of them representing a different girl That's a widow they all pop up And uh, he says, look at them. These girls were trash. They were thrown into the street. I recycled the trash, and I give them purpose. I give them a life. So he's saying this to her as she's really, for the first time, like realizing how many widows there are out there under control. I don't think anybody had an idea of, of the scope, like you were saying, the scope yeah. of how, how many of them uh, there were. And we're getting uh, – this, this was very Star Wars while they're on this – Floating planet and we're flashing back and forth mm-hmm. And like Nat's here with Dracov and Milena's in the other room Trying to get something done and Alexi's Over here fighting off Taskmaster And Yelena yeah. she's working on her own Like everybody's got a job to do And we keep kind of flashing back And cutting to, to each one of them Taking care of business Yeah it's really well done the cross cutting And the kind of juggling of, of Stories um, and keeping it all very um, well paced and and keeping the tension, you know, constantly ramping up and raising along the way. Um, and overall, it, I think it's it's bubbling, you know, kind of boiling over to a really nice climax here. Um, yes, we are doing some cliche Bond villain explanation tropes, uh, but I think in some ways that works in the, in this movie's favor. The movie's kind of playing with those things, and uh, it's all stuff fun. we didn't know. This is like exposition yeah. that we have to we we need to figure out, you know. Yeah, and I do have maybe reservations too about some of the details uh, that are revealed here. The scope, for instance, is maybe another thing that for me uh, strains uh, credulity. I guess like I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I buy that. Wait, how could there possibly be thousands of widows across the world and then nobody knows uh, about them? Yeah. I guess it's one more thing that I have to suspend disbelief. But a couple things that similar, don't. Add up. Yeah. Yeah, just similar to this 
the you know the severed the nerve thing coming up uh that i don't know something about it it just doesn't i don't buy it and maybe that's just me but uh i'm i'm okay i'm okay like suspending my disbelief and going along with it but i do feel like it's a little bit of a harder pill to swallow than some of the other things so Yelena continues on. Uh, she says that she found the vials. Uh, Melina laughs. She says, I've had a slight step back. You'll need to get to the widows as uh, she's now climbing through a vent. Uh, Alexi and Taskmaster battle here as Drakoff uh, tells us that it was his network of widows that helped uh, my network of widows helped me control the scales of power on command. Oil and stock markets crumble One command, a quarter of the planet starves My widows can start and end wars They can make and break kings Nat asks him You control all of that from here? Yep, and with you and Avenger under my control I can finally come out of the shadows Using the only natural resource That the world has too much of Girls <laughs> um, and, and she says All from that little console? Yep and she's like laughing at him He says you find this amusing Why are you smiling And he says don't take it personal But uh, thank you for your, your cooperation We then get a flashback To Nat and Melina discussing Their plan and Nat, this is when Melina Told Nat about the pheromones And that Nat has figured out a solution So They have to block the receptors the, um, In order to Do that you have to sever the nerve so Natasha Natasha knows she can do that And we get back uh, We flash back to her with Drakov She says you weren't quite strong enough So I'll have to finish it myself And she breaks her nose On the desk right down She slams her head right down on the desk To sever the nerve and because of that She's no longer under the pheromonal lock She's able to attack Drakov here um, Yeah I thought this was a little yeah. goofy I, I thought, yeah, bad it's a good way of putting it. Do that, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I was a little yeah. goofy. Uh, goofy is a great like way to summarize it. Absolutely, and uh, still, like I know I just got done saying that I had issues with this, but and I and agreeing with you that it's goofy. I still kind of like it. It, it. I don't know how I feel. It's weird. I'm, I'm, I'm. I feel both ways. About it because yeah, I do feel like it's kind of cool that she she suckered him into like uh, punching her. Like she wanted him to beat her face in so that the nerve would get severed, but then she had to do it herself. It it, it makes sense on its surface, and uh, even though it's 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 goofy and it would never happen in real life that way, no chance in hell. It just that, that's not how your nose works. <laughs> that's not how any of that works, really. Um, and who knows what kind of brain trauma you would get from something like that. That's what immediately comes to my mind right there. Like she could just knock herself out or, or make herself a cripple, but it's like, it's TV and movie logic where, you know, you can knock somebody out by hitting them on the head and they'll be okay. Like they're never going to have, uh, you know, brain damage from it, but that's just, uh, it's just another one of those things where you just got to kind of go with it. But at the same time, Kind of cool in a cartoony, goofy kind kind of way. I don't. I, I feel both ways about no, it I, at the same time. I didn't necessarily. I, I thought it could have been a, um something that was more, but I, I, like the gnat part of it didn't bother me. I think is what it was. Maybe mm. like like her like what she was trying to do didn't didn't bother me. Her trying to bait him uh, more right. than maybe I thought that like 
that was kind of a silly way that he was controlling the win- the girls like that through pheromones or you know in, in this particular situation. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah, because like how would the how would that even really work? I don't. It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So just, the, the next moment where uh, Melina like she gets down and she just like blows up this engine. And, and she like calmly walks off after, and she's yeah. like telling Yelena, um, while a bunch of soldiers are like dead and exploding all over behind her. She goes, uh, yeah, slight change of plan. I completely demolished one of the engines, and we're going into a controlled <laughs> clash crash. <laughs> Love that moment. Love the moment that precedes it too, where she's standing there and she's surrounded by all all the guards, and they recognize her. They know her as like you know a leader on on their side. She just points the thing up, up uh, you know, the gun up and, and fires off that rocket and everything just starts uh, raining down hellfire around her. It's really cool how she just walks off uh, and, and so casually uh, says that they're crashing, you know, and this, the sequence that this kicks off too, the, uh, the crash and the fight that happens all along the way is pretty memorable. I've never seen anything quite like it. It takes what we saw like in point break, that, that classic, parachuting scene in, in point break and kind of expounds upon that unbelievable uh, it really is yeah like we're in the mm-hmm. sky here so uh first alexi and taskmaster they battle melina comes in and uh she uses the hurricane rana right here uh to <laughs> right. taskmaster and then she ends up um locking him in the cell and they close taskmaster we keep saying him her taskmaster in the cell right. um uh so nat is just beating up on Drakov. Not so talkative now, are you? You took my childhood. You took my choices. You tried to break me, but you're never going to do that to anyone again. She's screaming at him as she just crushes him. But all of a sudden, a bunch of widows show up to go after Nat. Probably 10 or 15 of them in this room alone. He tells them to make her suffer. And uh, she looks at them and she tries to reason with them. I don't want to hurt you. You don't want to hurt me. But they're still programmed. They're still controlled. And at one point, she's completely cornered, like four on one. They have her surrounded. Uh, they're about to kill her. But Yelena makes it in with the vials, and she's able to kind of shoot the vials with the antidote. So it explodes, and and basically all of the widows in that room are now no longer under mind control. So they. At least a few of them, that, that group of 10 to 15 of them, like, they're free. Boom. That's just a small, small fraction of all of them. But, hey, like, there's at least a group now that they've freed. Yeah. It's huge. Uh, it's crazy. So now, potentially, we could see these Black Widows coming up in, in further stories. And that's really, really interesting. We've got these awakened Black Widows and, like, hundreds more of of still, uh, you know, under the influence Black Widows that they need to 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 free. So, I'm intrigued to see where they could go with that. I also, um, I don't know. There's something about where in comics and in comic like TV shows, I've seen this a lot recently. The CW does this like really all the time, but they'll just make everybody have superpowers to the point where it's almost like not special anymore. Yeah. And I worried a little bit, like when you start, when you get into this world where now there's like a thousand black widows and you've got multiple super soldiers, and then you're going to introduce mutants. Um, what's that going to look like? Is it going to be special uh, to see um, the power? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What you mean. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, 
there we, it was nice about like we still see these girls in particular Yelena and Natasha mm-hmm. like get wounded you know pull a knife yeah. out of Nat's arm um okay I'll take it out on three boom uh, looks like it hurts one girl actually asked in Finnish what do we do now and mm. um they they tell him Nat says you get to make your own get as far away as you can from here now you get to make your own choices now remember the engine has been blown up so this place is like mid exploding and crashing right. uh, they got to they got to get out of there but they still want to find Drakoff uh, on the way uh, Drakoff's being led out by a bunch of these guards and uh, that's when he realizes that he doesn't have his ring the ring that controls basically all of the technology that he has to access the Black Widows Nat took it So Nat is able to log in Now um, She re-breaks her nose Fixes it up and she transfer mm-hmm. the files uh, From Dr- Drakov's computers onto a disc She runs and she leaps Out the window uh, Melina yeah. and Alexi Are flying around in the copter They're looking for the girls and this This ten minutes of these explosions everywhere, these visuals of the this little planet space station as Melina and Alexi, mm-hmm. they're on a plane. Um, they're looking for the girls. Their plane is being attacked. Alexi's using his shield to knock this soldier off. I mean, Nat's trying to yeah. finally get out of the red room, but it collapses. Um, she finds Taskmaster trapped in the cell, and then she tries to share a moment with her. I know you're gonna come kill me. I know you're still in there though But I'm not going to leave you So she tries to save her life She opens the door um, and I, they're just, There's so much going on here And visually yeah. it's awesome Yeah big time I, I can't remember exactly where it comes But there's really only one Complaint I had visually In this whole sequence The rest of it was pretty stunning And uh, I mean they're really reaching on On action That we haven't seen uh, in a, in a film before, I've never never seen you know a, a, a sky base collapsing from like well above uh, the clouds for so long with so much action going on down down the uh, all along the way down and uh, it's really really excellent uh, the way that they do it here. I, I particularly liked this moment with um, Florence Pugh. I, I I don't know if we're, we got to this spot yet, but. Where she kind of has her her good death uh, chance. It comes back all around to to that where she's she's standing above um, the the engine and she's gonna throw something in the, in the engine to like basically blow up uh, you know all the bad guys in there and she's gonna sacrifice herself. That is a very great moment like um, for the story, but I thought the look of it looked so cheap in the middle of this amazing, amazing sequence. I don't know if uh, you know the one that I'm talking about, but where she gets blown off the side of it. I even saw this reposted on social media. I, with I think people, I know exactly. Yeah, you know, I think I know exactly. The, yeah. The, yeah, the one you're talking about too. It, it's just like a little out of place almost. Um, yeah, where you're, you're kind something of about around. the way it was filmed. Yeah, uh, but. But beyond that, <laughs> I just want to get that almost out of the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Like, this was a crazy cool action sequence here. And um, uh, if I'm going to make another complaint, really, it's just that it kind of ties into a complaint you mentioned earlier. There is something about it, even though they're going huge with the action, the stakes feel somewhat low in that you almost you never feel like Natasha's going to die because you for, 
for one, you just know she's not going to. And number two, at that point, as it's going down, like there's nothing still at, at, at stake in that moment. They're not going to, there's no more widows to save, like in the near vicinity, they already saved the widows. And it's just, I don't know. There, there, there's maybe a lack of, of major stakes with that. You don't feel like one of these characters that we met, Alexi or anybody could die. Uh, and it, yeah, it's maybe missing something to give it a little bit more weight, but on its surface and just as a like a thrill ride, it's really succeeding. It's yeah, like an action sequence like this, it's, it's hard to explain because they're just like falling around all over. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as the yeah. the taskmaster and Nat come together, like they're about to battle, there's a big explosion that knocks her off and sends everyone flying. Um, mm-hmm. Yelena actually gets on top. Of the of the helicopter that Drakov is in, and she looks at Nat, and she smiles, and she gets ready to completely sacrifice herself for the yeah. greater good. And she the, jabs a dagger um, into the propeller, which like blows the helicopter up. It sends her jolting and flying through the air. She's kind of knocked out, so. We see Drakov engulfed in flames And Nat immediately dives after her sister Yelena Who's falling through the sky And she hooks a parachute onto Yelena And is able to to save Yelena's life By by hooking that uh, on her And then Nat and the Taskmaster are battling As they fall through the sky Falling through buildings, through debris Both end up on the ground uh, as they battle Um but yeah, this is there's a, there's a lot going on in this action sequence and a lot of moving mm-hmm. pieces. Yeah, and really well done. Like for the most part, I know I've talked about a couple of uh, complaints, but you know, I was legit thrilled uh, through the whole thing. Uh, there's just action that I've just never seen before, and the the fighting style of the ta- of Taskmaster and the the setting this this crazy setting. Uh, and just the back and forth as they're plummeting downward and uh, a scene that really reminded me of one of my favorite scenes of all time. I mentioned it before, but Point Break, that scene where they're skydiving at the end with only one parachute and a gun. And it's Keanu and Swayze. They're going down the whole way. I love that dynamic. That's a much more simple pared down version of what we're seeing here. But you really get that kind of dynamic in, in a way with uh, with Taskmaster and Natasha going down there and uh, just absolutely uh, stunning uh, sequence for sure. Well, uh, they Marvel continues to raise the bar for the action that they're putting mm-hmm. out there. And uh, I, I was not disappointed in any of their sequences in, in this film with, with how the action was little thing here or there, maybe, but no yeah, disappointment. Yeah. Notch. Like a, nit, a nitpick here and there for sure. Right. Yeah. That's what, we're, that's what we're here to do. We you know we're going to critique some things for sure. As uh, the uh, on the ground, Nat uh, removes the Taskmaster's helmet and then uses the gas uh, to free Antonia. And she says, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Antonia asks, "Is he gone?" Um, you know, asking about Drakov. And Nat says, "He's gone." Um, she then sees Yelena on the floor, and it's a, a real cool throwback to I think. Some of the first words of the movie where Yelena says, We're both yeah. upside down. You know, yeah. back to when they were kids playing in the backyard. And in uh, in Russian, Nat says, 
Forgive me, little sister. I should have come back for you. And Elena says, mm-hmm. You don't have to say that. It's okay. Um, and then Nat says, Hey, it was real to me too. Mm-hmm. And they, they embrace in a hug. Uh, this is a great moment between the two of okay. them. They share their moment. And then uh, a wounded Molina and Alexi show up. And they, they all, they're all talking to everybody good. And Molina says, I am clearly injured. <laughs> Which I, yeah. I thought she's like limping along And uh, yeah. and uh, Nat asks Alexi You got something to say? He says I just mess it up Which is a, a great callback To all the times he was trying yeah. to, He was trying hard here um, And then we can hear In the background vehicles approaching um, As Nat says Here comes the cavalry So this is uh, This was a, another part maybe I had a little bit of a problem with um, mm-hmm. I mean, she's still on the run. She still did things wrong. So because she like gave them the red room, she gets the. I, I don't. It didn't quite add up to me because we see it right a little bit after this. She's in her and mm-hmm. she's blonde and she's changed and she says she's gonna clean up the mess here. We never see her interacting with with Ross or anyone else. Yeah, and and then we just see her afterwards. And she's free again on the run It felt yeah. like there was a scene That we needed to see here That was missing Like how'd she get out Like how did she get out basically? Why did they just let her get away Why didn't Why didn't they take her back Like they were coming after her At the very beginning of the movie Now they found mm-hmm. her Um, What What has she done to She's still screwed up with the Sokovia Accord She still Yeah Took a shot at the king of Wakanda Like I we didn't see any resolution for us For me to realize okay now why is she Still like on the run again at the end With her blonde hair here so I don't It was something it was like there's something Something that I would have liked to see right here Between her and Ross mm. that I feel Like maybe was missing I, I can see what you mean I'm not as uh, I don't have that uh, much of a Complaint about that though because I feel like We already saw her Escape from Ross and Ross's Men earlier in the film and we saw them right on top of her and, and her escape. So we can assume that she could do that again, like at the drop of a hat. That's like that's pie right there. Uh, so I, I'm just assuming in that moment that, yes, they're all you know, bearing down on on her, this, these shield agents and Ross's um, soldiers. Uh, but she just escapes. And uh, and then that's why she dyes her hair again. And she's on the run. And we leave her uh, in this story at the moment where she, you know, she gets the the. The Quinjet, I think that's the name of the the, the plane, right? The the Shield Jet, the, yeah. That that the Shield Jet, the Quinjet, and uh, I believe she goes off then to 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 break uh, Steve Rogers and and the crew out of um, the raft, if I'm not mistaken. So, so <laughs> um, that was yeah, that that just where we get another couple cool moments that they all share together, where uh, they. Um, Ross and the officials are driving towards Nat and the family. So Molina asks, "What's our plan?" And she says, "You guys go all stay." And they said, "No." And Alexi says, "We fight. We fight with you." Natasha says, "I'll hold them off." And Alexi says, "No, we'll fight. Um, we can't split up. You're so pig-headed." She says, "You guys go, because um, if it can work out for the four of us, you know there may be some hope for the Avengers." Um, and she says, "Okay." Elena uh, says, "If you're leaving, I guess you should take this." So she kicks off and she gives Nat her vest. It's just I know how much you liked yeah. it. It does have a lot of pockets in there. She jokes and uh, very handy pockets. 
Um, so she tells Alina he had widows implanted all over the world. Melina will need to copy the formula, but you should tell you should be the one to tell them it's over. And that's when uh, uh, a plane shows up and the widows all arrived. And Alina is very pleased because she says, you came back for us. And they tell her, we wouldn't leave you behind. So this does set up like we were teasing at the beginning. You've got now Alexi, Melina, Elena, and all these freed widows. They can, you know, be, uh, you know, fixing things and, and, and they can be you know, completing these missions and, uh, you know, fighting the greater good. Yeah, and I wonder if any of them are going to want to retire and just live normal lives lives now. And what's that going to look like? That'd be interesting, actually. Like, could they do a Disney Plus series about like a Black Widow who's just trying to be like like an adopted mom or something like that? I, I'd be interested to see what that might look like too. I don't know how entertaining that would be, but it could be. The uh, little whistle I thought was pretty great too. Um, yeah. Um, first Melina tells Nat to take care of herself She says don't worry I got this um, And Melina And then as a as another thing to maybe keep forward um, Antonia Taskmaster Is laying there on the floor And one of the widows walks over to kind of mourn for her um, And Melina says don't worry We're bringing her with us mm-hmm. So Nat and uh, Alina whistle to each other A goodbye they smile And they go their separate ways And the widows Alexi, Melina, Elena Taskmaster, they all go off together as Nat stands and waits for Ross, but we don't see them interact. So, um, yeah, we put a bow on the the uh, the family dynamic there and the interactions, which was great. And we mm-hmm. flash to newly blonde Nat, who sees uh, her buddy Rick, who's asleep, and she says, "You ever not sleep?" He says, "I've been in six different time zones in three days because of you." And she jokes, really? Um, she says, are you scraping together some parts? What'd you get me this time? Like an upside down lawnmower? And he <laughs> says, no, you see what I can get with a bit of time and money. And this thing was awesome looking. This jet. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he says, go on and say it. It would be really good for me to hear it. She tells him that she's impressed here. And she tells him that he's always been a good friend. Um and and this was a funny line. He says, "That's what every man wants to hear." <laughs> um, and he asks her where she's gonna go. He says, "Funny, my whole life I didn't think I had any family. Turns out I got two. One of them's a bit of a mess right now. I'm gonna go break a few of them out of prison. See if I can help patch a few things up." And she walks off. And uh, so that's the end of the movie before the credits roll. Um, this last little bit. How did you think it finished up, TK? I liked it. I, I liked the nice little bow it, it, it tied on her character. It gave her a nice send off, I think, and and passed that baton. And it, it was a little bit of an Easter egg too with the, the the vest thing too. That's the vest she's wearing in Infinity War. Uh, nice continuity there and like reinforcement of the idea of like when in you know in her history this all happened. Uh, so I thought that was done really well. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it's a nice resolution, I, I think. And I love how she's, she dyes her hair once more. That's just a thing with, with her. Uh, I love how that, that was a little detail about her as a, as a, a younger girl. She had her blue hair at the time. It was just a nice little foreshadowing of like all her disguises and, you know, ha- hair dyeing and, uh, you know, as she gets older. Um, but yeah, it was, 
it, it was great. And I, I was really entertained also by the mid credits sequence that's coming up next too. post credits, mid credits scene uh, at <laughs> Natasha's grave. Um, it's got to be Ohio. And uh, Yelena pulls up with a dog that she calls Fanny. And uh, she uh, cleans up her sister's tombstone a little bit. And it's a, a nice moment as she sort of cries and she she whistles. And then we hear <laughs> it's Val blowing her nose. And uh, she says, sorry, I'm allergic to the Midwest. What this woman did, honestly, I, I can't even imagine. And she says, you're not supposed to be bothering me on my holiday time, Val. Um, and Val says, oh, bothering you? No, no, I'm just here paying my respects. Yelena says, yeah, uh, you know, coming here makes you look desperate. Val laughs. And uh, Yelena says, I want to raise. Val says, you and me both. Believe me, you're going to earn it. I've got your next target. She shows Yelena a picture of Clint. And she thought I'd hand deliver it. Maybe you'd like a shot at the man responsible for your sister's death. Kind of a cutie, don't you think? <laughs> so Val is back. Remember, this was actually supposed to be Val's actual introduction. Yeah. This, this was supposed to be before we saw her in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, what is she setting up? What moving forward we get the uh, we you know we get the feeling that Yelena's done some work with her before, and mm-hmm. uh, now we know Yelena kind of has a, a motivation now to go after Clint. This sets up a lot of things in just a small little scene here. I thought it was very good moving forward, and like I said, I yeah. I do think we will get more of a uh, people um, kind of sharing their their thoughts and their uh, their sadness for for Nat. Um, you know, and, and like whatever, yeah. like some kind of a funeral scene or something like that. Yeah, and she deserves it too. That was one thing that was kind of missing from Endgame was like really an appreciation for her sacrifice there. Uh, Tony got his send off, uh, but Nat uh, kind of got the short end of the stick there a little bit. And uh, I think that'll be really interesting to follow the grief uh, uh, and uh, the process of uh, dealing with that grief that that Hawkeye will will have to be doing uh especially since he was there it was he's probably blaming himself it was his closest friend maybe only friend outside of uh you know his his family and maybe the rest of the avengers uh so it's just it's got a sting for him to have lost uh nat in that way so he'll undoubtedly be dealing with it for sure and then you know the dynamic that potentially elena is going to be a bad guy or, you know, the antagonist early on, at least in, uh, in the C, uh, the series with, with, uh, within the Hawkeye series, that is that that's really intriguing as well. And also, I think this kind of shows us, uh, a little bit more clearly, uh, that, that Val's character is not good, that she's going to end up being, you know, the, maybe the evil version or the semi evil version, at least, of of Nick Fury here, like putting together this hit squad, uh, this dark Avengers. Um, uh, that's going to be really, really cool to see. Is that going to be a series eventually or a film? Uh, I can't wait to see what the next big team up thing is uh, in the MCU and how they go about that. I liked it, TK. There were some things that yeah. we could we can nitpick and we went through everything and we set you all up and we went through all of it, but it was fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. I'm so excited for where these characters are going to go moving forward. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good way to say goodbye to Natasha. It was a great way to yeah. introduce Yelena, Melina, mm-hmm. Alexi, 
um, all these new characters moving forward. We got a little bit more with Val. Uh, we got introduced to Rick. Even I am, I'm pumped, man. I, I just, I'm excited about where we're headed. Absolutely, and and it's not just setting up. Like you said, it was a fun ride. It, it was a nice little story. It it got it gave some weight to what had happened with Natasha and gave us a little some answers about you know Budapest. I'm going to say uh, from now on, I, I didn't know about that until this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, I'd like to see more of these characters that they introduced for sure. But at, at the same time, like I don't think that they just put them in as um, they weren't Easter eggs. They weren't just little you know, fan service. We, we got a lot of like good material out of the Red Guardian and uh, out of the new Black Widow uh, and uh, and even out of. Uh, taskmaster despite you know maybe some of the complaints that have been uh, out there in the community um but yeah overall this was a very solid outing and i was really glad to get back to the movies and see a, a movie in the theater and then also have the opportunity to see it you know again at home so that's kind of the best of both worlds um also related to that though what what do you think of the uh, the box office here have you have you looked into that at all it was it a was, major drop off Good very mm-hmm. first weekend, right? And then big drop off yeah. afterwards. Big I, time, yeah, big so time. I I wonder I wonder like if something like Disney Plus what what had that has to do with it too. Like I, I wonder well, Yeah. The the exhibitors are all saying so and kind of blaming it on that. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand. The theaters don't like this model. Uh there's too much piracy going on with it. Um I know I, I was able to find uh, very good looking uh, pirated copy of this. Of course, I'm a Disney Plus person, so I bought it legally, but I just looked into it to see what was out there, and it's very easy to find great uh, pirated content here. Uh, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people took that route over paying $30 for it. Uh, but you know, I made sure to, to go out into the theater and, and, and see it that way as well, because it's a movie that deserves to be seen. Uh, on the big screen, it's it's spectacle and it's a it's a ride of a movie, and I, I think they did it justice. You know, it should it have been done earlier, probably, but it also fit well into this time period, and it and the story that they told and the way they went about telling that story could have only really fit in, um, I think, in, in this time and as a a send off and uh, handing of the baton, it it, it really worked so. A solid, Tim, solid film. I'm going to give it an A+. Tim Kelly has been along for the, the ride for all of our TV shows, and this was our first trip into the movies. As uh, We had fun. We, we spent quite a, a time doing it, but you know what? We both enjoy getting through all this stuff. There was so much fun to talk about, and there's so many things that it's set forward uh, you know, in, in future movies and TV shows. And we'll have, a, I guess, a little bit of a break. So what's, what's, what'll be next for us? Is it What If? Is that like what, what comes believe, up next? Yeah, I think so. And it's not that long. It's a, it's a few weeks away. I believe I it's, it starts August in August. 12th, something like that? Yeah, that's yeah. That, something like that. Sounds Middle right. of August. So not too um, far away. And then we'll get into uh, uh, with Shang-Chi, I think, after that. I uh-huh. think in September. And then we'll continue yeah. on with a bunch of stuff later into the year, early into next year. Every time there's something new happening, a new Marvel TV show, movie, you know you're going to get a full recap review and deep dive here from tim kelly on that's what g said so a big thank you again to tim make sure to give him a follow at tim is not funny on instagram and on twitter and uh make sure to follow tim's 
music project Ice Cream Fire anywhere where you get your music TK, thank you for spending a little extra time. This was a lengthy one, but um, I'm, I'm glad uh, I'm glad we got through it all because it, I think there was a lot of fun things to discuss, and we've been getting really good feedback. People people that are are into this stuff and that are nerdy about it, just like us, they love us hear it, like hearing us uh, go on about it because they feel the same way. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's been a blast, you know, talking uh, through all these shows and now this movie with you. I uh, love talking Marvel uh, with you, and I, I love hearing the, the comments too on social media. I'm hearing more and more. Uh, every week, you know, from people listening to these uh, chats, and so I'm just really grateful uh, to to be hearing that and uh, to be having these chats with you, man. So uh, can't wait till next time. Looking forward to uh, Marvel What If and exploring the multiverse with you. TK, buddy, I'll talk to you uh, again real soon, folks. Do not go anywhere. Still play more on that's what she said. Big thank you to TK, Tim Kelly, helping us out with that Black Widow deep dive. We were having so much fun talking. We uh, we just could have gone on and on forever. And we'll continue on the next episode in a few days to uh, checking in, uh, check in with the Olympics, what's happening there. We're going to talk some baseball. Ben will join me to talk uh, Dodgers, and we'll also have a baseball discussion. You know what we'll have with wrestling this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper joining us. I'm going to get uh, some Ted Lasso in the mix. Also, we'll have weekend racing. So much on tap on the next episode of That's What G Said. Hope you all enjoyed it. Best of luck on Wednesday, Thursday with the, the racing action there. Thanks to Tim for helping us out. Thanks to Eric for talking NBA. Uh, talk to you in a few days, folks. We'll be back soon with more That's What G Said. Sure.